Demi Hudson-Pillar, it's great to have you here on Charisma News to talk about what God is speaking to you about the year 2024. So welcome to Charisma News. Well, hey, thanks for having me, John. As you know, I love Charisma. And my last book that just came out with you guys, Fasting for a Change, is exactly what God's showing me right now. You know, many of us during the pandemic have just become very quiet and silent with our testimony and with our our faith. And Holy Spirit just really spoke to me and he said, fast for a change, Tammy. And what he's showing me, John, in 2024 is that I'm to be still and allow Holy Spirit to move. I spend a lot of time in prayer and I'm a very active person. As you know, I've been on your show many times and I love you guys. Um, I'm an entrepreneur and I love to start businesses. I'm very oriented with with just a lot of drive. But Holy Spirit said to me very clearly, I want you to be still. I want you to spend time in prayer. I want you to fast and I want you to see what I can do. And so I just want to say to your audience, it's not being still in silence with your voice. It's being still in spirit. Would you just sit on your knees? Would you open the word of God? Would you begin to pray for the wind of revival? the spirit of of God to move over our nation. And I just think that as we really get still with God and we begin to pray for supernatural anointing over our pulpits, our churches, our leaders, and we intercede for those who are speaking, God's going to do a mighty work. So I'm going to be still and see what God can do. That's really good word. Be still and see what God can do. And that's not being silent. That is being still and letting God fight our battles. That is so powerful. Tammy, thank you for sharing what God is speaking to you about the year 2024 with us. Thanks, John. Always a blessing. Let's see what God's going to do. The war that I believe wants to break loose truly is an ushering in of World War III. Joseph Z, it's great to have you back on Charisma News. And this this time of year, we like to find out what is God saying about the next year? So Joseph Z, what is it that God's speaking to you about the year 2024? Well, John, first of all, I just want to say we love Charisma News. We love the organization, Charisma Magazine. Everything you guys do is so wonderful, so excellent. And uh, I'm just privileged to be on your platform. Thank you for having me. And uh, yes, regarding 2024, you know, oftentimes prophetic people, they they talk about the next year and put it in a, a box of 12 months. And I will talk about that, but it's always more of a season anyway, mm. uh, what's coming around the, the bend, what's coming around the corner. One of the big words I saw, John, for the coming year is uh, the roar and the war in 24, the roar and the war. And in addition to that, I saw, I was praying about this broadcast actually. And as I was praying, I heard the word more. And I'm not normally a rhyming prophetic person, (laughs) but I heard the war, the roar, and 24 more. This word more, I believe that God is going to give more to those who've been faithful with what he's given them, Hmm. more is coming. You know, like the parable of the talents, the parable of these things where one was given one all the way to 10, five turns to 10, and you recognize this whole thing that 
Even the one who is not faithful with the one was given to the one who had the most. And I believe God is saying to those who are faithful are going to begin to have more. There's going to be more in 24. And I believe that's going to be under duress, under pressure, under difficulty. I think they're trying to bring a lot of very difficult things uh, to mm. the, the world. The spirit of Antichrist wants to do that. But man, I actually have a lot of things the spirit of the Lord has spoken to me about with what's happening in this coming season. Mm. And I, I believe it's going to be a very powerful time. Um, a lot of things actually. So you mentioned roar and war. So let's first talk about the war. Cause we're, you yeah. know, we're in a season where we've got the whole Russia, Ukraine thing, which that seems to be just about over for Ukraine yeah. um, uh, from the last things that I've been hearing. Uh, we've yes. got, uh, as we're recording this, there's currently a temporary ceasefire in oh. Israel with uh, Israel and Hamas. Um, yep. But we know that that's not going to last. So there's no. not just wars and rumors of wars. There is actual wars going on right now. And God yes. spoke this to you. What, what else is God speaking about war? Well, I'll say this first. Back on September 16th of 2023, um, I woke up early in the morning in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and the Spirit of the Lord began to minister two things to me. One, when I woke up while I was ministering there, John, I woke up. And when I woke up, I was no longer in Tulsa. It was a prophetic moment. It wasn't mm -hmm. in reality, but I woke up in a visionary way and I woke up in Las Vegas, Nevada, Las mm -hmm. Vegas, Nevada. And, and the Lord said to me, what is happening in Vegas will not stay in Vegas. And I wasn't even aware of this, but at that exact time, there'd been a cyber hacking going on in Las Vegas that was in the, I don't know, some casino or hotel and it, it, they couldn't even get a handle on it. Mm -hmm. So they somehow settled the issue with the parties involved. They didn't resolve the actual hacking. And the cyber issue was breaking loose. They, they kind of put a lid on it just by compromising. And then he took me over and said, uh, Israel, this is three weeks before the war broke out, Israel will march against their enemies and it'll be an unprecedented thing and a new precedent for them. And um, I went live and I declared this live on our broadcast that exact mm. morning. So three weeks ahead of time, I said, Israel's going to march. And when I saw this, then the Lord began to minister to me about how the coming year there'd be a war, there'd be these roar, all these things. And uh, even our dear friend, Alan DiDio, had the same word about a war in 24. Yeah. So he and I have discussed that. But when we're looking at this, I really sense, John, that the cyber attack, that what happened in Vegas will not stay in Vegas. Now, this has happened in more places than just Vegas. But the Lord used that as a touchstone to say a word to me that I believe we're going to see unparalleled, unprecedented almost cataclysmic cyber attacks that will come over the next season. And when that begins to happen, the Lord also said to me, but I will raise up a standard. I will bring deliverance. I will give people witty ideas to out, outdo this and, and come through it in a positive way. And then in addition to that, the war that I believe wants to break loose truly is an ushering in of World War III. I believe they mm -hmm. want to do that. The spirit of Antichrist wants that. Is that an absolute? No, it is not. But I do see that being the plan of the enemy. Like we're seeing the plan of the enemy. We're seeing what they want to bring forward. And and I am definitely not a doom and gloom prophetic voice, but I do see dark things. And then we have to go to the word of God. And I believe what we do, John, how we stand up in faith can alter these things. Because so many people say, I actually, uh, one of my, my dear friends nicknames me the, the, <laughs> the joyful prophet of doom. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, well, thank you very much. But, but what I see coming 
is very similar to Matthew 24, when Jesus said, and he's prophesying, hey, this is going to happen. The city's going to be surrounded. If, the, if you see these signs, get off your rooftop. Don't even go inside. Run for the hills and run now. And all these things were coming. And then he began to say, but pray. Pray that what you see coming, or mm. when you see these things, that it doesn't happen in winter, and it doesn't happen on a Sabbath. And I find that interesting that Jesus would say that. Pray that what happens doesn't happen at this time. Hmm. And I found that interesting because I believe the Lord is saying to many of us that we think that this is a fatalistic prophetic society or a fatalistic words of the Lord. And it's not. The Lord is looking for our cooperation. He says things to us, not to scare us, but to prepare us. And we look at Acts chapter 11, when Agabus prophesied, he prophesied there'd be a famine coming and mm -hmm. the church didn't freak out. They sent aid. They immediately yeah. sent aid. Agabus said a, a famine's coming, and it happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. And then the church rose up and sent aid as a response to the prophetic word. And I believe they altered the narrative. Instead of it being a terrible uh, time of starvation or what could come, the church sent aid. They were able to alter that prophetic gloom that was coming. And so I feel that what's coming over this next year, we're going to see a number of things, John. Number one, I believe we're going to see coastal fires coastal fires uh, in, in variety of ways, but I believe in the United States, we'll see coastal fires. <clears throat> but I believe that means that we're going to see first in the natural, then in the spirit. And by coastal fires, I believe there will be indeed physical fires that break out. I think California is going to have something of that narrative. And then there's going to be revival fires, first mm. in the natural, then in the spirit. We're going to see some of those things begin to happen. I believe for many people, this is a year of land, a year of land. This is really important. And why am I saying this? Because a lot of people have stepped into things. They were going to get inheritances, breakthroughs. Something mm. was supposed to come to them. They had a promise in their heart. They had a promise from the Lord they were standing on. They've sowed like it. They've lived like it. And it hasn't manifested. And the Spirit of the Lord has been saying to me, it's been a demonic assault against people's God-given inheritance, inheritances mm -hmm. and things that, that belong to them. And I see a land transfer coming to many people, property ownership in the middle of a financial crisis. I see the Lord saying it's a paid in full victory time for those who've been faithful. Again, more in 24, even in the middle of economic issues, a year of land. Um, I believe another thing that I've been praying about and I bring up quite often actually on my program, uh, which we do every single day. I, I believe clearly there's going to be more and more of this narrative around aliens. Okay, now it's a weird thing to talk about, but we're going to see more of this alien narrative. It came out and it kind of went to the back burner and I believe it's going to come back with a vengeance. Mm -hmm. uh, UFO, UAP, aliens, you know, we all came from other planets. We're, we're seeded by these alien entities and um, I think they're going to make more and more movies about it, all of it. But I believe, again, those are three things. One, it's either technology people are seeing in the sky. Two, it's a pro holographic a broadcast they do through things like Project Bluebeam, or three, mm -hmm. it really is nefarious demonic activity that we're seeing in the sky. It could be all three. The point is, there's no such thing as aliens, but there is things people are seeing, and it's legitimate stuff that people are encountering. I believe it's a last day's deception that's going to get more and more prevalent the closer we get to the return of the Lord. And I believe wow. this coming year, we're going to see that again. I also believe climate change is going to turn into, uh, it's going to reach new levels that will be a religious status. They're going to use climate change. It's going to become almost like a religious cult-like belief way beyond what we've seen. And it's going to be mechanized for the purposes of control on the culture. 
Hmm. And the same way they tried to control us with all the things they did in 2020 with the Mark of the Beast precursor practice serum, John, uh, they're going to begin to push this climate narrative and it's going to have that same spirit behind it. I sense the word, a great surprise is coming in the next year. And the surprise, what I mean by that, to define it further, I sense a great surprise is rising as if a balloon were growing and growing and growing and then burst. And then I saw this, an unexpected win or a surprise upset coming this next year, a surprise upset, and it will make a mark on institutionalism, a major mark on all institutionalism, a surprise upset that makes a mark. And then with that, and on the heels of that, I saw the word a purging, a purging in the business sector, in the arts sector, as more actors and icons are called out for misappropriation of their positions morally and influentially. Hmm. And Bill Gates is another one that's going to have some things begin to uh, come forward. I believe Bill Gates is going to unveil another new plan. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, do not trust what that traitor puts out. And he's a traitor to all things righteous. And uh, that's, you know, and I don't know if you want to keep this in the broadcast or not, but I, <laughs> I sense that's coming. And I think that's a, a very serious deal. Um, so when I'm looking at this, though, but the good news that I sense, John, that I've been praying about is I keep seeing an awakening, like real Holy Spirit, raw spiritual horsepower mm. is going to come on the scene. Real horsepower, the kind that's irrefutable. Power is going to get on display in a, in a fresh way that people have not experienced in a generation. I believe it's going to get very, very strong, and we're going to see so many of these things happening. One of the big words God gave me is this word I've carried now uh, ever since 2020. We've heard it for years in my spirit, but I'll give this word. Back in 2020, I saw mercy that would come to America when Roe v. Wade would be overturned. I went live on our broadcast. I said, Roe versus Wade will be overturned. I heard this in my spirit. I wrote it on the whiteboard mm. back in 2020 that Roe v. Wade would be overturned by an unprecedented decision by the Supreme Court, and that it would be a political earthquake. That happened, and the Spirit of the Lord said, America will have more time. Mm. Um, in addition to that, I've seen now what is rising and trying to manifest and many prophetic voices are saying similar things suddenly. But since that year, I've been seeing this word Decapolis, Decapolis, mm. the word Decapolis means 10 cities. And I see 10 cities symbolically that want to begin to burn at the same time. And I believe that's because of foreign adversaries, the open border issues, the way that this has been allowed. As a matter of fact, when you got a Manchurian candidate that's in office watching pretty balloons go and do figure eights over our military bases and only gunning them down when they get over the ocean, uh, you got to ask the question, you know, is he really bought and paid for by the Red Dragon? And I think, yes, is the answer. Mm. But that is what we're seeing. If that was a precursor, I believe, to many of these cells that are trying to rise up and do nefarious, wicked activity in the United States. But I see Decapolis, 10 cities burning at once, and I keep hearing the Spirit of the Lord saying, this is not set. It does not have to be. We mm. can stand up, we can push back against it, just like when Jesus said, pray that your flight does not happen on the Sabbath. Pray that it is not wintertime. He began to pray saying, you can change the narrative, at least on the timeline of these wow. events. They may eventually come, but we can slow it down. We can turn the narrative. We are here. We're free moral agents. We can push back against this nefarious wickedness. I see this antichrist agenda that wants to break loose out of the world economic form, and yet I see a judgment coming against the world economic form. I see the WHO trying to bring nefarious stuff and steal our sovereignty as a nation. And mm. yet I see judgment coming against the WHO. I see the United Nations, which is actually more of an American scenario, trying to bring out its nefarious activity and really try to basically 
take America down and bring other nations in and foreign troops on U.S. soil. I've seen that, but I see that trying to rise, and I see a judgment being spoken against that. And mm -hmm. the Spirit of the Lord is saying, if my people will cooperate, if we will pray, if we'll continue to be in our lane, be in our grace, be in our place where we're called to be, these things cannot just manifest freely because we're here. The ecclesia is here, John, and Amen. we can push this stuff back. It can stand up. You know, I say it this way. The devil might come walking over, but he's going to go limping back because when the kingdom of darkness begins to rise up, we can stand against this stuff and begin to see righteousness rise in the middle of all of it. I believe we're going to see another legislation, get this, for freedom tech, for freedom mm. tech, because what I've sensed is not just sensed it, you see it in the news right now, currently, where you got the, I, I like to call it the Manchurian Candidate Administration, is beginning to allow control over the internet again. They're getting legislated agreement where they're controlling the internet that just happened last week. Hmm where they're going to be able to dictate what can be said, what they deem worthy of, uh, whether it's, you know, bias or not bias, they're going to deem what's what, and they're going to shut down freedom of speech like never before. And they're doing that, obviously, because we're coming into an election cycle. Of course, and when yeah. this begins to happen, I believe, John, we also will see a return of freedom tech. I see one more round for freedom tech. I saw it back in 2020 when it all got shut down, things happened. Mm. The Lord spoke to us and said, Elon and Twitter. And we, we prophesied that on our broadcast, Elon, Twitter, and then wow. I saw uh, Lindell, and we prophesied that. We began to declare that. Then I saw suppression coming again, and here it comes. But I do believe there will be another round of freedom tech. I don't know if that's through internet, satellite, how they're going to do it, but somebody's going to break free. Now, it could be a false flag that we get freedom for a time, only to bring us into captivity again, but I do sense freedom tech will get another voice yet, and I believe that'll come over the next year or so, uh, where it's mm -hmm. going to be suppressed, and then freedom will rise once again. So these things are coming. Uh, they want to begin to control water. I believe the word water is going to become a narrative and we got to watch what's happening with our water. Uh, I think that's going to become a political mechanism. I believe people are going to begin to protest over water. Uh, back before the farmers and the truckers rose up about a year and a half ago, the Spirit of the Lord showed us that about three months in advance, said now we've seen uh, Southwest Airlines was uh, standing against some of the agendas that these elites were pushing. And then I said, and the Spirit of the Lord showed us that the truckers would rise up and it went live and I said mm. I see truckers all over rising up then the freedom convoy happened and they went up against uh, that dictator Trudeau you know uh, Castro's kid uh, they went up and they did that and suddenly the truckers were shut down and then the Lord said now the farmers will rise and the farmers mm. rose up in the Netherlands they rose up around and right now I'm just seeing such a great great arising of people that will rise up against the water crisis that's coming I sense an uprising against water crisis and the water crisis is not so much that it'll be limited. I believe they're going to try to they're going to try to put a valve, so to speak, on water. They need to profit off water more, and they want to put something in water. And, and I don't understand this fully, but I know water is going to be a major talking point in the next season. And then we're going to begin looking for ways to purify water and uh, try to make it so water... I, I believe one of the... Here, here's something I see in my spirit, John. You have to discern it. Your audience can discern it. We know in part, we prophesy in part, but please discern this. And you judge what the Lord is saying to you mm -hmm. through this. But I believe they're going to say things like, keep water free. Keep water free. Keep the water free. Water is free. Or there's going to be some kind of slogan or campaign around keeping water free. So I see those kind of things coming, but I sense the greatest revival the world has ever seen. Keep water free.
water free. Water is free. Or there's going to be some kind of slogan or campaign around keeping water free. So I see those kind of things coming, but I sense the greatest revival the world has ever seen. I sense so much of this in the middle of it. As a matter of fact, John, if I could, I'll switch on another mic here and I could yeah. talk about that over here. Is that okay? Absolutely. I'm go to the yeah. whiteboard. Okay, Sounds let's good. do that. So let me just draw this here. This is what I saw one day. I was in a meeting. I saw this timeline and I saw this being the USA. And this was the timeline. I saw this timeline going and then I saw it drop. And I saw it go to this. And then it came up again and it continued on, okay? So I was looking at this. I said, Lord, well, what, what am I looking at here? And I'll try to make that so it's a little more even with the other one. And I saw it kind of, you know, going on like that. I said, Lord, what, what is this? And the Lord said, this is the USA. And I saw the United States going down during this time at a, re- a rate of 30, 60, and 100 into mm-hmm. a time of darkness, to 100-fold into a season where there'd be darkness, John. This is what I began to see. Okay, and, uh, and the Lord spoke to me and said, sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. And when I was looking at this, then I began to have a dream and a vision about a giant tornado. Hang here with me because this seems Mm -hmm. negative, and it is, but there's more to this than just negativity. So I saw this giant tornado. I said, Lord, well, what is this all about? Why am I seeing this? What's happening? And in this dream and vision, I began to think, my goodness, we need to run away from this. We don't want to be a part of this. And I was, I was with my family and I saw this. And the Lord said, no, do not run from the storm. Run to the storm. You need to run towards the battle like David did towards Goliath. And I saw this area of protection, a place of protection, a place of hiddenness at the base of the storm. And, you know, recently I was with another friend and we were talking about this and um, a friend by the name of Larry Sparks, sometimes we do some stuff together here and there. And I began to see this as these word of the Lord came forward and I got it confirmed. And I saw this word in the middle of the storm, we're going to see revival. Hmm. Okay, right in the middle of the storm, revival. I believe revival wants to manifest right in the middle of the storm, a big revival, just strength of God manifesting in the middle of the storm. Then at the end of this, I saw reformation. Reformation with reformers, and they are going to come out bursting out of the season where God protects the righteous, hidden in the cleft of the rock, so to speak. Righteousness prevails. And during this time, I believe this is where you're going to see land transfers. You're going to begin to see economic change and shaking. You're going to begin to see turbulence, and you're going to see the oaks of righteousness leaving, and the redwoods begin to rise. And what do I mean by that? The Redwoods, John, they are a united front of reformers. They are the Oaks of Righteousness were the, you know, the, the faithful leaders and voices of righteousness in the earlier generations that are now older, and they're mm-hmm. going to begin to leave, okay? But the Redwoods are going to rise, and they're going to be like a united front, and they're mighty, they're, they're enormous, and they're going to stand together as a united front against this wicked agenda. <clears throat> and then through this, the Redwoods rising, I believe that we're going to see the U.S. and nations like it come back at 30, 60, and 100 fold. And then I saw the words, the new America. And new America doesn't necessarily mean better. It'll be different. Mm. Things will happen. But during this season, John, I see <clears throat> great reformation. I see revival. I see breakthrough. And this is the time of the young lions. 
Okay, so there's a lot here, but this is, this is in a snapshot what I've been sensing the Lord saying about where we're headed as a nation. And I believe we're about here right now on this scale of things. Wow. So that's what I wanted to share with you. Wow, Joseph, that's, a, that's really powerful. And I, I love that, that God's showing you that there is peace within that storm and there's revival within that storm. And there's a place Always. that you're not supposed to run from that storm, but you're supposed to run to it. That's One of my, right. um, I have a friend that I, I did a podcast with years ago and he said that, um, he can set his watch by trouble because he knows huh. that, that God is moving where there's trouble, where there's opposition that he said, that's where God wants me to go. And so that's, that's something that's stuck with me so that whenever, um, whenever God's doing something in the midst of a storm, that's where his people need to be. And we're going to be protected just like um, the children of Israel were protected from the plagues in the land of Goshen. All the stuff is happening around them, but we can, just like them, we can hold on to the fact that we don't have to be um, dealing with all these plagues and all these storms that are around us because there's peace within that revival and that's going to lead to reformation. I, I'm not sure if I summarized that as well as I think as you, you did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and of course, you know, people, we know in part, we prophesy in part, John, yeah. but God never leaves us hopeless Amen. ever. He never says, Oh, well, it's going to be bad. Well, it's actually not bad. It's going to be worse. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he says, we're not, the Bible's so clear. We are not here for a time of wrath. We're not appointed under wrath. We are, we're appointed under the goodness of the Lord, but that doesn't mean we're not going to have persecution. That doesn't mean we won't have trouble. It doesn't mean there's not going to be difficulty. It's going to get very, very difficult, but that's, that's God's MO. It's how yeah. we operate. I love what your friend said, you know, set your, set your, what do you say? Set your set watch. Your watch set by trouble. By trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I love that statement. That's what yeah. it's true. God's with us in the middle of it all. Look at the book of Exodus. Look at Exodus 10. It was dark in Egypt, but it was light in Goshen. And I like to say this, uh, these, these thug, wicked demon spirits, these nefarious mutinous angels that are trying to run this world into the ground. You know what? Mm-hmm. We're here and they can just step off. Because we got a, a bright future, so bright, we're going to have to squint or wear sunglasses to look at it, even in the middle of this darkness. It might have been dark in Egypt, but it was light in Goshen, and that light was not man-made. It was supernatural light in the middle of it all. Amen. Amen. Brother, uh, there, there's so much more that we can talk about, but I just want to ask you to pray for our, sure. uh, for our viewers right now, uh, that they honor. would be able to just hold on to what you've been saying. My honor. Lord, in the name of Jesus, first of all, I break off every bit of crisis fatigue, every bit of scenario that people are just struggling through. In the name of Jesus, I resist the crisis in your life. Jesus is Lord. He's with you. And on a bad day, he's anointed you to be the very best there is. He's not leaving you nor forsaking you. Even if they flip the switch on economics, even if they flip the switch on on healthcare, if they flip the switch on our liberties and freedoms, we have the living God in us. We got Jesus Christ as Lord. He's not afraid. Neither should you be. The devil's been a loser from the beginning. He lost in the Old Testament. He lost in the New Testament. He's going to lose in the future. He might have a season called the Great Tribulation. But you know what? even after that, Jesus wins. Jesus wins. Your future is bright. And listen to me, you might be going through a really difficult challenge. You might be facing the culture, looking at family, looking at these crazy ideologies that are hitting the planet right now, but who cares? Christ in you, the hope of glory is more than enough. And I begin to speak strength over you right now. I come against whatever's tormenting you by the spirit of God. We torment that spirit and we bring life to you and we call victory in the middle of defeat, whatever it is. I command healing in your body, clarity 
to your mind. I come against that, that crisis fatigue. Even people that are struggling with health right now and working through that process, lift up your eyes, your redemption draws near, and I commend healing into your flesh right now. Jesus is with you. Listen to me. A man or woman with a revelation is never at the mercy of a culture gone mad. And you need to stick close to Jesus because he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. And I'm telling you, we got a bright future no matter what darkness says. I'm so privileged to be with you, John. you got a great audience. Thank you very much, Joseph. I really appreciate that you shared with us what God has been sharing for you about 2024 or the season of 2024, really, Amen. and giving us things that we can hold on to, look forward and be prepared for so that we can be a change agent for this upcoming season. Amen. God bless you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, John. Eight minutes later, a guy dropped dead up in the balcony of the church. And now the prophecy means something, right? There's a dead man in the balcony. Pastor Brian, I want to hear what God is saying to you about the year 2024. So welcome to Charisma News. Hey, it's a, it's an honor to be with you. Thank, thanks so much for having me, brother. Uh, yeah, his church, you know, we, we hang our hat on this fact. Matthew 16, 18. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that's like the cornerstone scripture for my life, because I believe Jesus is building this church, which is all of us. Mm -hmm. And uh, that we're literally tougher than hell. Like my favorite place on earth is up in northern Israel, Caesarea Philippi. And that's where Jesus took his disciples to what they thought were the gates of hell back then. And that's the mouth of the Jordan River back in the day. You, you mm. ever been up there, John? Yeah, I have been? actually. Yeah. Yeah. You know how wicked it looks at the bottom of that big cliff? I mean, it really it, does. Yeah. It looks like it's a portal to hell. And uh, I think that's what the church should be. We should get up and eat our breakfast, mm. drink our coffee, right? Right by the gates of hell, because we're there to rescue people out from hell. And, uh, the church is the best whenever it's looking for the lost mm -hmm. and we're probably the worst when we're self-focused. So uh, <laughs> very well I, said, my friend. Very yeah, well I, think, I think that's when we're the, we're the best when we're serving others. And when we're always just focused on me, we're messing stuff up. So um, yeah, God's poured out a revival at, at the church. And I think it's kind of despite us. And I think he's honestly uh, trying to get us to look for him. Mm -hmm. uh, I was sitting in a service. The thing got kicked off. Maybe I said this last time we got interviewed, but my wife got up and gave a prophetic word in the service. She said, you'll live and not die, right? Mm -hmm. It's a worship service. You'll live and not die, declare the works of the Lord. And I'm like, well, that's nice, honey. I'm on the front row. I'm like, that's great. That's a, that's a scripture. I wouldn't have shut down the worship service for it, but all right, whatever. Till eight minutes later, a guy dropped dead up in the balcony of the church. Oh, wow. And now the prophecy means something, right? There's a dead man in the balcony. So, uh, all the medical people go up there. They start working on him, doing what they do. Thank God for him. And we're all praying. And I walk up there and they said his pulse would come and then it was go, would mm. go. So I don't know how dead he was on a scale of one to dead. Right? I'll, let, I'll leave that for everybody else to figure out. But when I got to him, the brother's white, his tongue's hanging out of his mouth. His eyes are rolled back in his head. Oh, my gosh. I've been around a lot of dead folk, you know, as a preacher, burying people. I'm like, this guy looks dead. So I walked up. Everybody's praying laid my hand on him, said, I agree with what was prophesied. You'll live and not die. Declare the works of the Lord. Wow. And I said, I rebuke death and command life into you. Whenever I did it, brother's eyes open up, tongue goes back into his mouth. He cocks his head up and he says, I'm fine. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. And it's like, 
it's on around here, right? Uh, what's funny is the revival didn't really break out that week. It was just like the beginning of a few mm. things that were happening. But after after that, I mean, stuff starts ha- just happening. Like a kid's out front laying on the concrete in front of the church, mm-hmm. strung out looking. It looks crazy, and he was crazy, you know, a lot of addiction and stuff. I went out there, and uh, it's like, hey, man, what can I help you? He's just laying there. It's an odd place to be laying. I'm, our church is not like downtown where yeah. you would have like, like, you know, some downtowns, that's like every downtown American now people land on the floor. Mm-hmm. He's like holding onto the threshold. And the kid says, my mom brought me here when I was a little boy. And I thought if I got here, I started walking across town this morning. Maybe I could find God. Wow. And God's drawing people and that's kept going. And it, it started in a service. Literally, we felt like angels were pushing us out of the way. Hmm. Like something brushing me, I couldn't see. I had four preachers testify. They felt the same thing. And uh, it's like almost like you ever get bumped in the hallway when you were a mm-hmm. kid in school. Get out of my way. It's almost like an angel shoulder checked me. And it was like, get out of the way, Brian. I got work to do here. Wow. And so that's what we've started doing and stuff's happening. It's crazy. So you've literally seen de- the dead come to life again. That You shall live and not die. What a what a prophetic word what a prophetic manifestation and uh, completion about that i mean that's that's powerful i mean that's that's something that i think every believer longs to see the dead come back to life um and that's that's so cool so we're talking about the revival that's happening you said that there's just incredible things that are happening there but we also want to talk about the next year and we're coming into 2024 and so, Pastor Brian, what is it that God is speaking to you prophetically about the year 2024? Well, we have an election year coming up, right? So everybody wants to know what's up with the election year. Mm-hmm. And to prepare for an election year, my wife and I sat down and watched episode one of The Hunger Games the other day. Right? <laughs> it's like eh, this thing, it always gets bloody and it always gets brutal. Let me say this. I'll say this. Uh, that's a prophetic thing I'm saying right now. Mm. It's more than just the movie. It's going to be how hungry is the church and how hungry is the camp of darkness, which will set up the stage for what happens in 2024. Wow. They, they asked me during the last election year who I thought would win. And all these people, people that I'm connected to, to as well, prophesying Trump's going to win, Trump's going to win, Trump's going to win. And I said, I think America will get what we deserve. Mm. Right. Thank God we don't always get what we deserve. But I thought like, you know, we're going to get what we've set up for during that last election. And that's that's really what happened. Um, I think this year I'll I'll go with that Hunger Games word. And it's like, what are you hungry for? Uh, I think the camp of darkness is more hungry for Mm -hmm. iniquity and confusion and pain and trauma and turmoil. And they're hungry to uh, demonize young minds and to destroy worldviews. And so, therefore, when the enemy comes in, like a, a comes in, right, the original language says, like a flood, God lifts up a standard. So, I think God's igniting a holy hunger in the saints. And Amen. what we're seeing right now at the end of 2024, I see revival breaking out, not just in our church, but around Amer- uh, America, little pockets of it. And mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's a foreshadowing and a taste of a divine revival that's coming to America. Amen. And I think it's starting to gain steam. And I almost see it like uh, it's like a kid on a bicycle headed downhill mm-hmm. and the chain begins to break 
and you lose control of the bike yourself and the bike starts moving at a rapid pace. And I think if the church will allow God to come in and do what he wants to do, that he's going to break the chain and we're going to start to just to, to head with a rapid pace towards revival. It's, it's an acceleration. Um, I think darkness is going to come to America at an unprecedented rate already has mm. that that will also accelerate, but that what God's going to do in the church will be an acceleration. Uh, I see in 2024, a lot of lampstands being extinguished, mm. right? Every church has a lampstand. And I think God said for many years, I started prophesying this. I don't know, maybe in 2012, um, Book of Revelation, Jesus comes to the church every, and, and the lamp stands a symbol of the church. Church has a messenger, and uh, which is the main elder or leader of the church. Um, and Jesus gives them both, hey, you did this well. And then he starts mm -hmm. to rebuke them, the seven churches of Asia Minor. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of lamp stands will be put out in 2024. Wow. God spoke to me years ago and he said this. He said, I mean, it's strong language. He talks to me like this. I don't, I don't know. Uh, he, he said, damn the lampstands and the spotlights that shine upon the wrong things for they shall be broken. Wow. And at the time I was running with a lot of pastors from lampstands that have been taken out very publicly in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Right. And my wife and I were grieved by some of the actions we would see going on at these places. Right. Um, I think we got to live right. Amen. Come out from amongst them. Be ye separate, saith the Lord, touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. And um, I'm not saying that to rebuke everybody because, you know, nobody's. Yeah, I've missed steps, too. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've been broken at times as well. So I don't say that to rebuke people, but I understand there's a spiritual principle that if we live like the world, we're going to we're going to reap from the world. And if we live like the church, we'll reap from the church. So reap from the spirit of God. So uh, there are lampstands that have been focused on the wrong things and they've been shining on the wrong things. And the attention is uh, me, my build, my platform, make me bigger, make me larger, mm. whatever it takes. And it's produced nothing. And I think one by one, a lot of those things are just getting moved out of the way. Mm. And I'm a part of the generation. I'm 46. We help make church into a Christian concert. I grieve that. I lament that now. And you'd walk into my church and it would still look like that in a way, right? I mean, we got work, we got music lights, LED, all that kind of stuff. All of that is a bunch of whatever, right? That's just teeing the ball up. That's just a tee, but that's not the ball we're swinging at. Right, right. And, and I think everybody got so focused on this kind of world that we lost the morality. We lost the power of God. We lost uh, the fear of the Lord. We lost all of these things that really mattered. Now we got a generation getting demonized mm -hmm. and the church that won't speak out of that. I kind of feel like God's going to say, eh, why don't you just step aside? And those lampstands will be blown out. Uh, and then I think other lampstands are emerging 2024. They're emerging rapidly. They're people, they're not perfect, but they're pure of heart. God's starting to find them in obscure odd places mm -hmm. and their voices are going to be lifted up. See them almost like they're they're on an escalator, and uh, God's just taking them higher. Uh, we need a John the Baptist company, right? That'll prepare the way of the Lord, because the beast system's rising all over the earth right now, 
rapidly, mm-hmm. rapidly. God's got to have a counterpunch. So that's what I see in 2024. And then you'll see some of the usual pre-election like uh, chicanery or, or, you know, whatever you want to call course, it. Yeah. Uh, they're always going to do. There's always going to be that stuff. Right. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's election season. And right. It's happen. dirty. It's nasty. And you know what, Pastor Brian, as you were talking about some of these things, I just felt led to ask you about gun shy prophets this next season. Uh, because of what happened in 2020, I just, I just, I felt like God gave me the phrase to ask you about gun shy prophets. Yeah, no, I was going to say that question's of the Lord, right? <laughs> I mean, like that's not a normal question you just asked. Me. No, it's not. No, that that's was a divine prophetic question. Um, I think the key to being prophetic, well, obviously it's it's the spirit of God, but we prophesy in proportion to our faith. Mm. And don't let your faith be shipwrecked, man of God, man of woman, uh, woman of God, man of God, woman of God. We know in part and we prophesy in part. So if you hang all of your like hope and faith and on whether you're right or, or, or not every time, um, you're, you're, you're putting your faith in your gift instead of the giver of the gift, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I prophesied the other day to to uh, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, right? I, I was riding with him. He was preaching for, for me, and I gave him a word, and he's like, man, I, I, he made me prophesy like three times. Bring it back. So I prophesied off the stage. Now he wants me to give it again in the car. He's recording it all. And uh, it all came to pass very rapidly hmm. with the attacks against him from uh, the Rolling Stone, I think Boston Globe, a lot of those kind of attacks mm-hmm. happened. And he asked me after I prophesied, he said, do you ever get it wrong? And I thought that was a funny question from a, a seasoned man of God like him. I'm like, yeah, of course. I'm a person, mm-hmm. right? Of course I get it wrong. And he's like, that's the most honest answer prophetic personality's ever given me. I'm like, yeah, man, the Bible says we know in part and prophesy in part. So, yeah. yes, you're going to get it wrong. But part of being used by the Spirit of God for the gifts of God uh, or you have to be willing to be wrong for the spirit of God to be able to make you right. Hmm. So prophesy, boldly declare the word of the Lord, right? We need you in this hour. And if you're wrong, repent, you're wrong, whatever. You're a man, huh? Man missed it. Shocking, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It just blows me away. Uh, now, so there are gunshot prophets, real prophets. Then there's what I can talk, call, I call it controlled opposition. Mm. Some of these people know to prophesy, But you already know that it's going to cost you a lot to prophesy the word of the Lord. It's going to cost you friends. It'll cost you speaking engagements. It'll probably cost you followers on social media. And if you don't say what they want to hear, um, you know, you're going to pay for it. And because of that, you become like controlled political opposition. Mm -hmm. What controlled opposition is in the political world is we'll let you have your opposing views. We'll let you even push against us up to a certain point. But it's this far and no more because we got this on you. And if you go any further, we're going to destroy you. And this is what D.C. is full of right now. Right. It's why our Congress, our congressmen can't get anything done Mm -hmm. because they've slept around and they've taken money. And now they may be against this rising beast system on the earth, but they're controlled opposition. The churches that won't speak out against the wickedness in the land right now, all you are is controlled opposition. And you're different than a prophet 
that's fearful of missing it because he's fearful of missing it often because he doesn't want to disappoint God or people. You're, you're doing what you're doing because you're compromised. And you need to rend your heart and rend your garments and go back to your first love and, mm-hmm. and, and prophesy the word of the Lord and forget the consequences because we're only here to pour out this life for Jesus. The cost is everything, so be it. I'd be happy to dine at the marriage supper of the Lamb tomorrow morning. Absolutely. Well, Pastor Brian, I appreciate you spending some time with me to talk about what God is speaking to you about 2024 and just to hear the incredible testimony of the dead truly coming back to life um, as a result of a prophetic word. So, brother, we got to stay in touch. I enjoy hearing, I enjoy talking with you and hearing what God is saying and doing in and through you. So thank you so much for being here on Charisma News again. Hey, it's an honor, brother. Stay out of trouble, huh? When, when you look at the, the prophetic pulse of what's going on in the Middle East, the possibility of Psalm 83, the destruction of Damascus, you know, if, if Israel goes up and destroys Damascus, all hell's going to break loose. Are you kidding me? Elia Marzulli, it's great to have you back here on Charisma News. And this time we're talking about what is God saying about 2024 and beyond, if he's saying that. And uh, whenever I reached out to you, you immediately texted me back. I mean, it, it was seconds, I think. Uh, that you, that God woke you up recently, like about a couple of weeks ago at two in the morning with this powerful word. Uh, so I just want to let you share what that is. And then let's talk about that for a little bit. Sure. And thanks for having me back on. It's always good to see you and, and chat. Just so people know, uh, the Lord gets me up every night. I mean, without fail. Sometimes, and and the, t- the, the times will vary. And there's this whole litany that we go through where, um, I sit and I recite all the scripture that he's had me memorize. And then after the scripture, uh, I sing this one song. Uh, it's a worship song. And, and this has been going on for two years. He, before, before Two years ago, that wasn't happening. He wasn't getting me up. But now it's like every night without fail. Now, now there are exceptions. Sometimes he, if I'm really exhausted and tired, he'll actually let me sleep through. So it's like, oh, that's nice of him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it really is. But most of the time, it's like time to wake up and start. And I'm like. I'm going, I don't no, no. And I I'll roll over and pretend I'm not gonna do it. He always wins out. I mean, you can't, you know, it's like it's like arm wrestling. You know, you can hold him back for a while. Ah, boom. And that's what it's like. So so this um this happened a couple of weeks back. And and I've learned I keep a pen, I keep a pen and paper right by the bed, right by mm-hmm. right on my nightstand. So it's like I'm not getting up and rushing out of the room, scrambling for something. It's like right there. Because I've learned over the years that when he does give me a word, when he gives me something like this, write it down immediately because you won't remember. I'll just give you an example. So probably 20 years ago, um, and this was really an amazing one. I'm laying in bed and and I realize, you know, some people out there, that's really woo-woo. And I get it. It's, this doesn't happen every day. Trust me. So 20 years ago or even longer than that, he gives me this word. I'm laying in bed like this, and these gold letters come down. My eyes are closed. These gold letters come down, and it spells Pisca, like this. And I hear an audible voice. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, LA, that's certifiable. But I, I actually heard the, an audible voice, Pisca, and I just went, what? 
And and I, I got up and scrolled it down on a piece of paper going, I have no idea what this is. Maybe it's, maybe it's way too much pizza or something, right? So the next morning I get up and I Google it. And sure enough, it's, we call it the Pisca promise. It's when was when Valam is supposed to be <clears throat> cursing Israel and he doesn't. It's a blessing. Is God a man that he should lie or a son of man? That that whole deal. That's what it's from. We used to call it the Pisca promise. And we would recite that, my wife and I, every single day. We would mm-hmm. recite what we called the Pisca promise. And so that's that's the way it works with me. Um, and I realize it's, you know, everybody, the Lord never does anything. It's like snowflakes. There's always mm-hmm. there's always different snowflakes. He never repeats himself. He's very, very creative. So the other night, about two weeks ago, he gets me up and he just gives me this thing. He just drops this thing. Like I said, usually it's one word. So I was really taken aback that it was like a phrase, an entire phrase, which to me is the phrase for 2024. That's what the phrase is. Um, I will be saying this at every conference. I've been chatting it up even at interviews. So it was this. Now, no flesh, no sin, no death, no sting. Hail to the king, hail to the king, hail to the king. No Mm -hmm. flesh, no sin, no death, no sting. Hail to the king. That's the Bible in five five lines. That's, That's the entire Bible. No flesh. The works of the flesh are gone. No sin. I'm in a glorified body. No death, because he's triumphed over death. And no sting of death. Hail to the king, because he's the one that did it. He's redeemed mm-hmm. us. He's totally redeemed us. He's the firstborn of creation. He's the firstborn of the dead. You know, so so he's preeminent in everything, which is, I never understood. Why does he have to go through this? Because death enters into the human race through Adam. And the only way he can he can fix it is to take on the whole thing. So he does. Mm-hmm. And that's why when he when he becomes, when he takes that on, it's like he's the firstborn from the dead. He's the prototype of the rapture. He's the prototype of where we're going. When he appears to the disciples, he's in his glorified body. He pops through the wall. How does that work? But then he sits down, total guy thing, right? He's been in the tomb for three days, total guy thing. Hey, you guys got anything to eat? I mean, there's no humor in the Bible. And remember, he could have just gone like this. Hey, guys, don't be alarmed now. It's me. It's Jesus. I've just risen from the dead. I'm outside here knocking on the door. Just open it quietly, and I'll come in and greet you and tell you what's going on. But he doesn't do that. He, he disappears. Do yeah. He just goes, da-da! He just pops right through. They're all going, ah, it's a ghost. They're totally freaked out. And he's cracking up. And this mm-hmm. isn't the first time he's done that to him. He does this all through the Gospels, where I call it, you know, Jesus is goofing on the guys, because that's what he's doing. He's kind of like pulling a prank, but there's no humor in the Bible. I mean, just think about the walking on the water thing, right? Here's another example. So he goes, well, you guys get in the boat. I'll catch up with you later. I mean, what's what's the first problem with this whole thing? Yeah. He doesn't have a motorboat. How's he going to catch up with us? And we all know the story. He's walking on the water, you know. Hey, guys, it's me. Don't worry. Don't freak out. Not a ghost. He doesn't do that. He immediately, and, you know, he goes up and he and he's interacting with him. I just love it. So, you know, the bottom line is um, there was a mental picture that went with that at the same time. He, not a vision, just a mental picture that came in my mind. Hmm. And I was on my white horse. We were not in the 
in the army. We were not yet ranked up. We, we weren't in formation, but I was in this, this glen, this clearing in a wooded area with about 20 or 30 other men on white horses. And I began, I said, no flesh, no sin. And then the other men joined in with me. No death, no sting. Hail to the king. Hail to the king. Hail to the king. And oh, I mean, wow. it was like something out of like Lord of the Rings almost. You know, we're going like, you know, just it was just amazing. And I just just sat there just stunned. I mean, just absolutely just stunned. So what does that all mean? And why um, that is for 2024? Combined with that, he gave me marching orders in March hmm. um, to get the rest of the UFO films out by the end of the year. And at this this time, we only had four films out in March. Since then, two more have come down the pike. We are in post-production of the last three. They will oh, be wow. out by the end of the year, God willing. In fact, my business partner, Gil Zimmerman, will come down this a week from tomorrow. He'll be down mm-hmm. here, hold up, and we will be putting the final touches on Roswell 1 and Roswell 2. And then Josh Peck is roughing out the timeline for what is the truth, which is number nine in the series. We are the mm-hmm. only Christian organization that's got nine films. It's like, better get those fingers right, L.A. Um, nine films on the phenomenon, I think. And it's a deep dive. It's um, mm-hmm. it's really important. So it's the first time in 43 years of walking with him where he's ever given me a timeline like that. He's yeah. never given me a timeline. Get this out before the end of the year. So what does that all mean? I have no idea. You put all that together in some sort of a cosmic blender. What does it mean? Well, you know, when we look at what's going on in the Middle East, mm-hmm. um, there's it's still too early to tell as as of, you know, November, November the 10th. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm aware of the prophecies. I'm aware of Psalm 83, Isaiah 17, Jeremiah's prophecy with with looks like it happens in Iran. Maybe the Bashir reactor is destroyed. I'm also keenly aware of Ezekiel 38. I have written on that. Mm-hmm. In my book, um, Politics, Prophecy, and the Supernatural, which is out of print, we're going to do a second edition before we reprint it. But I digress. Um, anything's possible, and everything is kind of looming. Mm. But we don't know. So, you know, yeah. we just sit there and watch. That's all. I don't make any predictions because the Lord's not telling me, giving me anything. But I do find it interesting that this no flesh, no sin no death, no sting. I just, I find that super interesting as well as where we are possibly, mm-hmm. where we are prophetically, which we're looking at, like I just said, Psalm 83, Isaiah 17, the destruction of Damascus, the Psalm 83 war, Israel expands her body, b- borders, then Ezekiel 38, where Russia, Turkey, Libya, other countries join this confederacy and go up against mm-hmm. Of unwalled villages. There are people who will argue about the land of unwalled villages, but Tel Aviv, we can certainly say, is a land of unwalled villages. It's like, and thousands of years ago, if you were a city, you had a big wall around that thing. Right. That that doesn't exist anymore because the advent of the airplane completely got rid of that because all you'd have to do is fly over and drop the bomb, and it's it's it. Mm-hmm. So Tel Aviv is a land of unwalled villages. Uh, how you know is an unwalled city? On the other hand. There are walls in Jerusalem and, and around to keep the suicide bombers out. I get that. Totally get that. But mm-hmm. that's, that's not the same, in my opinion, as a 
a land of unwalled villages because you drive all around Israel and yeah. it's a land of unwalled villages, in my opinion. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's Ezekiel 38 certainly could be happening. And we see just recently Russia and Libya talking about war and water ports and all this. The wild card, wild card is Turkey. Mm. And anything's possible with Turkey. The idea of the Ottoman Empire uh, being cut up by the Brits and the French at the end of World War One, combining that with the Balfour Declaration. I mean, it's just, you know, you got to remember that and people don't understand because they don't they don't know their history. Mm -hmm. but the Balfour Declaration happens, and and right on the heels of World War One, when the Ottoman Empire is being carved up, that's why the Jews get Palestine. That's why because everybody else got all the other land around it. Yeah. So you know, let's let's talk history here. It's just a small. In fact, the Jews got even less land than they were promised. Uh, through the Balfour Declaration, and uh, there's even they they even got less land than has been promised by God Himself. Yeah, um, exactly. You know they they've never actually established the borders that God has declared that that that, that land should be. I mean, the closest they got was under King David or King Solomon, where the where the, the land where the, the kingdom was as big as it would ever be, and then it gets divided and it has just continually shrunk since then, and it's been under attack this whole time, and so. You know, the last time that you and I had a chance to talk, uh, you were getting ready to go to Israel. And this was just before uh, October 7th, uh, where the where the attack happened. And so your schedule has definitely changed quite a bit. <laughs> uh, so um, but I find it really interesting that we see the puzzle coming together and all these different pieces are coming together and, and they're going to happen. We just don't know which one is the next one to fall into place. Uh, but we need to keep our eyes open. But, yeah. you know, you were about to go there. And what was the stuff that you were going to be to be focused on this time? Well, it was a Nephilim tour um, on the trail of a Nephilim tour. It's the only tour like it. We go to the ancient megalithic sites all throughout Israel. We go to where David and Goliath had that little skirmish there where <laughs> Goliath is killed. We go to places like Gilgal Raphaim, the Wheel of the Giants, uh, Nimrod's Castle which in front of the castle are the ruins of this ancient arch to Baal. We go to Baal's throne, Tel Gezer, ancient megalithic site, home of the Horites, underground. Is there a connection between the Horites and the Paracas? Possible. Very, we don't know, mm -hmm. but you know, there's, they weren't giants, we, and they were cave dwellers. They could see in the dark. They were underground, which is exactly what the Paracas people. We go to the, the Doman field, um, near Gilgal Raphaim, and, and we look at the megaliths that are there. So it's we go underneath the Temple Mount and look at those two huge stones that mm. the Romans later uh, repurposed and used in the wall. And some people say, well, this is, you know, it's, it's, it's got the Herodian, you know, letters on them or the sign. But that all can be done. That can be repurposed. We don't know where those stones really came from. It's all conjecture. Mm. On my part as well, I look at these things. Um, and I go, you know, this is um, conjecture, but they certainly are, are very large megalithic stones. We also go um, to the mountain where the uh, the cursed tablet was discovered. Mm -hmm. And um, very interesting because it says, it says, curse, 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 cursed of Yahweh, you will die cursed, 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 cursed. So we're looking at something here and I was, when they when they actually had the archaeologists and 
It was a very academic deal and, and I signed up for that. So mm-hmm. I got to ask questions. And one of the questions I asked, of course, and I said, I am completely biased in this. I get it. I I am totally biased. So this is not a, <laughs> you know, um, I'm, I've, I've got an ax to grind here. Could it be possible because of where the location is of, of it's on Jeremiah's altar? I, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. No, not, not, not Joshua. 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 Right. It's on Joshua's altar right after AI. So the fact that it's there and it, and it's buried, they've closed the site down. So it's on Joshua's altar. And I mean, this is the gateway to the promised land. And in, in my opinion, that cursed tablet is not to Israel. That cursed tablet is to the inhabitants of the land, i.e. even Nephilim. And mm-hmm. of course, when I when I throw that out there, you know, eyebrows go up because most academics haven't delved into the Nephilim for yeah. the most part. But um, you know, it raises some very interesting questions. We don't know. You know, we really don't know who wrote it and mm-hmm. who who the curse is for. I just find it very, very severe that anybody would speak that over their, you know, their flesh and blood. I just, yeah. I have a problem with that. But again, I'm not in a, you know, I'm not into that mindset thousands of years ago. I don't know what that mindset is. It's conjecture on my part. But, you know, curse, curse, curse. Cursed of Yahweh, you will die cursed. Cursed, cursed, cursed. And in my opinion, that just reeks of the the mandate mm-hmm. to go out and slaughter the Nephilim tribes that are there. Remember, the Nephilim are the unholy progeny of fallen angels and the human women of earth. They're never supposed to be there. They're soulless. So that cursed tablet to me is speaks of that. That was one of the areas I was going a lecture there, mm-hmm. um, probably like for an hour. And same thing that we go to Mount Hermon and where all the mischief started. It's another place that we go to yeah. uh, on the on the Amba Trail of a Nephilim tour. So it's really and I lectured all these places. So it's it's a very unique tour. It would be amazing to be able to go with you to do that sometime, uh, man. Uh, it's one of the reasons I'm praying for peace in Israel so that uh, we can have these tours again. But uh, you know that that's really really interesting to be able to like go to these places that we read about in the Bible. And I've I've had the benefit of going to Israel, um, but that was in 2003, 2004, um, and so it was you know it was December to January. And so uh, I've got to do some really cool stuff there. But now as I'm as I'm much older and more mature, um, I'd like to see this stuff again. And it's uh, yeah. it would be amazing. But we're we, you just mentioned a, a couple passages of scripture, um, Psalm 83, Ezekiel 38, um, you know, uh, uh, several different things, you know, just prophetically, when you look at these, you know, you said you, you can't put anything in, it can't put that puzzle piece in place yet, but what are some things that you're just feeling as God spoke to you about this? Uh, no, no flesh, no sin, no death, no sting. Hail to the King! Hail to the King! Hail to the King! As God spoke to you, that what changes your perspective? Uh, how did that change your perspective from before to now? I'm in a glorified body. There, I'm not. I'm not in this body. I've I've been taken. I've been raptured, and that that's why there's no flesh. Mm. 
no sin. It's gone. And this goes back to when he, when he took me into the rapture for three seconds. And I realized, you know, that's, that's really, it's only happened, I've only been taken twice in 43 years, like Paul says, in the body or out of the body. Both, both instances, I was there for three seconds. The mm-hmm. rapture one was just like the white horse one. That's about 20, 15, 20 years ago, whatever. And, and all of a sudden, second one, I'm in this throng of people, as far as mm-hmm. I can see. Second two, I noticed this, this, this holy reverential silence that permeates the scene. We all know exactly what's happened and where we are. And we're not packed in like sardines. Mm-hmm. There's a space, but we're all looking in the same direction. And it's a holy reverential silence. Second three, I do this. I look down at my solar plexus because mm-hmm. my sin nature is gone. There's no more sin. My sin nature is gone. And so that 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 word, no flesh, no sin, no death, no sting, um, no sting, hail to the king, hail to the king. Um, I've been raptured. I'm in a glorified body. There's no sin. There's no flesh. Mm-hmm. Death is gone. I will never experience death. It's not there. Now, I don't know what that means. I, I You know, I can... I can tell you what I think it might mean. Mm-hmm. I'm not like going, thus saith the Lord, we're about to be raptured next Tuesday at 12 o'clock. I'm not saying that. But it would not surprise me at all. Mm-hmm. Given where we are, when you when you look at, look, the whole thing in the Middle East could just die down and that's it. On the other hand, everything in the Middle East could escalate like crazy. Right. Like crazy. We're seeing the anti-Semitism being ratcheted up in ways that I haven't seen. I mean, every anti-Semite is coming out of every every rock, every crevice. Right. It's unbelievable to see the hatred of God's people. And why? Why is that there? Hmm. It's there? It's there because Messiah came from their line, and they hate yeah. Messiah. That, that's really what we're looking at here. So I think there's a possibility with when when you look at the the prophetic pulse of what's going on in the Middle East, the possibility of Psalm eighty three, the destruction of Damascus. You know, if if Israel goes up and destroys Damascus, all hell's going to break loose. Are you kidding mm-hmm. me? The people aren't just going to sit by. So now that leads to Ezekiel thirty eight. There's not an Arab in the bunch. That's where Russia and Turkey and the Scythians come in, and those are that's Afghanistan and Kazakhstan and all Uzbekistan. That's all coming in from the east. I mean that they can't the Israelis can't you know that's that's crazy. Turkey's got one of the largest standing armies um, in, in the area. They've got an air force. They are well equipped. They've got boots on the ground. This isn't Hezbollah or Hamas. Yeah. It's a whole different deal. And we know from Ezekiel thirty-eight that God Himself shows up. Mm-hmm. God Himself shows up. So this is different. But then you plug in the threat of nukes, which you got going between Ukraine and Russia. And then you plug in on top of that, the whole UFO thing, which is the game changer. And I was on, I was, um, I did a, 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 an interview, a couple of guys, both are, one in particular is um, a new ager. The other guy isn't, um, but they're not Christian. They don't, and, 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 and they were, after the interview, they said, L.A., what's, going, what's your take on what's going on in the Middle East? And I told them the same thing I'm telling mm-hmm. you. So it's interesting how 
a non-believer knowing what we believe in the prophecies, when something happens over there, all of a sudden they're on the edge of their seat yeah. you know, yeah. and listening very intently. And so at the end of my uh, telling them what I believe was what might happen, educating them on Psalm 83, Isaiah 17, Ezekiel 38, and the progression thereof, um, uh, one of the guys said, well, this would be a really good time for the, for, you know, ET, the aliens to show up and stop all this madness. And I, and I said to him, I said, <laughs> you, sir, just nailed it. You, sir, just told, you know, told me exactly, you, you just reverberated, mm-hmm. fed back to me what I've been warning against for 30 years. This is the coming great deception. And I realized that, you know, people go, and 30 years ago, you know, I was laughed at, and, oh, that's never going to happen. And now we've got David Grush in Congress, which, by the way, is the, what is that, the the 18th or the 17th round? I think you said it was the 18th ring. The 18th, 18th round. Yeah. yeah, when Grush, Grush leans forward to the microphone, when uh, Representative Mace goes, you know, did you re- retrieve biologics from these crashed UFOs? Yes, we retrieve biologics. And then she does the follow-up question. Were these biologics human or non-human? They were non-human. <laughs> it's like, you know, what are you doing? Yeah. And and that was that interview was not picked up by any mainstream media. It wasn't. But mm-hmm. Jaime Masson's interview with the goofy mummies was broadcast everywhere, viral, yeah. everywhere. And what that does is obfuscate the water. It, it, it muddies everything up. So mm-hmm. what's the truth? You're not even sure what you're looking at. So, you know, the scenario could be, uh, Psalm 83, Israel expands her borders. Damascus is destroyed because the Iranians jump into the fray. Hezbollah is firing. Remember, if, if Hezbollah really decides to do this, they've got upwards of over 200,000 missiles. The Iron Dome can't get them all. And you're mm-hmm. looking at, you know, two or 3,000 missiles an hour pouring into Israel. They can't stop them. So now we're looking at a, full, a full-fledged, two-front war. you got Gaza. And, and watch Hamas you know, come back again and start up again once Hezbollah joins the fray. And if Hezbollah joins the fray and the Iranians get in, now we're looking at, uh, oh, my gosh, Syria is now involved. Syria already is involved. I mean, the sleeper cells, which are Iran's proxies in both southern Lebanon and Syria, they're already doing stuff. They're already attacking stuff. So it's a question of, you know, is it going to escalate or is it going to stand down? Well, it's not. They're not going away. They're doing it every single day. So at some point, it's. I think it's going to explode. I could be wrong. I don't know. That's why we watch and wait. But yeah. if, if Iran really starts going for it, or, or if Hezbollah starts firing rockets on Tel Aviv, they're going to go after Damascus. They've already told the Iranians, you do this, we're going to destroy Damascus. That's Isaiah 17. Damascus has become a ruinous heap. So then you've got Psalm 83, Isaiah 17, which leads to the Ezekiel 38 war. The question is, does the church go up before Ezekiel 38 war mm-hmm. or during or after? And we don't know. There's difference of opinions. So we yeah. don't know. So I just combine with no flesh, no sin, no death, no sting. I just wonder. And I'm not a date setter, guys. I'm not saying, you know, oh, say we're going to, the rapture is going to happen in June. I'm not saying that. I don't know. But, but part of me wonders, part of me wonders, and it's my blessed hope. You know, to I mean, can you imagine to be with the king? Hail the king, hail the king, where there's no flesh, you know, there's no sin in your in our lives anymore. The, it, the sin nature is gone. There's no death. 
We're never going to experience death ever. We're never going to grow old and just wither away and die of some sickness. There is no death. There's no sting of death. It's all gone because of the king. Hail to the king. Hail to the king. It's like, it's way better than any Lord of the Rings ending. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just like, Amen. It's, 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 it's reality. In fact, Tolkien took the whole deal from the book of Revelation. I mean, that's in, in, in scripture. That's where he got it from. He just yeah. pieced it all together and created a fictional story. But the king is Jesus. Yeah, and yeah. he's coming back soon, and we might be going up soon. That's all. And we are definitely waiting on that return of the king in uh, in, in so many different different ways there. And so, even though there's uh, there's a lot of battles and uh, there's a lot of things that are that are going on right now, we know that the that the king is our great hope. And uh, amen. Right with him. So, well, LA, it's always great to talk with you. And uh, I appreciate you giving your the word that God has shared with you for 2024 and this season. So thank you for being here on. Christmas. Thank you for having me on, John. Appreciate it. Greater grace is needed and will be needed in the inner man of God's people to be able to transcend and ascend the winds of darkness that we're presently facing and which will continue to face in the earth even more fiercely. Rabbi Kurt Schneider, it's great to have you here on Charisma News. And this time you are in your home uh, and you're not having uh, air raid sirens going on behind you, interrupting our uh, our interview. And thank God that you were protected and spared uh, during that time. And that was, a, that was a bit scary for me because I didn't know what was going on. But I know, brother, you had a lot more peace than I did at that point, I think. But uh, today we're going to be talking about what is God speaking about 2024. But in a way, kind of leading up to that, we're going to talk about something that God spoke to you in July of 2023. And so, Rabbi, welcome here to Charisma News. Brother, God bless you, John. Always good to connect and glad to be part of the Charisma team. Absolutely. You know, Rabbi, like I said, you were, uh, you know, you were in Jerusalem and we were doing a live uh, streaming live video uh, update about what was going on. And there were air raid sirens happening and you had to leave and go to a a bomb shelter. And uh, that happened twice during our time. And uh, my goodness, just kind of give us a quick update of how you got out of Israel and and what God what is, what God has done since then. Okay, well the first thing that's really interesting is I listened to my wife Cynthia share with the congregation that we uh, minister at sometimes and she was we were back from Israel, we were ministering in the congregation. They had all been praying for us to be able to get back safely. They held a big prayer meeting and so when we got back, we were able to kind of share our experience and I let Cynthia go first and share her experience and it was really interesting and incredible to me that she was just going through the experience kind of moment by moment and all that she was feeling and 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 the weight of it all mm. and and getting prepared to spend like 3 days in the bomb shelter because they were telling us we need to bring enough supplies here to spend 3 days in there and and just kind of the um the, the stress that she was under and the uh the oppressiveness of the situation where bombs are you know being detonated over your head so she was experiencing all that for me, I was kind of excited about the whole thing when it was going on. I mean, I didn't realize the devastation that it was mm -hmm. causing and the lives that were, uh, you know, that were being destroyed. 
I just knew, wow, you know, Israel's being attacked and I'm here. You know, I've been hearing about this for years and I finally get to be here when it happened. And, you know, and, and I'm sharing this with my people. So, um, you know, I was just kind of excited about the whole thing. Mm. Then, um, you know, the, the situation continued to get worse. And, uh, we, you know, there began to be flight problems. We were getting word that the airport was closed. And, uh, and Cynthia was really feeling strongly that we needed to leave if we could. And I, I began to listen to her when she said to me, this is not where you're to be right now. You are not able to help anybody here. You're not able to minister to anybody here. You need to be back in the States where you can reach people and minister to people. Mm. So when she said that to me and she felt like she was really hearing that from the Lord, I said, I said, OK. So at that point, um, Cynthia was able to connect uh, with a travel agent who was get us, able to get us a flight out of Tel Aviv uh, to Istanbul, which is really interesting because just a couple of days later, the Istanbul was closed mm-hmm. you know, to, 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 to Israel. I mean, Istanbul, you know, was a, a nation that's very hostile towards Israel. But we were able to get in right before that happened, flew to Istanbul, then get back to the States. But the situation really um, did not begin to wear on me. Mm. It didn't wear on me when I was there. It weared on me when I got back and I had an app on my phone which was uh, called Homefront. And so I was getting like text messages every five, 10, 15 minutes or so. Every time a bomb was launched, every time a bomb hit, every time a bomb was detonated by the Iron Dome, every Mm. single time anything that happened, I was getting a text. So all day long, I'm getting text. And then I get home, I get on the news, I watch the YouTubes. So I was being fed with this diet of what's going on in Israel, like, you know, 15 hours a day whenever I wasn't sleeping. I was just so engaged in it as a Jewish person and being there when uh, when when the war broke out, I just was like so connected. But eventually I, I, I felt, John, that it was really starting to uh, to wear me down and that it wasn't healthy. So mm-hmm. I began to disconnect. I disconnected from the app. I still pay careful attention. Of course, I'm in touch. But, you know, I can do it when I want to. I can get on, uh, you know, yeah. the news, you know, three times a day or so and, and keep up with what's going on. Um, and of course, I still am in contact with with some people that are there that are, you know, they're 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 in the midst of it. But, um, yeah, that was uh, that was that was our experience. We were supposed to be there till uh, actually like the end of October. But we you know, we had to cut cut our trip short. Yeah. So I'm so glad that you are are back here safely and God's given you uh, some new strategies on how to continue to be effective for the kingdom and. Um, maybe we'll, we'll do another conversation about that at some point. Cause, but today we're talking about some prophetic things that God is speaking. And, uh, before we get into what God is saying to you about the year 2024, um, I, I want to play something that you just shared with me. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a short. And so we're just going to play this, but this was from, I believe July 7th that God July spoke 7th, to you. Yeah. And you shared this. And so we're going to play this and then we'll talk about it. Turn to the book of Esther. And I heard the Lord, not in my mind, but in my intuition, say to me, this is what's coming next. The world is going to start pinpointing scriptures like the one that you just read, where it says the Jews did whatever they wanted to with their enemies. And they're going to use scriptures like that to foster and booster anti-Semitism. They're going to start focusing on Jews bombing 
just uh, places in uh, the, uh, the in, in on their borders where they're being bombed and attacked to protect themselves. But they're not going to show the Jewish people protecting themselves. The media is going to show the Jewish people bombing places to protect themselves where children are getting hurt because you can't always, sometimes it just happens in war and the world is going to turn against the Jews once again. The world is getting ready, beloved, for the biggest anti-Semitic attack against Jewish people that the world has ever known. Wow. Wow. That was July 7th that you released that word. And this is what God was stirring in your heart about that point. And now we see October 7th. So that was July, August, September, October. So four months later, pretty much to the day that we've seen the start of, of that come to pass. So let's just respond to that. I mean, you, you sent this to me and I was like, oh my gosh, we have to talk about this because you, there was something in your spirit that was stirring already. And now we see this. Tell me about your perspective of this word now. What happened was a few days before July 7th, I was sitting uh, in my uh, prayer room at home one morning. I was just uh, did, do, doing my daily readings. And a lot of times I just say, Lord, is there anything in, you know, in the word that you want to show me? And I just open up the word and I open up the word and I just turned to the book of e- Esther. And I looked down, I started reading the book of Esther in the ninth chapter, the fifth verse. And it says there that the Jews did whatever they wanted to do with their enemies. The, uh, mm-hmm. There was a plot to exterminate them, and the Jews responded to that by, by, by uh, eliminating their enemy, by, by doing whatever they wanted to to their enemy. God gave them victory over the ones that were trying to exterminate them. And as soon as I read that, it was like I just knew. Mm-hmm. That was about to happen again. People can verify this by going to my YouTube channel. Just go to Rabbi Schneider. Look at my YouTube that was released on July 7th. It's either the thumbnail or the title is called The Anchor is Gone. Hmm. And about 16 minutes into that video, you can see that uh, being prophesied and you'll be able to see the date on that. So it was. And the reason I went into the studio to record on July 7th is because I knew that the Lord had given me a prophetic word. Yeah. And so to kind of break that down, uh, there was a couple things that I just knew in my spirit. Number one, that Israel was about to be at war Mm. and that they were going to be painted as a big, ugly bully and that the world was going to put them in such a negative light through the media that the world would turn on them. And anti-Semitism wouldn't just be confined to one part of the world like it was during the war with them during the time of Nazi Germany, but the Mm -hmm. whole world. I said it would be bigger, a bigger anti-Semitic attack than it was during Nazi Germany. And I also prophesied that the big assault, I prophesied that uh, the way this anti-Semitic attack was going to happen is because of the media. The media was going to be showing the world the Jewish people responding to the attack that had been mm-hmm. upon them by bombing places that had children in it. And of course, mm-hmm. that's exactly what's happened with the hospitals right. and, and everything else. And, uh, and, and, I, and I also uh, saw there that um, the result of this, once again, would be that the, through, through the media's demonic uh, um, um, energy, that the world would turn on Jewish people once again, and it would be a worldwide anti-Semitism mm-hmm. that, would, that would evolve from it. And we are seeing each of those elements that you just laid out unfold right now. And that's, uh, you know, I'm, it's, it's interesting that this is what God, God spoke to you, and we're seeing this come, come to pass right now. But 
you know, Rabbi, as we're getting ready for 2024, Israel is still at war. I mean, that's it, we're recording this um, mm -hmm. in November 17th right now. So it's um, uh, October, November. So it's more than a month. It's a month and 10 days at this point since that since that initial attack. What is God saying about this war and what is God saying about the year 2024? Well, to answer the question, I want to go back just a little bit. I remember yes, I was at, I was I was at a, a one of the one of the studios, uh, the one of my, one of the te television networks that we broadcast through has a very nice studio. I was there probably four years ago, and I was uh, doing some uh, filming with them. And uh, in during the break time, one of the uh, one of the executives there came back where Cynthia and I were sitting, and they just said to me, "You know, you know how you doing?" I just started crying. Mm. And the reason I started crying was because about that time, I really started feeling the climate shifting in the spiritual atmosphere, particularly in America, but around the world. In other words, it, it was the beginning of when I felt the, the, the Western world was becoming unchristian mm. and that opportunities were being taken away from Christian voices to be able to get the word out. And I just saw doors closing. I saw some of the uh, traditional Christian networks begin to limit the amount of Christian programming that they were doing, you know, turning, mm -hmm. to, you know, changing their programming to, you know, so, show some Christian content, but to more make a general family entertainment content. Mm -hmm. I just saw the atmosphere shifting and the doors closing and people falling away from churches. I just began to feel in my heart a sadness with the fact that the world was turning away from Messiah. Mm -hmm. that Although we've never been a 100% Christian country, for sure, right. it was at least based on Christian morals. And I just felt that that Christian emphasis in the Western world was getting smaller and smaller. And mm -hmm. so when he asked me how I was doing and I began to cry, it was because I was feeling that grief and that grieving in my heart as I felt the darkness beginning to move over the face of the land. So when we get to 2024 now, what am I seeing in 2024? I'm seeing the same thing. And I don't want to be a pessimist because I don't believe that we can walk uh, with the Lord the way he wants us to be united with him in, in, in being overwhelmed or in defeat. But on the other hand, we have to face reality and we have to connect with him in the present reality, which requires more grace. You know, the Bible says where sin abounds, Grace abounds all the more. Mm -hmm. And so I just feel like a greater grace is needed and will be needed in the inner man of God's people to be able to transcend and ascend the winds of darkness that we're presently facing and which will continue to face in the earth even more fiercely. So I felt the darkness beginning to move over the face of the land. So when we get to 2024 now, what am I seeing in 2024? I'm seeing the same thing. And I don't want to be a pessimist because I don't believe that we can walk uh, with the Lord the way he wants us to be united with him in, in, in being overwhelmed or in defeat. But on the other hand, we have to face reality and we have to connect with him in the present reality, which requires more grace. You know, the Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Mm -hmm. And so I just feel like a greater grace is needed and will be needed 
in the inner man of God's people to be able to transcend and ascend the winds of darkness that we're presently facing and which will continue to face in the earth even more fiercely. And so as we get into 2024, I can talk more about that, but that's a general opening comment. Yeah. Well, let's let's take a few minutes and and touch more about 2024. I mean, that's that's one of the reasons that we're that we're here is to talk about what it is that God's saying and um I, I think you kind of touched the surface there, but I'd like to go a little bit a little bit deeper because I know that I know it's there. Okay. Well, first of all, I would like to say that for credibility purposes, I've been teaching this and preaching this for many years, exactly what I'm sharing right now. A lot of times we were just hearing all these, you know, prophetic voices and they were just talking about all the good things that are going to happen. You know, the end times revival, the last days revival, and it was all positive, positive, positive. Some people were even practicing numerology. You know, 2022 is going to be the year of whatever. 2021 mm-hmm. is going to be the year of whatever. 2020 is going to be the year of perfect eyesight, you know, 2020 vision. And all these positive words. I never was on any of those bandwagons. I was always pr- prophesying and teaching the same thing that I'm speaking right now, because what I'm speaking right now, it's not only something that I feel in my spirit. It's something that's in God's word. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul said in Second Timothy, chapter three, one, he said, Realize this, in the last days, difficult times will come. When we look at Yeshua's words, at Jesus' words in Luke 21 and Matthew 24, when the apostles and disciples were asking him, tell us, when, when, when will be the end of the age and the signs of your coming? When will be the signs of your coming and the end of the age? He began to list all the things mm-hmm. that would be happening on earth. Wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, earthquake, people's love growing cold, people betraying one another, uh, lawlessness increased, hatred, all these things that we're seeing right now. Jesus told us these things would happen as we approached his return. And he said that when we see these things, we should know that our redemption Mm -hmm. is near. And so I'm just speaking straight down the pike truth right now, which I've been speaking for many, many years, that we need to get ready to face difficult times. And we can face difficult times and we can still live in victory. But in order to live in victory, we need to get strong. And the only way to get strong is to utterly depend on God to utterly depend on God for everything and to feed ourselves daily with his word and the fellowship of his people. And mm-hmm. through that, we can get a, 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 um, such a, a, an impartation of the resurrection of Messiah that we can live in victory. And Daniel told us that in these last days, many of God's people would be overwhelmed and overcome. But he said, some will shine like the stars and lead many to righteousness. So we can prevail, but we need to be prepared that things are not going to get better. They're going to get worse. Now, there may be some respites in there. There may be some short periods of respites. I mean, it could be in a political situation, for example, that we may see in 2024. I'm not predicting we will. I'm just simply saying that I'm making an allowance for the fact that depending on who is in government, there may be some seasons of respite 
uh, that would kind of slow down the pace that we're presently mm -hmm. in right now, this quick trajectory into, into lawlessness and value systems that are anti-kingdom. But even if there's a respite because of a change in government or whatever, it still is not going to change the overall downward trajectory into darkness. And one of the reasons that this is so is because of the principle of chaos. Mm. One, one of the devil's primary manifestations, in other words, if you look at the essence of darkness and what is being transmitted from darkness, one of the primary transmissions of darkness is chaos. And the reason one of the primary transmissions of darkness uh, is chaos, John, is because chaos breaks everything down and its fruit is destruction. Mm. And so you look right now at what has happened in the earth and you can really describe it as chaos. You know, we could start we could start back with really, uh, you know, to trace to trace kind of this quick trajectory, this quick fall. And we can talk about moral darkness spreading into the family, spreading into all types of addictions, now spreading into people not even agreeing, you know, on the most basic things. So we have all this kind of chaos going on in every sphere. So you look, for example, where, where a lot of this quick trajectory began to fall. It really was, and this is a bit of a controversial statement, but it's true. When we, when we accepted the pill, the birth control pill, as something that was just like, I can say for myself, when I, I was a believer when I got married and my wife was on the pill, we didn't even think anything about it. Mm -hmm. To be honest with you, now I definitely would. But at the time, it was just like it was such a mainstream you know, mindset, yeah, you know, you, you take the pill that we just didn't really think it through. But when I think about it now and think about what is the result of such an easy way to be able to have sexual relations, number one, it, it, it takes sanctity out of sex because mm -hmm. so many people, you know, they take the pill, they're not married, and it's just a way for them to enjoy sex without the risk of becoming pregnant. And, and birth control began really to take sanctity out of out of sex and it began mm. to um, diminish the sanctity of human life that eventually led not only to a sexual um, revolution downward where people just began to enjoy sex as part of enjoyment rather than looking at it as something sacred that was preserved for marriage which threw everything out of i mean that's caused such havoc in society such mm. a destruction in families and people's identity you know not people get married first thing they're doing they're comparing themselves to their spouse's previous sexual partners mm. you know was i as uh, enjoyable forgive me you know as, as him or her you know it just has created such insecurity and breakdown in relationship and marriage and society from there it spiraled into um abortion you know, if we could take the pill, what about abortion? That just further separated people in their conscience from the value of human life. And when men's conscience gets seared, it's seared to God and to mm. the Holy Spirit. So abortion play, has played a huge role in severing the population from the witness of the Holy Spirit in their life. And then we had the introduction of the Internet. And obviously, I mean, it's an unbelievable blessing. I mean, like you said, something, you know, is broken. You don't know how to operate something. What do you do? You go on Google, you can figure out almost exactly. anything. Yeah. It's unbelievable. But on the other hand, how much of our psyche and our soul no longer is dwelling at peace inside us. We're connected to the pseudo reality of cyberspace. 
You know, we wake up in the morning. The first thing we do, you know, we look at our phones, we get on the Internet, you know, all day long, the phone's going off. You know, it's taken people out of the ability to be sensitive to what's going on inside them. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit's inner witness who is inside us because we're too connected to something outside us. And And then the same demon that took us out of ourselves by drawing us into the cyber reality through Internet space. That same demon has now reprogrammed people's minds so that they believe a lie because they've been programmed by disinformation and misinformation that's come to them through the Internet. So all this is producing mass chaos Mm. and it's going to blow up. And that's where we're going. Wow. So what do we as believers do about that? As we're wrapping this up, what do we do? What's our action that we can start taking? Thank you, my friend. Well, let me answer that question two ways. First, I'm going to answer it in a prophetic experience that I had, and then I'm going to answer it through the word. So the first thing I would say was um, sometime back, we had a movement that you and I, I think spoke of. It was called Taking the Rainbow Back, where I was mm-hmm. encouraging God's people to come together in unity to stand for righteousness in the earth, to not let the LGBTQ agenda roll over the church as the church is silent. We need to speak out and speak up for the sake of being lights in the earth and the salt of the world, and also to be able to offer hope to people that are struggling with LGBTQ issues and are looking for a way out. So we went through that movement and it was like a four month process and I really gave it my all. I mean, I did so many interviews. I invested Mm -hmm. so fully into that. And then we got to the end of that journey, which culminated um, and it was like uh, on July 28th, I believe it was. And um, right after that movement culminated with a, with, a, with a weekend that we had planned on July 28th, I believe was the date. I, I, I was kind of lost a little bit after that because I had been so invested in this for months. And now we just kind of completed the lap. We completed the circle. Everything that we had planned to do with this taking the rainbow back strategy was completed. Mm. And so now that it was completed, it was a little bit like postpartum depression. I wasn't I wasn't depressed, but it's just like, well, what do I do now? You know, I've given birth here. You know, I'm, I've you yeah. know, I've done this thing. Where, where do I go? Here? So I was just feeling a little bit like out of sorts, like like trying to find my bearing. What should I do now? I didn't really have a new goal. I didn't really have a new focus. And so I came down to my prayer room one morning and I laid down on my couch there and I and I put some beautiful worship music on. And I was as I was laying in my couch, I went into like a dreamlike trance state. And in this dreamlike trance state, an angel and I've never seen an angel before in my life. I had heard angels before Hmm. on two occasions in my life, but I'd never seen an angel in my life. So as I'm laying on my couch right after the taking the rainbow back movement had ended. And I'm kind of like, what do I do now? Lord? I'm just kind of feeling lost. Like what's the next inspiration? Where do I go from here? I'm laying on my couch, listening to this worship music. I go into like a dreamlike trans state, John, and an angel walks into my prayer room. Mm-hmm. Now the angel did not look like any other angel that I heard described before. He was like an average looking man in height, in height, He was a black man. He had black skin, like an African man's skin. He was dressed completely in green. And it it wasn't like a pants and shirt. It looked more like a riding hood type of of an outfit. And he had a, a green hoodie on. And he came down to where I was laying on my couch. And right 
where I'm laying on my couch, there's a, there's a, there's a coffee table there. And the angel took this Bible and the Bible that he, that he, that he was carrying was also clothed in green. It had like a, a green Bible co- covering over it. Yeah. Yeah. So the angel took the Bible he, he laid it on my coffee table right next to where I was, you know, sleeping, dreaming in this translite vision state. And he then covered it up really daintily in that bi- green Bible cover. I mean, it was already on there, but he, you know, just straightened it out, you know, like he'd straighten out sheets on a bed, make sure it was all covered real daintily. And then the experience was over and I woke up. Hmm. It was like, man, that, I mean, and I could hear the music playing from, you know, from my, from, you know, as he came into my room. And it was just like I was being ministered to. By such incredible beauty hmm. from the Lord. I mean, it was such a beautiful, marked experience. And so I woke up and I just like, wow. And I was so thankful mm-hmm. that the Lord had just spoke to me because remember, I was feeling kind of lost. Like, what do I do next? And the Lord was telling me the way I, the way I intuited what just happened was the Lord was telling me, just stay in my word. Mm-hmm. You don't need to know about what project is next. You don't need to know what to do next. You don't need to be concerned about anything right now. I just want you to focus on one thing. I just want you to stay in my word. Remember, the angel took the Bible, laid yeah. it really daintily on my thing. So your answer, the question to the answer, what do we do? The first thing that I'd like to just state is we need to stay and become even more grounded in God's word. And I want to close just by saying this, and then we can continue on here. But, you know, Paul said that bodily discipline is profitable. But he said spiritual discipline is even more profitable. And that's something today that I don't think is stressed enough, that we need to be spiritually disciplined to be able to be doing certain um, things in our life that will help us grow in the Lord and having a disciplined regiment of reading the scriptures, even if it's just a chapter a day from the old and a chapter a day from the new is, you know, and, and reading a little bit of scripture or Bible study or devotional before you go to bed. I mean, this is our lifeline. The word of God is what we live by. So the first thing I'd say is people need to get into God's word, stay in God's word, and they need to be, we need to be disciplined by it, about it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Get in God's word and stay in his word. I mean, it's as simple as that. And as the Bible talks about in even the book of Revelation, as we read it, there is a blessing with that. And so as we're looking at the end times uh, as, that are approaching fast, uh, faster and faster every day, there is a blessing that comes from spending time in the word of God and be in studying to show yourself approved, but to study and to stay in the word of God. Rabbi Kurt Schneider, it's great to have you here to talk about what it is that God is saying about 2024 and beyond, uh, but also what do we as believers need to do about it? Thank you so much for being here today and sharing. God bless you, brother. I love you. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your love. Thank you for my blessing, my friend. And uh, may God continue to give you open doors and charisma open doors for the huge distribution uh, outlet that you have and that has been established over all these years during these times, because now more than ever, we need cutting edge breakthrough awards from the Lord. And uh, we need to be connected to uh, the prophetic in the church, as well as just simply being grounded in the written word of God. Amen. Thank you very much. You're no longer the audience, you're now the army.
Apostle Tomi Arayomi, it's great to have you here on Charisma News. Um, I know we're doing a series on what is God saying about 2024, and you actually, you're, you're not at liberty to release the, the, that full word yet, but what God has given you the permission to do is to share these seven tips or seven strategies for his people to be ready for 2024. So I'm just going to sit back and let you release this word, and I'll just kind of ask questions as, as needed in between. But thank you for being here, and thank you for sharing what God has been speaking to you. Well, it's great to be with you again, John. And um, I, I really believe that the Lord is preparing us to um, benefit, actually, from 2024 and beyond. You know, prophecy is for our benefit. It's ultimately not so we can just uh, prognosticate. Neither is it so we can be naysayers. It's so that we can point people God's people to areas where they need to be aware of what's coming. So even if it's bad news, it can actually be good news because you had the heads up. Mm. So some of the things the Lord's begun to speak to me about, um, he gave me seven prophetic things to really prepare God's people for 2024. I believe the scripture says the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro about the earth, looking for those whose hearts are perfect towards him to show himself strong on their behalf. And so that means that right now the spirit of God is looking at hearts. He's measuring our heart posture, our heart alignment. Just like when he was looking for a candidate to be king over Israel, he found David, who he said was a man after his heart. And this is particularly important for 2024 going forwards. Because Isaiah, the prophet, offers this great indictment against Israel. He said, I saw that there was no man, uh, that, and I marveled that there was no one to stand in the gap. In other words, uh, the Lord is always looking for a candidate. He's always looking for somebody who he can exalt, who he can lift up, who he can promote in the land. And I really believe 2024 is going to be that year where you're going to start to see unknowns becoming known and knowns becoming unknown. There's going to be almost a shift where those that have been hidden for a season uh, for this time, hidden in frustration, hidden in obscurity, we're going to begin to see them rise to the surface. Or just as the scripture says, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none more righteous than him, blameless and upright in all his ways, as Job 1 verse 8. And we see this throughout scripture, you know, God looking, finding Noah, a, righteous, a man of righteousness mm-hmm. among uh, a morally decadent people. So why is the Lord saying this? I believe he's saying this because darkness is going to get darker. Uh, the, the darkness, the Bible says, will cover the earth. But the darkness we're going to feel in 2024 going forward is going to be akin to the Egyptian darkness, you know, where mm. the Bible says a darkness that could be felt. This is like a demonic darkness that has a touch point to it. And although the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, we're actually going to see the enemy taking on more physical form, whether that 
through politicians, school boards, teachers. We're going to see it get worse. The Bible calls them the rulers of the darkness of this age. That's mm. physical people. I think the word there is cosmocratic, physical people who have taken on demonic assignments and have 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 basically become epithets or servants just like the bible talks about bar jesus or simon the sorcerer people mm. have really taken on the identity that this is who i am especially in america sorcery is going to become a more real practice um wow. you know witchcraft is going to become more a forefront um uh, uh battle from from different all kinds of angles, and we're already seeing those things take place. But who's the Lord looking for in the midst of that? Blameless. Somebody who hasn't bowed his knee to Baal. So 2024, the first strategy is be blameless, or at least mourn evil. You know, there's a scripture that talks about the people that wept at the evil. God, godly sorrow that works repentance that place where people see evil around them and they're weeping for the evil. Like Habakkuk, why do you let my eyes behold this evil every day? I see it. And God responds because he, he responds to blameless people. Blameless doesn't mean without sin. Blameless means that I, I'm not going to be a part of the reproaches and the things that people are doing, hmm. the world is doing. And, you know, get this, John, even that the church is doing, mm. that, that there, is a, there is a remnant of people who are not going to become a part of uh, uh, um, suedo church culture. They're going to embrace a kingdom culture that's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Number two, the Lord said that it's time to release the gathering anointing again. This is more of a message for pastors and leaders of churches, that there has to be the release of a fresh gathering anointing. COVID scattered us, but now we are no longer in the COVID era. We are now in the gathering season. And, you know, you could say a million things COVID came to do. COVID came to kill elderly mm -hmm. people you know covid came to you know really attack uh those who are dealing with or predisposed conditions but really the enemy's assignment for covid was the scattering of the people god's mm. assignment for covid was that all of the things that could be shaken were shaken so we saw mm -hmm. a lot of churches shut down we saw a lot of agendas and ideas being brought to the surface, opinions yeah. that weren't biblical being brought to the surface. But now that we're no longer in that COVID era, we're now in, the Lord calls it, a fresh gathering season for the sake of the harvest. Now, who's God, God gathering? God's not gathering the harvest. He's gathering the harvesters. And mm. you've got to convince the harvesters that you're no longer the harvest. You're now the workers and we've got to equip you, not enable you. You know, we have a church now in Houston and there's a gathering together and we're telling them constantly, you're no longer the audience, you're now the army. You know, God needs an wow. army and you're it. And so there has to be a fresh gathering anointing. Why? Because the evil day is approaching. And Hebrews 
uh, chapter 10, verse 25 says, not forsaking the gathering of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and in so much as we see the day approaching. And so as we see the evil day, the response of God to that evil day is assembly, not gathering for the sake of serving teas and coffees. No, an assembly of the saints together and a mobilizing of the saints means one should chase a thousand, two shall chase ten thousands. And so the Spirit of God is looking for those gatherings in the earth again. He's brooding over the gatherings because there's an outpouring now. And it's not going to be just an outpouring for revival. It's going to be an outpouring for reformation. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Bible actually talks about four R's that are going to take place in the end times. Repent, the Bible says, return, that times of revival or refreshing. So first R, repent. Second R, return to the Lord. So we can repent and not return to the Lord. Mm. You know, that's why I love, you know, people say, we're praying, why is things not changing? No, if my people called by my name shall humble themselves, seek my face, pray. Right. We can, that's all repentance. And uh-huh. turn from their wicked ways. That means return to the Lord. So it's one thing to say, I'm sorry from. It's another thing to say, I'm accepting this. So we can be sorry mm. for and still not accept the new. You know, it's mm. like marriage. You know, you can say, I'm sorry for what I did, but still not change your behavior to a more righteous way of conduct that pleases your spouse. We can say, oh, we messed up here, but still not accept that there's a lifestyle. You know, the thing that shocks me is Christians don't believe that there's a lifestyle. Even the LGBT community know that there's a lifestyle if you want to be in their community. In Christianity, if you want to be in this, holiness is the lifestyle. None of us go to a restaurant and uh, if we see stains on our plate, choose to let the, the person serving us put the, the, the clean food on the dirty plate. We say, excuse me, the plate's dirty. Excuse me, the cup has somebody else's lipstick on the edge of it. And yet we want to serve God from unclean vessels. And God's like, no, my standard is still going to be number one, holiness, blamelessness, mm-hmm. without which no man can see the Lord. Um, but number two, there has to be a gathering for a new outpouring. And that means, you know, Ezekiel beheld a valley. The valley was full of dry bones and the bones mm-hmm. were very dry. And God didn't abandon the bones. The, the Bible says, he said, prophesy to the bones. Why? Because the breath needs bones. We can't just prophesy and ask God, pour out your spirit. And there's no structure. Spirit needs structure. He needs a skeleton. He needs a gathering of, mm. of the army together so that the outpouring can come. So he says, repent, return to the Lord. Times of refreshing will come from the presence of God. That's the third R. And he will send Jesus Christ whom the heavens must withhold until the reformation of all things. So the final R is where the church hasn't got to yet. We love revival. Thank God for revival. But if all you do is keep resuscitating us and we die again and you resuscitate us again and we die again, reformation is meant to, revival is meant to tilt into reformation. Revival is meant to tilt 
us out of falling over and rolling on the floor and all of that is meant to spill over into, okay, how are we going to make earth look like heaven? How are we going to make <laughs> the kingdoms of the world reflect the kingdom of our God and of his Christ so that he can reign forever and ever? That's the place now in this final revival, God is saying, I'm holding back the revival until you have your reformers on the ground. Wow. Now, what does that look like? It looks like Elisha's already pulling a plow. Elisha is not there uh, just waiting for revival. No, he's already got his instruments ready for reformation to till the ground. Hmm. And so that means, that means now in this hour, training is coming upon revival. Uh, the, the anointing is coming upon education. The anointing is coming upon intelligence. The anointing is coming on people with a brain, people that know what to do now that they've been revived. That's the hour we're coming into in this next gathering. Number three, the Lord says, work out your exit strategy from your job or into jobs that will matter beyond 2030. This was a crucial one. And, you know, I, I've been saying this for a while, but for uh, I think it was Forbes magazine that came out with an article. I can't remember if it was 300 or 600 million jobs that will be lost by 2030 to artificial intelligence. And so the Lord said, now it's time to work out your exodus. Exodus is a huge word uh, uh, in the Hebrew. It's, it's a relative of the word ecclesia, where we get the call out ones from. Ek, mm. meaning to leave or to flee. Ecclesia, meaning to calm, come out. Ex hodus, meaning to run from. What were they running mm. from? They were running from their jobs. They had horrible bosses called taskmasters, who afflicted them cruelly uh, in a season to build structures for Pharaoh. And so we're actually in a season where 2025 will be the halfway point, the Lord says, of that exit strategy that is going to be commanding a lot of people. I've got calls everywhere. God told me to leave my job. God told me to step out. And I'm earning, I'm earning five figures. I'm earning six figures. I don't know why the Lord would tell me to do this. Because there's a movement out of jobs into sustainability. You know, mm -hmm. jobs are archaic now. The idea of a job is as, as archaic as the idea of our education system. Our education system is years out of date. But our education system trains us to step into the job market and not into the area that I believe the Lord wants us to step into. And look what the Lord said, which was really interesting. Let my people go from their slavery, that they may worship me on this mountain. Mm -hmm. And so God wanted them to be freed up enough to worship. He wanted them to be freed up enough to spend time with him. That was the whole goal of delivering them from their terrible job market. It was like, I need them to worship me. And I'm not going to take, and that word worship is the same word bondage. Let them go from their bondage. It's the same word. In other words, God wasn't freeing them uh, from slavery. God was freeing them 
to slavery, but slaves of Christ, mm. slaves of uh. the Lord, not slaves of the systems of mm. the world. And so we see this again in the woman who was bent over for 18 years, couldn't straighten herself up. And look what he says. He says, anyone who sees an oxen tied down doesn't, doesn't he just on the Sabbath go ahead and release that oxen. But what's he releasing the oxen to? You release the oxen from the stalls to carry a load. The good news about Christ's mm -hmm. load is it's light. It's mm -hmm. easy. It's not, it's not as terrible as what you're under right now in the systems of the world. It is a light yoke. And we're in a season now where God's people are going to have to choose which master they're going to serve. And I love what the Bible says because your, your biggest master isn't Satan. Your biggest master is money. It's mammon. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're, we're shifting the time now. And whatever job you had before, you're going to see them becoming redundant. Just yesterday I was on the plane and I was watching this news article about Amazon, and it's like otherworldly. If you look at their factory that they just built, they have robots now doing what humans used to do, and they put out a promise. We're not replacing humans, we promise. Yeah, right. I mean, in a few years, I mean, these robots don't go on lunch breaks. These robots don't ask for vacation time. They don't ask for maternity and paternity leave, you know, whatever that means. They, they're working 24-7 round the clock. And so we're, gonna, we're already in that era now where if you're not working out your exodus out of the job sector or into jobs that will matter past 2030, uh, you're going to be in trouble. Uh, Genesis 47 verse 1 says, So Joseph went and told Pharaoh, my father and my brothers with their flocks and herds and all they own have come from the land of Canaan and are in Goshen. And he chose five of his brothers and presented them before Pharaoh, and he said, what is your occupation? I think this is going to be the most crucial question of the next few years. What is your occupation? What's your job? What are you working right now? Whatever job you're working right now, whatever occupation you're tied in right now, ask yourself, is it going to be around or is there some robot that can do my job much better than me? And if there is, Accountants, if there is, graphic designers, if there is, web developers, if there is, news anchors, it's time for us to begin to make the shift into whatever sectors uh, of job or business or investments that are going to actually make room for us and our families. Number four, the Lord says, run away from money and choose to invest in the best parts of the land. And I don't, I don't believe God wants us to be foolish with money and not stay liquid. I actually believe that liquidity is good. You know, without liquidity, you can't buy food. But I, I actually believe there's a strategy in the season we're stepping into that the Lord wants us to build asset-based lives and not income-based lives. And that means that now we've got to get wise with money, number one, or align ourselves with people that are wise with money. So that's two things you can do there. You can either admit you're incompetent at money and, and be like Ruth and say, Naomi, I'm following you. I don't know anything about this bread and, and, and economics, but 
your people, my people now, your God, my God, where you die, I die. I'm, yeah. I'm joining your course. I'm subscribing to your life. I'm going to be here forever until, until I get brainy enough to figure this out. But right now I'm just going to align. So two things you can do. You can either align with people who are heading in that direction, teaching in that direction, training in that direction, positive leaders that are speaking in that direction. You know, those, these are the people now we got to align ourselves with. Because we're going to have a dichotomy past 2025 of why we're not going to have a church of, you know, divided by black against white or Asian against, you know, black or whatever. The dichotomy is going to be wise people against foolish people. And the Bible says the foolish people expected the wise people to provide for them during a time of, 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 uh, uh, of the bridegroom coming. And right. the wise people looked at the foolish people and said, no, we, we actually, the reason we're sleeping is because we've actually invested. We've, we've bought our oil. Don't, don't, don't sleep just because we're sleeping. Get about your day and, and do some work. And so run away from money and choose to invest in the best part of the land. So that means that now if you're one of those people that God's speaking to about property, about land development, don't just invest in anything. Invest strategically mm. in parts of the land that you know are going to bless you and your family years down the line. I mean, you look at the man Naboth who Jezebel killed, and you realize why he killed him, because he had a, a plot of land that was right next to the king's house. I mean, that's, that's like that uh, asset is so expensive mm. that... Uh, Naboth said, no, you're not touching my portion. I, I, this is my family's inheritance dating back years. So you've got to work your way into the best parts of the land. Because whenever there's a recession or something's going on in the land, remember, you have to remember around this time, this famine, it's, it's the best parts of the land that are going to stay buoyant. And so Genesis 47, 14, and Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the corn which they bought. And Joseph bought the money into Pharaoh's house. When the money from the land of Egypt and Canaan failed, mm. that's the operative word. Money is going to fail. Money is getting ready to fail. And we're going to see what people have called their savings, their you know, life savings. And I've been telling people specifically, watch out for Wells Fargo Bank and, and, and different banks. Watch out for closures, massive closures, because, you know, we're going to see something shifting economically. And it doesn't mean money goes away, because according to, I think it was Occam's Law or whoever it was, you know, energy never gets destroyed. It just gets converted into something else. It means we've got to find where it's been converted into. So when the money from Egypt was gone, the Bible says that the people became slaves. They became mm -hmm. slaves of the government and slaves of Pharaoh. And so, you know, when, when money fails, the scariest word in, in the world, according to Reagan, was we're the government and we're here to help. Right. Because that's right. exactly <laughs> what happened. In Joseph's day, the government came and said, we're here to help. And, and Pharaoh, Joseph's Pharaoh was benevolent. The Pharaoh that rose up after him was not. 
And this is why Solomon says, I've seen a, a wicked thing under the earth. He says, a ruler rises up and then people hate him and they go for a younger guy instead that everybody loves him, but he's only there for a season and somebody else will rise up anyway. So, you know, America's obsession with elections has to give way to, hey, let's build the kind of economy that whether it's a Democrat or a Republican in power, we're okay. We're, we're buoyant. We're riding through whatever season we need That's to good. ride through because we're trusting in the Lord. We're not trusting in the White House. Mm-hmm. So uh, num- uh, number five, uh, the, I think the, the body of Christ has got to learn to buy and sell. I believe the body of Christ has got to learn how to pay their debts. And I'm not talking about good debt. I'm talking about bad debt, especially during the time of Christmas. Please don't get into debt. I just see something so strong coming for 2024 in different parts of the world that is going to be such an economic shaking that you cannot afford to get into debt, like Christmas debt and all of these uh, luxuries that you can't afford. Like, you know, people, people go out there and they pay for expensive lives that they can't afford. Mm-hmm. And the problem is you have to keep it up. If you start that scam, you have to keep up the scam, you know. And so live within your means. And then uh, don't live off of your income. Live off of your business. And I actually believe God is lowering the bar for everyone to be able to enter into this season of business. I really believe it prophetically. Because the Bible says in Luke 19, occupy till I come. That word there is pragmatiomai. It means trade till I come, do business till I come. So there's a there's an anointing for skilled business. It's in Exodus 31. It talks about the spirit of God coming upon the people. And it wasn't actually prophecy. Prophecy was the latter day outpouring. It was for building, design, architecture, craft, business. So there's an outpouring in 2024. If anybody's willing to receive it, it's an outpouring that's going to make them skilled, it's going to make them successful. I remember when the Holy Spirit taught me how to play the piano. I did. I still don't read musical notes today. Hmm. He just supernaturally skilled me to, to play. And I became the worship leader of our church for almost three years. Wow. And, and I was like, how did you learn this? I was like, I was just in my room. I said, Holy Spirit, teach me. And all of a sudden, he started teaching me. And so supernaturally we're going to see scale coming upon the people of God. They're going to be able to do things that they couldn't do before and wonder how am I gifted in this? You know, uh, you know, it's probably like you, uh, all of a sudden you're learning, how am I gifted in media all of a sudden? How did I know how to work this camera? How do I know how to fix this? And, and so it's the anointing that we got to recognize. The anointing is coming upon people who are being positioned uh, for wealth transfers. And I, I really believe that. Now, how wealthy are people going to be? They're going to be as wealthy as they want to be. You know, that's the, that's the challenge. You know, wealthy for what sake? Well, the billion soul harvest. People talk about the billion soul harvest, but they don't talk about the billion soul seed. It's going to cost a lot. We did crusades in Africa. Every crusade cost us $100,000. Mm-hmm. Every crusade in every village, $100,000 or $200,000, sometimes upwards of three hundred, dollars depending on the size and the stadium and all those things. So we, we need billion-dollar 
investors. We need the Phoebes, the benefactors, the matrons and the patrons, those who can carry the anointing, great, but those who can carry the wealth to sustain revival as well. We need a calling forward of those people. And so uh, we need a buying, selling anointing. We need people who are are living within their means. We need people who are building businesses, uh, not living off of their job. We we need those like the the widow. You know, her circumstances change. And hear, hear what the Lord said. You don't have to wait for your circumstances to change, to shift into a business anointing. Remember that that woman, her husband died. The creditors are coming to take her kids. Bailiffs are coming around. I don't know if you call them bailiffs in America. We call them bailiffs in the UK. Tax collectors. Tax or, collectors yeah, yeah. Or, or, you know. The constable, uh, I guess, maybe. Yes. So they're coming to take everything. And in the midst of that, um, she seeks a prophet. And the prophet doesn't say, Shabba Baba, Rando Kushata, by this time tomorrow. No. He says, what do you have in your house? He says, oh, nothing, just this jar of oil. And I, I believe prophetically, your next level is in your house. It's not some big idea. It's not some, whoa, amazing thing and genius. It's actually just the thing you called nothing. It's sitting there right in front of you. Imagine her whole company was right in her house and she called it nothing. And all mm. of a sudden, the prophet gave her strategy. Here's the operative word of 2024. If you're going to succeed, it's not about products, it's not about services. It's all going to be about supernatural, prophetic strategy. You're going to have to partner with the prophets and prophetic people to release strategy. You know, wow. there's so, so many simple, you know, you, you go to places like... Uh, I can't remember the name of that burger restaurant in America that everybody blows up about with the, the milkshake that has like uh, bacon in it. You know, uh, what's that? What's There's that actually place? several of those. Uh, I mean, oh. there, it might be In-N-Out Burger. It could be uh, Burgatory. Uh, There's one I can't remember off the top of my yeah, head. Shake now. Shack. You know, different. Oh, you're getting closer yeah. to Shake Shack, but it's not Shake Shack. <laughs> Steak and Shake? Oh. It's not steak and shake. No. It's popular. <laughs> very popular franchise. Oh, it's gone from my head. Anyway, this company, they, they sell burgers, and then uh, they give you the fries for free. They give you all the toppings for free. They give you, like, all the, everything else for free. But then mm. they sell you this burger, and you're like, wow, this is a bargain. I get this burger, and I get all my fries and toppings for free. But what you don't realize is you're actually paying in the burger, you're praying for the fries and the toppings, but mm-hmm. it's all strategy. It's all strategy. It's like a strategy that they've got that makes you feel like you're doing something, but you're actually doing something that works against your own interest in a weird way. <laughs> We're going to succeed in this season. Every business, every organization, Christian or secular, is going to succeed by partnering with prophets to release prophetic strategy over their businesses, over their ideas, their initiatives. There's going to be some divine revelation that's going to come just like it came to this woman. And she's going to all of a sudden see what she called nothing become a multi-million dollar oil business in a desert. And that's exactly what happened. Her story turned around because she partnered with prophetic strategy. Those who don't partner with prophetic strategy are going to partner with the fear and the spirit of the world. And the best Mm -hmm. analogy for this, again, is when Apostle Paul was stranded on his way to Rome and he 
prophesy to them, brothers, I, I perceive this journey is, is not going to end well for us. And the Bible says the centurion, God bless you. The Bible says the centurion believed the shipmaster over the prophet. Believe the professional over the prophet. Believe what the professionals were saying. And look, 2020 became the exaltation of this kind of professional papal intelligentsia. And they started telling them, believe the professionals, believe the professionals, believe the science. And we're now seeing the science wasn't correct. Mm -hmm. And those who told us to believe that they're orthodox are now reneging on what some of the things they said. We got to believe what the Lord is saying, not what man is saying, if we're going to succeed. And man's voice is going to get louder and louder, uh, climate this, climate that. And the prophet's voices have to be amplified as well. So in the midst of the noise, we can hear the voice of the Lord. Amen. And so, you know, the, this widow turned around her life. That's why I said, how wealthy do you want to be? As wealthy as you want to be, you know. She said, he said, borrow some vessels. He didn't say borrow six. He didn't say borrow seven. He said, borrow some vessels. When, it, when Elijah was about to die, he told the king, strike the ground, strike the air. He didn't say strike it once or twice. Oh, how, how, how big do you want to, how, how successful do you want to be? How hmm. big do you want to dream? You know, because you, you, the Bible says when the jars were filled, the oil stopped. So the, the secret is borrow as many jars as you can and the oil's going to keep running. The secret is trust God as big as you can trust him to make you a conduit and a carrier of blessings for nations. And he's going to do exactly that. Uh, the next thing, I can't remember what number I'm on. We're on to six. We're on to six. So the Lord says, don't wait for World War III to, to be announced before you recognize that you are already crossed into wartime. And I think we're just waiting for this big announcement to come on the news. The world war has begun. No, in the spirit, wars are not declared in the natural. Wars aren't declared by Winston Churchill's. Wars are declared in the spirit. And the Bible says in Joel chapter 3, verse 9, proclaim among the nations, prepare for war. He said, prepare for war. He didn't say, let war find you. And all of a sudden you're anxious and you're worried and you're trying to figure out what am I going to do with my life? No, he says, be prepared ahead of time for a season of warfare. What does warfare season look like? I've never, I don't know if you've ever been, but I've never been in war. Uh, we haven't been in war since the GI generation uh, who, who knew what wartime was. You know, maybe we should ask them some questions. You know, what, what was wartime like? How did, you, how did you live during wartime? How did you survive? There are nations right now going through wartime and us in our generation who have never seen it before, we're the ones sitting on the sidelines protesting and yelling because we've never experienced what real wartime brings. What does wartime bring? It brings casualties. It brings innocent lives being slaughtered. It brings chaos economically. It puts us in a place of survival. But I'll tell you what the biggest thing it does. It puts us in a place of self-governance. Every time wartime struck, 
people became more self-governing and less reliant on government because government was busy fighting wars. And so all of these companies we've seen set up or institutions we've seen set up in Britain, for instance, or even in America, you know, the Office of Foreign Affairs, the Office of this, the Office of Food and Safety, all of these were set up during wartime. Tinned food that we now, now stock our, 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 our houses with Tin food was from World War One and World War Two. When you were in ration, you you actually put your food in a in a tin. But after war, these institutions never go away. They just become stronger and stronger and demand more from us. But during war, people consolidate. People build their own security. People build their own wealth structures. People build their own survival mechanisms. I was in Nigeria for a year, living in a country where there was no electricity, no lights, none of those things. And, you know, we actually lived in the best part of Nigeria, uh, thank God. But uh, so we had some electricity, lights, all of those things, but but we had to, we had to hire our own police because there's no police system. Call the police in Nigeria, dial 911 in Nigeria. They ask you to pay for the petrol that they need to come to the crime. And so it's, it's never a good thing. So you have to build that. There's no healthcare. You have to build it. There's no anything. And so people start building. Of course, it's very expensive. But in the long run, you become less reliant on government and the whims of government. And you become more reliant on the spirit of God, more reliant on things that he's showing you, more reliant on personal wisdom, personal safety, protection for your family, all of those great things. So prepare for war. The Bible says, beat your plowshares into swords. That means whatever was your domestic instrument before for a domestic life, you're going to have to learn to turn that instrument into a wartime weapon that's effective for where you're going. In other words, whatever job you were doing before, you have to shift that into and beat yourself Beating doesn't sound like a good thing, but beat yourself into something that's effective for the season we're coming into now. So the church has got to learn to do uh, that warfare. And final thing is you've got to build your own Goshen's. You've got to build your own Goshen's. What is Goshen? You know, Goshen is this place where the government has no uh, ability to touch Goshen is the place where you don't become a victim of the whims of economies. Goshen is the place where you get delivered from the idolatry of election cycles. Hmm. It's the place where you actually come into being the president of your house, the president of your children, the president of your community. You know, you start building you know, in the New Testament, it was Antioch. They started building these economic supply chains. When they heard that the believers were going through a tough time, they sent financial relief to those believers because Antioch was wealthy enough. I estimated mm-hmm. the wealth of the Antioch church uh, from, I think it was Acts 19. I can't remember which scripture it was. But it was, it was millions of dollars, U.S. dollar equivalent, wow. that the Antioch church owned. They were wealthy people. So anybody had an issue, it was like, let's just send them relief. The widows, let's send relief. Those in famine, let's send relief. Today's church, I believe, has to build some kind of economies within ourselves. Hmm. Now, you know, 
all kinds of people come to me with all kinds of ideas of what those economies look like. I, I don't know what fully it would look like. I wish I did. But I, I believe we have to build the kind of economies that when systems begin to fail, and I think one of them is, um, you know, I think one of them is agriculture. I think the church needs to go back to owning, owning its own agriculture, owning its own fa uh, farming animals and, and uh, cattle and producing its own vegetation. You know, um, the first thing God put them in is a garden. The last thing God did when he returned and died, he, he, he came back in a garden. And uh, I believe that we're literally talking about moving back to, to, to sustenance and self-governance as opposed to relying on government structures. And that's Genesis 47, 23. Then Joseph said to the people, now that I've acquired you and your land for Pharaoh this day, here is seed for you to sow in the land. At harvest time, you are to give a fifth of it to Pharaoh, and four-fifths will be yours. That sounds fair. But what happens when another politician rises up mm -hmm. who's not as benevolent as that Pharaoh? He's going to take that up to two-fifths, another one three-fifths, another one four-fifths. And it's like, nope, we own you. So we, 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 we've got to build with wisdom. Joseph actually created the very system that enslaved his own people years later. Wow. Um, but he, he did it under a benevolent dictator. He, we've got to build with foresight now because dictate, whoever leads us democratically or whatever, they're going to change. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to build our own unwavering systems that can't be shaken by the whims of the world. You know, the Bible calls it Zion, the city made without human hands, which I believe is God's wisdom and revelation upon the believers. Wow. Brother, that's, that is some powerful stuff here. And I, I, you can't see all this stuff, but I took, I took notes of everything that you were saying. And I know that um, I'm going to have to go through this stuff again, because Whenever you, whenever people are talking about the future, whenever people are talking about this is what I feel God's saying for the next year, you know, this is the time of year that we're, I mean, literally I'm gathering a, a lot of these messages from what God is saying. And a lot of it's encouraging and um, some of it is, is challenging. But what you've just laid out is very apostolic and it's prophetic and apostolic and it's a plan for us to move forward. And I love how you said that we need to partner with the prophets to be able to put these things into practice so that we will see the provision being uh, being being a reality. And yeah. it's a it's something that, you know, very practical of what we can do. And um, I, I know that this is going to force me to be praying more about what what I can do and how we can how we can get ready for that next season. That is, that is ahead of us. So, brother, thank you so much for sharing this. And I, I just would like to ask you to pray for those that have been watching and listening to this, oh. um, that, you, that there would just be a release uh, in their lives. Yes. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those watching this right now. Lord, prophecy is not supposed to incite fear. It's supposed to awaken us to find solutions. Lord, I ask you... There may be a feeling of, wow, this is a lot to take in. Father, I ask you, put one step in front of the other, in front of your people right now. You said the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Begin to order each step. Lord, we know that 
we could do nothing without you. Let's in our heart, we boast and say the power of our strength has gained us this wealth. Lord, wealth, resources, the power to create it comes from you. So, Lord, we acknowledge that. We acknowledge divine opportunities. We acknowledge time and chance that happen to all of us. We acknowledge divine favor and, and connections to people that only you can bring about. So, Lord, I pray for divine serendipities. I pray for divine moments stumbling into favor in 2024. Lord, favor is what happens with good understanding. The Bible says good understanding gives favor. So, Lord, I pray release wisdom, understanding, and knowledge onto the body of Christ at large. Bless charisma. Bless their ministry, their organization, begin to lift it up in the earth as a force of change. And Lord, we pray that at the end of this, we can truly partner with you and say, the kingdoms of the world have become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And finally, I pray for America. Lord, I pray right now during its turbulent season, where it's trying to figure out which way it wants to go, bring about a merciful, severe course correction, a merciful, severe course correction for America. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Apostle Tomi Arayomi, thank you so much for sharing this wisdom that God has has imparted into you uh, with our audience. And uh, brother, we bless you. We look forward to hearing more of what God has to say through you. Amen. Thank you. There's going to be war in 24. There will be turmoil in 24. Those who are prepared for those two things will flourish. Those who are unprepared will flounder. Alan Didio, it's great to have you here on Charisma News to hear what God is speaking to you about the upcoming year, 2024. There are so many things on the headlines that I want to say are distracting to us, and we Mm. need people like yourself to be able to help us navigate those headlines and see what God is actually saying about this coming year and how we need to respond. So welcome to Charisma News, and I'm looking forward to hearing what God is speaking to you. Thank you so much, brother. And these are such pivotal times. We're living in a precarious moment. And the Bible says that the Lord will do nothing except first he reveal his secrets to his servants, the prophets. Now, as believers, we all have prophetic insight. So the Lord is trying to show us something. The question is, are we listening? Mm. Are we paying attention? Yeah. And so one of the things that uh, I wanted to hear about is what are you paying attention to? Uh, you've become somebody that I am looking to as a prophetic voice, um, not just in what God is speaking to you, but you are very good at discerning the signs and the times of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some of the sermons that you've that you've preached, even about the uh, Oppenheimer, uh, you know, looking at the prophetic things. What has the Bible said about what's happening in our world today? So, twenty twenty four is an election year, even. So, yeah. Yeah, what what is God speaking to you, brother? Well, I want to issue a warning very quickly for everyone watching this. The Bible says when you begin to see these things come to pass, look up. Your redemption draws nigh. So in all the things that we're about to dive into, and we're going to dive into some controversial things in this conversation, I want you to know there's hope beyond the scope of human limitation. You are more than a conqueror. 
through Christ who strengthens you. So we're going to take the cover off. And I'm telling you, when a real prophetic voice speaks, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. We're going to look at what's actually coming in 2024. But I want you to know, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Come on. If you believe that, you need to be sharing messages like this. You need to be liking, commenting, engaging with this. And brother, I want to I want to say this to begin with, and, and then we can kind of go in whatever yeah. direction you want to go in. But when praying about 2024, here's a couple things the Lord showed me. Number one, that there's going to be war in 24. Number two, there will be turmoil in 24. And number three, those who are prepared for those two things will flourish. Those who are unprepared will flounder. Mm. Now, we can get into the details of this, but similar to what we saw in 2020, a lot of ministries disappeared, were exposed. The cover was taken off, not only in ministries, but also in politics. We began to see what's really happening behind the scenes, begin to see kind of the agenda of the enemy at work. The same is going to happen in 2024, and we've got to be prepared for it. Wow. You know, as you were saying that, it's it's really a tipping point. Um, yes. And I, I'm reminded of the parable of the ten virgins, the five wise ones that were prepared. They had their lamps ready. They had enough oil for the journey. And then the five foolish ones, they didn't have enough lamp. They didn't have mm-hmm. enough oil in their lamps, and they were begging uh, the others to you know to share with them. And so, just help us be ready by what God's speaking to you about this, because obviously war and turmoil are difficult things, and we're. For the most part, I think our viewing audience and our readers are probably in the United States. I know we do have people around the world, but for the most part, the United States has been um, separated or secluded from the rest of the world wars. Even mm. I mean, World War One or World War Two started uh, with the United States involvement whenever the island of Hawaii uh, was attacked, and it wasn't the mainland. So here in the United States, we kind of don't necessarily feel that, but I kind of feel that what you're ta- what you're talking about is a little bit deeper than yeah. uh, wars that we've felt in the past. Yeah, preparedness is key. And, I, and I'm talking about intentional preparedness. A lot of times when Christians hear something because they heard it, they think they did it. You know, because we hear a sermon on evangelism, we felt like we did evangelism because we said amen and we gave in the offering. But that is not sufficient. You must become an evangelist. You must minister the gospel. The same is true with what we're talking about during this broadcast heading into 2024. Simply hearing a message about it and listening to the prophetic words is not enough. Mm. You have to intentionally prepare yourself because there's several things that's coming. We Again, we can dive into this in whatever direction you want to, but I'm going to throw some stuff against the wall here and we'll see what direction the Holy Spirit wants us to go in. Number one, there is a cold civil war that has been taking place within the body of Christ over the last few years. Mm. That cold war will turn hot spiritually speaking spiritually, and there is going to be a schism between the house of David and the house of Saul. And that division is going to become more apparent. In a moment, I'll dive in more detail concerning that. Number two, I saw as I was praying about this uh, in the spirit, currency battles or currency wars, that there is going to be a battle. There's going to be Currencies are going to become a big deal. Now, I'm sure that has a lot to do with the digital currency, mm-hmm. things shifting over and a lot of powers that be trying to move us over to a digital currency. But we need to be prepared for that. We could talk about that here in a moment. You need to get your stewardship down right now, going into 2024. In preparation, you need to understand biblical giving. 
You need to understand biblical stewardship. You need to understand how to trust God for supernatural provision. Mm -hmm. If you will get those things down, if you will understand tithes, offerings, praying uh, for provision, the blessing of God, the provision of God, all those things, then as we enter into the tumult and the turmoil that's coming in 24, you will receive the transfer that's going to take place. You will flourish. If you are unprepared for this, then you're going to flounder. Now, if we can, you can dive in here, but I want to get back to this cold civil war that we're in. I was going to ask you to talk about that, yeah. So I think people have sensed it, especially when we went into 2020. All of a sudden, people we thought were were on the same side, they started to bifurcate and separate, Mm -hmm. and some Mm -hmm. bowed the knee, in a sense, to some of the political powers and suggestions that took place. As we go into 2024, it's going to be on a wider scale. What we're going to see is, it, it really, if, if you want to study this biblically, you can find where we're at in 1 Samuel 21. I feel that the story that's taking place in 1 Samuel 21 is a prophetic parallel for where we are right now. David is on the run from Saul. So there is a cold civil war that's taking place that much of the nation is not aware of at this time biblically. Mm. Uh, David, just and his men are kind of on, on their own, and people who are in the know know what's going on. Uh, And so David goes to a priest's house, and there he goes into the temple, and he he asks them if they have any weapons, and they happen to have Goliath's sword there. Now, there's a lot we can talk about Goliath's sword. You and I have discussed this, how Mm -hmm. to access Goliath's sword. We're not going to talk about that today. you got to get my book, Armed for Victory, that's going to prepare you for 2024 because I go into all of these details there. But what happens is David receives help in the house of God, He reclaims his weapon, Goliath's sword, that was rightfully his. And when he leaves, there's several other characters I want you all to pay attention to. There's the high priest, whose name is Ahimelech, who helped David. Mm -hmm. And then there is Saul. He represents the religious order of our day, the religious system, the old guard who are hanging on to power, who have lost the spirit but don't even realize it. And then you have Doeg, who is the chief herdsman of Saul, chief herdsman. That means he's a mega shepherd. Mm. He is a mega pastor. So there is there is coming there is coming in 2024 mega pastors not all there are many wonderful mega pastors but mega pastors who are more concerned about the crowd and appeasing the populace than they are about speaking the prophetic word of God. Doeg betrays Ahimelech and as a result Ahimelech is killed and all of his house mm. by Saul. Ahimelech is representative of many in the body of Christ who do not have an Issacharian anointing. They do not understand or discern the times or the seasons we're in. Ahimelech helped David because he did not know that there was a civil war going on within the kingdom. Mm. And he is killed not because he's innocent, but because he's ignorant. Now, the Mm. Bible says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. This has never been more evident than it's going to be in 2024. Every single one of you listening, you have got to make the decision what side of the line you're going to be on. You need to recognize that there is a battle that's going on, a lot of a lot of um, dog whistles, if you will, within the Christian community where people are signaling that they're on the side of Saul. And there are a lot of things going on where you can tell when people are on the Davidic side, they're walking in that new anointing. Hmm. 
And so there's a changing of the guard, brother, that's taking place right now. And the body of Christ needs to make a decision what side of the line we're going to be on because judgment's going to fall on the ignorant if they're unprepared. So let's talk about that ignorance right there. I mean, what are some of these signs that um, that you're saying are, are things that we need to be looking out for, uh, you know, to see which side that people are on? I mean, we don't want people to be ignorant. Uh, so what are some of these signs? Well, here's here's an interesting fact. Whenever, If you want to kind of learn how to walk in the prophetic, then you learn to find the natural parallels and relate them to the spiritual realities. Things happen in the spirit before they happen in the natural. Mm -hmm. And taking that principle on, now politics is often downstream from spiritual warfare. Mm. Politics is downstream from spiritual warfare. So what you see happening in the political world is generally a reflection of what's happening, a battle within the church world, fascinatingly enough. And I'm speaking here in the United States of America. Wow. So here okay. in the United States, when you look at the political arena, you can see the divisions that are taking place. So I ask you, when you look at the current presidential um, debates that are taking place, mm -hmm. uh, the current political climate, what do you see? And what you see is this old guard, mm -hmm. these traditional people who are more concerned about power than they are about being America first. And then you see these fresh voices coming in out of nowhere, right, coming right. in out of nowhere, challenging the status quo. And what's happening with that challenge is it's like this is a sifting taking place where certain people who have been in positions of political power for decades that Christians, conservatives, people have voted for for a long, long time were saying, wait a second. This person was never with us. Mm -hmm. They're only on the side of their own agenda, their own power. And the way we're discerning that is because of these voices that are coming up, how these new voices are being treated. All right? So now let's translate that over into the kingdom. Okay. There's a changing of the guard taking place. Tremendous voices rising out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. How are they being treated? How are they being received? And how is the old guard receiving them, adjusting their sails to the new winds that are blowing and how are they pouring into these voices? That's one way we can tell. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that was a mouthful. That was a mouthful. And there's so much because you didn't give any names or anything specifically, we could. My, my brain's spinning. <laughs> so that's that you got us, you got us working here. So uh, I want you to put in the comments right now, who you think that Alan's talking about. And there's a lot of people that he's actually talking about. It's yeah. not just one specific person. Uh, but who in the church is he talking about there? Or is who is like, what's that parallel? I think that's something that would be really interesting to see what our viewers are able to, to discern at that point. And then, of course, there's the obvious. Uh, right. Certain people who are out there saying we need to unhitch ourselves from the word of God and having same sex couples uh, come into their marriage conferences or those who are um, in the midst of a heinous attack against the Jewish people flying a, a Hamas flag or or whatever, you know, we can see that that's obvious. So, yeah. so I'm not, I'm not, I think everyone recognizes that you, you would think that honestly, those of you who are connected with this audience, you think everybody sees that the truth of the matter is everybody doesn't see that they're, yeah. they're not aware. There's a large portion of the body of Christ who do not have the benefit of the baptism of the Holy spirit and mm. the discernment that comes with it. And that's why we've got to become very evangelistic about the baptism in the Holy spirit, because people right. are going to need that in 2024 to be able to discern What's going on? Yeah, I feel I feel horrible for people that, that are rejecting the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit because you, you might think that you have discernment. You may think that you have wisdom, but you are lacking 
you are totally lacking. And uh, in a little bit, we're going to actually pray for the pray, pray for people that know that they need a touch from the Holy Spirit. I'm going to yeah. ask uh, Bishop Didio to to do that. But we've got this war that's going on in Israel, mm -hmm. and uh, at the time of this recording, um, it doesn't seem like there's a uh, there's an end at this at this point because there's so much that's happening underground and, and things like that. Um, what's God been speaking to you about Israel? Well, again, Israel is God's timepiece. Yeah. If we want to know what time it is on God's prophetic calendar, we look to the nation of Israel. And what the attacks we see going against the nation of Israel, again, those outward natural attacks are a reflection of a spiritual battle that's taking place. So when we see this, number one, of course, we must pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Peace, shalom, actually means wholeness. Mm -hmm. So we need to be praying for the wholeness of Jerusalem, the wholeness of Israel, not the division of, the dividing of. I think those who are bringing a two-state solution are not believing for the wholeness, the shalom right. of Israel. So we need to be discerning about that. And when we pray for Israel, if I could just throw this in here, you pray the prophetic promises over Israel. When God speaks of Israel throughout the Bible, he often speaks of her as if it's a person. Hmm. And he says that we should speak comfortably to her and declare to her the promises did a message recently on how specifically to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And there's a reason God wants us to do that, because prayers that begin with selfishness never reach the full manifestation of what God wants to accomplish in the earth. Mm -hmm. And so when we begin our prayers, God says, start with something that's entirely outside of yourself. Pray for Jerusalem. Pray for Israel. And when you begin your prayer life with un that unselfishness, then there's a blessing that can be released in your life. So you start for Israel, then you begin to pray for those in authority, and that's key because a prayer life that begins with selfishness is not going to go anywhere. You need to make praying for Israel a priority, and God says, I will bless those who bless Israel. That doesn't mean you know, wholesale agreement with every political decision every leader in Israel makes. That's not what we're talking about. But as far as the shalom of Israel, the peace of Israel, we stand for that, we stand with that, and we pray for that, and we believe God for that, and we've got to make that a priority in our personal lives. How, how I got on that tangent, I, I don't remember. We just <laughs> I think I asked you about that one. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, yeah, yeah because, because of the war that's going on in Israel. Right. So we've got to make praying for Israel a priority, and at the same time, we need to recognize that the gospel of the kingdom must go to the Jews first. So hopefully what this is causing us to do is to make is make Israel and the Jewish people a priority to take the gospel to them once again. Why yeah. not? And as we Absolutely. do that I believe God is God is going to tremendously bless us. Another another point that's really interesting, this is getting everyone's mind on the end times. Mm. This is this is thrilling as someone who for a quarter of a century has studied eschatology and I've had a hard time getting people to be excited about it or interested in it. There seems to be this strange revival of interest in eschatology right now among ministers and ministries that would never have anything to do with it. Now, all of a sudden, they're interested, and Israel is the reason for that. We're all coming together underneath the banner of a fascination for the last days, and that's truly exciting. Yeah. You know, we're, we're talking about the last days. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of people that are— comparing what's happening in Israel and what's happening in our world today is, you know, Ezekiel 37 and 38 and you, the, the Psalm 83. And there's, there's, there's specific chapters and prophecies in the Bible that have been laid out that uh, we look at and we say, these aren't fulfilled yet, but they will be fulfilled because we know that the Bible is, is true. 
um, and those prophecies will come to pass. I mean, but it's, you know, we need to be like Bereans and, and you know, the sons of Issachar and, and, you know, search out the signs and the times. And it's really important for us to do that. You've been searching that out for, for quite a while. Prophetically, which chapter are we in right now, brother? <laughs> That's such a good question. And when you mentioned Berea, I was just a few days ago, I was in Berea. Uh, in Greece, and we stood there near the synagogue where Paul unpacked these truths, and they were more noble um, because they searched the scriptures to see what was true, and that's that's definitely true now. I've never seen so many crazy end time theories as I'm seeing right now, um, from the idea that um, that Israel and the church have somehow merged, and that the church has replaced Israel, to the idea that there's not going to be any actual literal reign of Christ or a millennial reign of Christ, this, this kind of foolishness that rises, I don't, I don't, think, I don't blame the individuals. I often think they're just simply repeating what they've learned or what they've been taught. Mm-hmm. And so it's important that we find seasoned voices. I've been so fascinated lately as I've been studying uh, Kim Clement, mm-hmm. looking into his ministry, who um, I've never looked into, never had any attention uh, toward at all. He, in the last days of his life, became tremendously interested in the last days and repented concerning his previous positions on the last days, which shocked me. And I think the prophetic journey, I'm going to be sharing more about this on Encounter Today in in the future, his prophetic journey is indicative of the prophetic voices of our day. So I need to say this before I answer what chapter I believe that we're in, that he repented and realized that he needed to put a different emphasis on the end times and change his positions in many ways. And I'm, I'm going to be making a call in 2024 to the prophetic community, many of whom who have gone so deep into personal prophetic prophecies, personal words, that they have detached themselves from any form of the study of Bible prophecy. Mm-hmm. And I believe that if we're going to be accurate prophetically in personal prophetic words, we have to be anchored in the Word of God, anchored in Bible prophecy. And any minister who does not have a solid grounding in that study and in that understanding they're not, doesn't mean that they're always wrong. Doesn't mean they're not good brothers or sisters in Christ. I'm just warning you, they are subject to error. Mm. And we need to be very careful about that. Doesn't mean they're not brothers. Doesn't mean we don't love them. But we need to be very careful about those who have odd eschatological persuasions. Now, there are many differences in eschatology that we can all just have a wonderful conversation about, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there's some really weird, going, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Eschatological views that when they have that, you, you need to realize that that is a sign of how they interpret Scripture, and it can cause problems in other areas. Now, what chapter of the Bible are we in? Well, we've already seen Ezekiel 37 fulfilled, the Valley of Dry Bones, and is being fulfilled as far as I'm concerned. Yes. The Valley of Dry Bones coming together. We're seeing that happening. I believe in 2024, there's going to be a trigger that's going to cause a massive migration. I think we're going to see more Jews returning to the Holy Land than, it, than at any time in previous history, 2024, 2025, and beyond. We're going to begin to see that, and it's going to be, it's going to be a sign that we're in that uh, valley of dry bones, bones coming together, flesh coming, sinew, all that, the army rising up. That's where we are right now. And as far as the, the, the battle of Gog and Magog, the Scripture is not clear on the timing of this battle. Some uh, try to conflate it with the Battle of Armageddon for understandable reasons that we can see in Revelation 19 and 20. Uh, But when you get to Ezekiel 38 and 39, there are some differences there that seem to indicate that there is a period of time, seven years as a matter of fact, 
where there seems to be nuclear weapons that are used as you kind of dig into the history of it. So I, I don't think we're in Ezekiel 38 yet. I think we're in the preparation stages for Ezekiel 38. If we go to Matthew 24, we see these birth pangs being laid out. I think we're starting to see those ramp up and the stage being set for those things. But as far as where we are right now, I think Revelation chapter 3 is where we are. We are in the midst of the Laodicean church. We're on the verge of entering into Revelation chapter 4, but we're in the midst of the Laodicean church, and God is calling us to repent, to turn from our wicked ways, to recognize our need for him. I think that's where we are right now. Wow. That, really? That's a mouthful. You asked for one verse, one chapter where we are, and we went all over the place. I, I know you, Alan. I, 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 know, I'm, I know what I'm asking for. <laughs> 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 Brother, would you would you pray for our viewers right here that, you know, you, we started this by talking about how there is a war and, and turmoil that's yes. coming and we need to be prepared. And I brought up about the, the 10 virgins and how some of them had enough oil and their lamps were, were, were trimmed and others didn't. You know, that oil is significant of mm. the Holy Spirit. Would you yes. pray a releasing of the Holy Spirit on, on people and the baptism of the Holy Spirit? here so that people will be able to be ready and discerning. Yeah, there is a new baptism of fire that's coming, renewed for this generation. And I want everybody watching right now just to lift your hands. If you're hungry for a fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit, this is the opportunity. I'm believing right now for not just uh, a dabble do you, but a storehouse, a store of oil to be poured out on you. Father, in the name of Jesus, for every single household represented watching, for every single individual. We come together in unity right now, one chasing a thousand, two putting 10,000 to flight, and we believe for you to descend. And we ask right now that you baptize us in your Holy Spirit. Jesus, you are the baptizer. I want everybody to pray that right now. Pray, Jesus, you are the baptizer. Baptize me with the evidence of it to overflowing I receive it right now by faith. Yeah, in the name of Jesus, as an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ, I say to you, receive the Holy Ghost now. Yeah, yeah, begin to thank him. Yeah, I feel, I feel a release right now. You open your mouth and you begin to praise him. That heavenly language is going to come up out of you. And it's not just a heavenly language. It is a fresh endowment of power to be a witness in 2024. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Brother, thank amen. you so much for sharing with us what God is speaking to you about the year 2024 and how we need to be prepared and ready for what's ahead. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity, man. More to talk about. We could be here for hours. I know. I know. So we got we to plan be another one. And by the time 2024 is over, Everybody in this nation will know that God rules in the affairs of me. Amen. You just mentioned the new year, and I think that's a great segue to talk about something that God has put on your heart. And you started telling me before we hit record, and I said, wait, 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 wait. I need to make sure that we're recording this. Um, but Apostle, what is God saying to you about the year 2024? I'm going to take the blueprint for 2024 in four or five different uh, angles. Firstly, we're going to talk about what that year is going to mean for the United States of America. And then we're going to delve into what that year 2024 is going to mean on the global uh, uh, front. 
And then we're going to talk about the economic of nations, what's going to happen uh, with the global uh, money market and all the finance paraphernalia of, of the world. And then we're going to talk about what that year signifies for the body of Christ and for the individual believer within the church. And then finally, we're going to talk about just all of the theme that God is releasing, the, the main word that God released for the year. You see, when the year 2020 came, just to give you a little bit of background, because our ministry, we, we ride on prophetic blueprint. We never delve into any year or any season from the intellect of men. We'll wait upon the Lord. And this season of the year is that time that we navigating the frequency of the Spirit and asking the Lord to download what He wants to say. The Bible says, uh, in the book of Habakkuk, he said in verse one and two, Habakkuk, he said, I will stand me upon my watch to hear what he will say to me. And the Lord will speak his word. And he said, write down the vision and make it plain upon tables that he that read it will run. So every time that there's a download of the prophetic, there has to first be the seeking of God. And then there's the response from heaven. Now, God has been talking that the year 2024 in the United States of America is going to be the year of kingdom dominion. And it's going to be yet the year of heightened sense of activities that's going to affect uh, a global event that's going to have the impact on the policy or, or the whole direction of the U.S. election. There will be things that are happening on the global scene that will directly impact just the psychology and the whole climate of the election. It would almost be as though things are shifting by the hour, by the day. News coming out of events taking place that's impacting just about the right person, the right candidate to navigate those global events and, and things are going to emerge. Now, God will have the upper hand in all of this mm -hmm. and the glory of God will be revealed through all of this. The Lord will reveal a candidate that is anointed by God to wield based on a specific prophetic timeline and hold back everything that is antithetical to the will of God in the United States of America. So I'm going to say to uh, the body of Christ in this nation, get ready to take the window of opportunity that the Lord is going to give to us to establish the order of the kingdom and the culture of heaven in a way that will allow us to navigate the biggest revival before the coming of Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so there's a, there's a lot there to unpack and there's, there's more that God's been speaking to you too. So why don't you just go right ahead into, into the next part too. A lot of voices are going to be merging and a lot of voices are going to be crumbling. Things that the world had never seen before when it pertains to the manifestation of the power of God is going to come to the mainstream. We're going to begin to see demonstration of miracles and activations and outpouring of revival, awakenings, especially among young people in the year 2024. 
It feels as though what seemed to be the mundane or the systems of church as we've known it is going to come to a point where everything that God is going to be doing will go beyond and above it. God will start to raise up stones, living stones, the stones which the builders have rejected. They're going to come to start to preach the gospel and manifest the power of God. And the Spirit of the Lord says, watch out for the campuses, because my spirit and my anointing is going to break out on different university campuses mm. across the United States. And, and I see a lot of young people who are just going on the surge. It's going to be bigger than the Asbury Revival, the, the wave of the Spirit of God that's going to come through the university campuses in the new year. Um, the, the world economy will get to a heightened sense of things and there will be a lot of superpowers that will be creating all kinds of threat because of military uh, just escalations around the world that's going to be happening and it will affect pretty much everything as it pertains to the money. And that's why the people of God cannot trust on their own uh, finances or the finances of the Luciferian culture. Mm. We're coming to a time that the people of God must seek God. And each Christian believer needs to learn to walk with God personally and to partner with God concerning their finances. Because the power of God who provides and who sustains and who supports the anointing that comes through Jehovah Jireh is going to be revealed more than ever in the year 2024. Wow. That's a good word, brother. That's really good. <laughs> Man, partnering with partnering our finances with God is something that we, we need to do regardless of what year it is. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, what, what are some other things that you're seeing? We've talked about political. We've talked about uh, uh, we talked about financial right now and economic. Keep us going, brother. This is good. Yes. Um, I also uh, began to navigate just um, a, a breakdown of uh, a satanic culture in America. God is coming with a mighty, mighty sword to bring judgment against every antichrist culture in the United States in the year 2024. And, and we've, it started already, but it's going to go into a whole different level. What we're going to experience in 2024 is going to open the door. It's a gateway for what the Spirit of the Lord will be doing even in 25. But it's going to be a lot of uproar because the powers that be and the forces that had sat down over their fears of the values and the way that the American life had been over time is going to be shaken out of its place. And this man of God is not just a victory that's in the political realm per se alone, but it's a spiritual battle. Because all of the systems that are seeking to control the, the morality of this nation, they come from a very powerful um, spiritual and demonic source. So the Lord says those altars, they are crumbling. 
And when they begin to crumble, there will be uh, just an overturn of the systems in all spheres of our government and all spheres of our public life. Because the Lord says, I will sweep through this nation with a mighty hand and I will purge the church and I will purge the nation of altars and systems that have uh, stood against the will of God in this nation. Amen. Brother, you said that, um, that that's starting to happen already. Can you tell us how that is happening and what are some things that you see it happening? Uh, some more, some more details, if you can share. Yes, sir. Spiritual warfare is, is going on right now. The year 2024 will be the year that things open up. You begin to see some doors, some major doors begin to open up uh, in the earth realm that will give way to uh, a revival. Now, this revival haven't started um, within just the framework of hungry Christians in America, hungry people who are just seeking for the glory of God, people who are just praying, people who would travel uh, for miles and miles and, and use their life saving just to be at a conference and to participate in an atmosphere where they'll immerse themselves in the glory of God. So that is the frontier that's going to spread in the 2024. And as that fire began to spread into the year 2024, we begin to see it galvanize, it's going to increase, it's going to escalate into the political cycle. We're going into the 2024 election like it's a matter of spiritual warfare. And the, the, the dividing line for that election it's not going to be all of those polarized issues that often divide the political life here in America, but it's going to be essentially a battle of God's value and Satan's culture in this nation. And the revival that started is what God is going to use to create a bigger representation for God's will to be done in America next year. So what we're gonna have is a spiritual wave that's gonna keep growing until it becomes a political wave and it's gonna keep growing until it becomes a social reform. Every time that there's gonna be any culture shift in any society, it begins first in the realm of the spirit. When God raises prophets and intercessors and gatekeepers and frontliners and people who understand particularly the rule of the spirit and the protocol of the kingdom, and they begin to shift the atmosphere right from the third heaven through prophetic intercession, just like what God is doing now. The heavens is gathering rain and the atmosphere is becoming more and more pregnant with power and glory of God and is going to pour into America next year. And by the time 2024 is over, everybody in this nation will know that God rules in the affairs of me. And God has the final say in everything. And a lot of believers have been praying and the Lord told us to keep praying, keep praying. Because when I move in America, I'm going to take that prophetic intercession 
of so many believers who have been praying fasting and seeking the Lord. And I'm going to use it as a powerful weapon to shift the political scene of this nation. And that's going to shift the moral uh, 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 blueprint of America. And things will never be the same again because we're going to have an atmosphere of revival to prepare us for the greatest harvest of souls. Amen. Amen. Brother, you, you said we got to keep praying and I totally agree with that. What other things that we, what are some other action points that we can do to uh, follow what God has been speaking to you? These are some really good words. Yes. The, 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 I could hear the Holy Spirit is talking also about each Christian right now at this time, understanding that the days of churchianity is over. And I want you to mark my word, the days of plain church, the days of plain church is over. And God is calling us to consecration. And, and this level of consecration, it got nothing to do with legalism or with the moral codes of the natural, but it has everything to do with yieldedness and reckless abandonment at the altar like we've never seen before. The people of God need to begin to understand that the days that we live in, they are very, very uh, streamlined and, and the Lord will come at any time. So each believer needs to prepare themselves. We need to get ourselves ready for the coming of the Lord. We need to get ourselves ready. We need to live worthy of our calling. We need to ask God for grace. We need to uh, just tell the Lord, make me ready. We need to be consecrated. We need to, to chase after righteousness and we need to have a steady walk with God. I like to call it a covenant walk. We need to have a covenant walk of faith whereby we have begin, uh, 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 we, we start to put a hand on the plow because you see the walk with God is not abstract, it's concrete. And what God is calling us to do will require that we completely empty ourselves and lay our lives on the altar as a holy and living sacrifice. The Bible says that is your reasonable service. Amen. Amen. Brother, there's so much that God has been speaking to you. Uh, I, I know you just shared a lot, but, uh, you know, as we're as we're starting to wrap up here, you know, what else is God saying to you? I don't want to miss any opportunities because it seems like God's speaking books to you. So, yes. uh, yeah, let, let's uh, let's just hear what else God is saying. Yes. T 2024 is we have taken off the gloves. We are going headlong into um, right now. We have a tour planned. It's going to be in about 24 cities in 17 states across the U.S. You could go to our website, BibleDavis.org, and we're going to be coming, by the grace of God, to a city near you. There is a probability that will be in your state and or maybe in a city or state that's so close to you. That, that's how much the Lord has said to us to take the revival across the nations. Also, we're going to start to see, you know, just the outpouring of, of grace and deliverance like we've never seen before. We are writing some new book titles. God gave us some uh, just in the past season. We released about three new books in the past uh, 
uh, Dallas Mass delivers in November. But in 2024, there's some amazing titles that's going to speak to the heart of God's people that we are going to be releasing. And this mass deliverance also, just like the Dallas Mass Deliverance, will have thousands of people that are going to be attending in some of the epic centers across the U.S. And, and the date, like I said, is going to be released towards the end of December. And you will know because we're going to be fasting for the whole of January. So by the first, the second week of February, we hit the roads and then we keep going. Now, by God's grace, we're going to have in Dallas in 2024 a mega mass deliverance that's going to pull thousands of people. So we've been approached right now by one of the biggest venues here that sit 40,000 and they are in partnership with our ministry. Yes, sir, to, to host that uh, next year conference. So we have a whole year to plan that and to raise up the bloodstained banner of Jesus Christ, not only over Dallas or Texas alone, but across the United States and, of course, around the world. And thousands and tens of thousands of God's people are going to be in that ginormous arena as we uh, pray and preach the gospel and the demonstration of the kingdom power. Amen. Amen. Brother, thank you so much for sharing what God has been speaking to you. Yes, sir. In closing, the Bible says that darkness will cover the earth, but the darkness that covers the earth gives the opportunity for the light of God to shine through those who carry the anointing on their lives. So we have here a great opportunity in the midst of all that is happening in our world today to manifest the light of the gospel and of the glory of God like we've never seen before. So Amen. get ready for 2024 because big, 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 big things, mighty works and righteousness will be done. The word dunamis is in the Bible 24 times. And I'm looking for a year of signs, miracles, and wonders. Dunamis power. Troy Brewer, it's great to have you on Charisma News to be able to talk about what God is saying for the year 2024. Um, and I know that you are the numbers guy. Uh, you, you've you got numbers that preach. And uh, that is a, a book that is really uh, one of the things that you're kind of known by. And uh, so whenever I think about numbers and the Bible, Troy Brewer is somebody that I want to get to know what you're, what God's speaking to you through this. So we're heading into the year 2024 what is God saying to you, brother? Well, it's a lot, John. And thank you so much for having me here. I love the Charisma family and, and I'm so grateful. Thank you, sir, for the opportunity. Well, okay. So, you know, whenever you look at the calendar, you can look at, are you going to look at it from the Hebrew calendar perspective, or are you going to look at it through the Gregorian calendar perspective? And what I say is God gave us two eyes. And I think it's important to look through both lenses. And um, if I go back and if I could just go back in time a little bit, uh, tell you, John, I've been looking forward to this year for a long, long, long time to come because mm. over the past 30 years of me seeking the Lord concerning the years to come, God's always given me a word for years and years and years ahead. Like he told me way back in 1986, he told me, keep your eye on 2020. And like I have been doing a study on 2020 all the way up until 2020, uh, 2016, 2020, and 2024 
we're huge on my prophetic calendars as everything changes. And mm. 2016, everything did change. 2020, everything changed. And I really believe that everything's going to change again in the year 2024. Um, as a matter of fact, I think that you have to, well, to be very honest, I've never got a word past 2024. And it's been something mm. that me and my teens have been talking about for 30 years. You got anything for 2025 or 2026? Or I'm like, I don't. And I thought, well, maybe I want to go see the Lord. I don't know. You know, why wouldn't God give me a word for anything into 2024 or past 2024? And this last year, I really understood it. And it's this, you have to have a new ear for this new year. God is literally introducing new voices. We know that his word never, ever, ever changes, but his voice absolutely changes. And his voice is changing in a very, very dramatic way. I think that I think that God is literally, this is like a year of the, of, of the Malchus miracle, you know, where the Lord mm. literally puts a new ear. He had his, he had his ear chopped off um, in the garden and then God and King Jesus himself literally had to place an ear on him. And then of course we know that, 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 that John would say, and his name is Malchus, meaning he was known later on and he was, and he was known among the Greeks. And so, I think that God has given us a new year. And I think that if we're going to look into the year 2024, I think that we have to understand that 5784 on the Hebrew calendar is the year of the open door. And that that overlays with 2024 in a tremendous way. And I'd like to, I'd like to take you through it. So are you ready to go? Absolutely. Let's do it. And I like how, uh, what, 5784 is the year of the open door. And that's the name that God gave you for your church in, in, uh, in Texas. So it's the open door experience. Yeah, so I think that's a really cool thing for you guys. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy that it's the year of the open door because I am the pastor of Open Door Church. But if you go back, if you look at the 84th verse of the Old Testament, it's, it's, it's literally Abel at the altar. And the Lord told me that this is going to be a year of the altered state, that we have to learn how to live at the altar in the midst of the altered state. And then if you look at the 84th verse of the New Testament, it is Matthew 4.20, and it says that immediately they left their nets and they followed him. So we have always been people that are asking God for suddenlies. God is asking us for immediatelys. I need you to drop what you're doing and get with a new program. And so I preached that all throughout the year going into 5784. And then, of course, the 57, the 5784th verse, John, is a game changer. It's Deuteronomy 32, verse 25. And it actually describes the events that happened on October the 7th in Israel. And wow. it says, in, in the street, the sword will make them childless. In their homes, terror will reign. The young men and the young women shall perish, and the infants and those with gray hair. Now, that is a perfect description mm -hmm. of October 7th in the Hamas terrorist attack. And that is the 5,784th verse. Now, going into the year 2024, the overlay of that is this. The number 24 is a number that's related to priesthood, and it's a number that is related to uh, the encirclement of God's camp or the throne of Jesus himself being in the midst of people. So how is that? Wow. Well, the word lamb appears in the book of Revelation exactly 24 times, and it's always associated with the throne of Jesus. 
Revelation 5.13, and I heard every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and under the sea, all of them saying, to him who sits upon the throne and the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. So there's 24 lambs in the book of Revelation attached to the throne. And then there's 24 elders that also surround the throne. So what we find is the theme in the word of God prophetically with the number 24 many times is associated with a throne room scene. So the judgment of God is a big deal. The authority of the Lord is a big deal. Worship is extremely big. Um, John, the number 12 is a number that represents perfect government. So we have a 12 and a 12, which equals 24. And it has to do with the manifold government of God with King Jesus himself seated, uh, seated upon the throne. So I was looking this up this morning, uh, knowing I was going to talk to you. And I just thought, I need to look up the word judge. And I found that the word judge is found 24 times in the New Testament. So there you have wow. Jesus, wow. the righteous judge. And I, I have to tell you before we go any further with this, brother, God was not caught by surprise on October the 7th and how it, how it changed the world. It literally changed the world. Um, he's, I want to tell you, he saw every single bit of that and he still sees today. Mm-hmm. It is so important that you and I, as people of God, that we remain kingdom people, that we remain loyal, that we remain faithful and that uh, Jesus is, in fact, our king. So in 2024, John, um, we see that God is judging from his throne and those who have passed the test, so important that we pass the test. Uh, God is literally handing out to the faithful, to the loyal. He's handing out supernatural blessings, commands, permissions, and upgraded authority for the time to come. The Lord is literally upgrading people that have qualified. And I think that just since 2020, man, we've had to qualify for some things. We've had to decide to be loyal. We've had to be faithful to get through some things. And I see God Almighty bringing tremendous upgrade in the year 2024, and it's all connected with his throne. It's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, it's really it's really fascinating. I, I love how God speaks to you through these numbers. And I know that there's there's more to meets the eye than just the words that are on the paper in the Bible. I mean, each in the Hebrew language, and I believe in Greek too, like there, each letter I know in Hebrew, each letter also represents a number. And so there is important things that are connected with that. Yeah. You know, in the Greek language, uh, with their, with actually with their alphabet, there's 20, there's 24 letters in the Greek alphabet. Mm. And yes, every single letter also represents a number the same as in the Hebrew, um, language, every single letter also represents a number. And of course it also represents a prophetic sign and the prophetic sign for the four for the 5784 or for the year 2024, the prophetic sign for the four is an open door. And I think that that's what we're talking about because, because what we see is we see that we're moving in from 2023 into 2024. And just exactly like that, we're moving from Psalms 23 into Psalms 24. And Psalms 24 is all about open doors in heaven. It's all about lift up your heads, you heavenly gates, who is the king of glory, right? It's about going through the valley of the shadow of death and seeing God Almighty arise in a tremendous way. Yeah. I think that that's a big part of it as well. Um, I was looking at this morning as well, I was looking at, you know, in the heavens, there is a star in the heavens that God Almighty placed there within our firmament that's in Ursa Minor or the Little Dipper, and it's, it's the number 24. 
And it's actually numbered as 24. It's, it's 24 Ursa Minor. It's the closest star that there is to the North Star, the Polar Star. And the North mm. Star or the Polar Star represents the throne of Jesus. Everything circles it, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is yet to come. It's the 50th brightest star. And 50 means jubilee. That means that you're set free mm. if you can mm. find the throne. It's, it's the North Star. If you ever find it, you're never lost again, right? So all that is themes of the throne of King Jesus placed within God's creation. I think that... Um, this prophetically speaks of the judgment of Jesus for his redeemed people to be set free in the year 2024. Watch, watch a great move of God take place in 2024 where addictions fall off. Watch a great move of God in 2024 where there's a revival against pornography, where men are no longer bound by that kind of sexual sin. Watch there be a big sweep and a big move of God as far as setting people for, um, set free this next year. Wow. Wow. Yep. That that freedom is really important. I mean, because if we can get our people, you know, God's people walking in freedom, then we're going to be a good example for people that are that are yet to become into God's kingdom, yet to know Jesus. Because if we're walking in freedom, those that are in bondage see freedom and they want it. And so that's going to uh -huh. help help a lot of people come into that revival. You know, I can I can see that when we see the number 24 and looking into the year 2024 that when God likes to encircle things, he likes to stamp the number four on it. So we can see mm. like the throne has 24 elders around it. There's 24 hours in a day. The world has 24,000 miles around it. And it has to do with being encircled. I shall be a wall of fire around you. And I will also be the glory in the midst of you. I think that the Lord really wants to burn bright in the midst of us this year. And uh, our role is to make sure that Jesus is sitting on the throne of our own hearts more than ever, ever, ever before. It also speaks of global impact, right? It speaks of global sanctions, global mandates, warfare on a global basis. All those things, you know, everything that we're looking at now is worldwide, everything. And mm -hmm. I think more than anything... Uh, Brother John, I think, I think more than anything, I think that this next year, the big, huge theme, uh, one of the prophetic, and, you know, I have a small layer, somebody else has a small layer, you know, we all prophesy in part, but the midnight hour is a tremendous theme for me. It's the 24, mm -hmm. it's the midnight hour. And I think that we have to learn how to live like we are actually living in the end times, looking unto Jesus, walking in the fear of the Lord. Um, us being so sold out toward the imminent and the glorious return of the Lord Jesus Christ and understand that our redemption is actually drawn nigh. So I was looking up words that have to do with, you know, 24, right? Has to do with final hour. Did you know that the word watchful is in the Bible? Be ye watchful 24 times. I was like, wow. oh, yeah. What about this? The word redemption is in the Bible 24 times. Like, are you kidding me? Like, nope. The word, I'm sorry, the word repentance. So the, the command, repent and be watchful. The word repentance is in the Bible 24 times. And the word, and the word be watchful is in the Bible 24 times. This is a year that God's going to speak so strongly about his imminent and his glorious return. And he's looking for people who are looking for him. Hmm. Um, we have to learn how to live like that. Amen. <laughs> Amen. We got to be we got to be consistently looking for Jesus because there's nothing else. There really isn't. 
but man, there's, I got to know, Pastor Troy, how much time do you devote into looking for all these numbers in the Bible or or God does, or God, or does God just have them pop out to you? Like, tell us how you can, how you do your research with this, because this is fascinating. Uh, Number one, I've got a great team. And so I've got a couple of people here with me, even in this room right now that I just tell them all the time, Hey, look up and see how many times this word is in the Bible, how many times that word's in the Bible. And we do that. But it's also a lifestyle that we live and I Mm -hmm. can't read anything or read any kind of scripture that I don't see the numbers in it. It's, it's actually a lifestyle. So I can't help but read the word and see the numbers that are actually in it. I just, I just can't help it. It's just the way that God has programmed me. It's like the very first time I, I ever saw 1 Corinthians 13, right, uh, which is the love chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd never read it before. I was a young man. I was brand new saved. I was 19, and I just counted it. And there's 16 of those. There's 16 attributes to the love of God. And then I began to realize every time that God is talking about love, he likes to stamp the number 16 on it all the way through the word of God. And then I found the 16 Jehovah titles, right? How many are those? 16. It's like the love of God is revealed in 16 different, um, through 16 different faces. And so wow. I don't know, brother, it's just a great big part of who we are and uh, what we do. It's, it's a lot of fun. And the Bible is prolific with it. Amen. Amen. So what else is God saying? And thanks, thanks for, for peeling back the layers a little bit and letting us see how God speaks to Troy. <laughs> well, thanks. Thank you so much. I, I also, I, I recognize that the word dunamis is in the Bible 24 times. And mm. I'm looking for a year of signs, miracles, and wonders, dunamis power, um, simple solutions to complicated issues, uh, unusual miracles um, in this year. You know, it's, it's interesting to know that in the 36, there's 36 miracles that the Bible records of Jesus. And we know that Jesus did many more than that. Um, right. Bible the book of the end of the, at the end of the book of John, that if it was all written down, that the world could not contain the books. But the Bible is very specific to just give us 36 miracles that Jesus did. 24 of those were healings. 24 of the 36 miracles are actually healings. So that is a huge indication to me, both biblically, prophetically, and just as far as the kingdom is concerned, that the timing of miracles is right now. And I'm looking for, I'm looking for this to be a tremendous year of healings and of miracles. Um, I was mentioning earlier that the number, well, let me, let me just stay on that theme. You know, the 24th time that Jesus is mentioned is when he heals the mother, when he, when he heals the mother-in-law of Peter. That's the 24th time. I was looking at all the 24 times that somebody has mentioned today, and so many of them are associated with some form of healing all the way out through um, throughout wow. the Word of God. So I tell all of your readers and your watchers and your listeners that this is a time where the Spirit of the Lord is moving from His throne in righteous execution of judgment, where He's bringing redemption and he is bringing healings. He's bringing miracles. He's encircling those who love them, right? He's doing things on a global scale. Um, the word water and the word spirit appear 24 times in the Gospel of John. So again, all of these are just indications of the kind of theme of the season that we're actually moving into. And I think it's all worth pressing into. Wow, <laughs> wow there's so much there. Wow, so as you're... As you're- kind of incorporating all of these things and you're looking at this, this piece and this piece and this piece, how is God helping you kind of tie this in together for kind of a cohesive message? 
Well, I think that we have to be really good at giving people hope today. We have to be really good at the demonstration of the Spirit. We have to be really good at giving the gospel as opposed to the news feed, right? Mm. And I think that the prophetic helps us do that so well. Um, once you see this, you can't unsee it. And it's also so personal. It is so personal. I, I think that, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in Israel. I'm actually going to Gaza in Israel and we're doing a bunch of outreaches to the idea of soldiers while we're there. And the message that I'm carrying there is the acceptable year of the Lord. I know that it's a tremendous election year. There's some tremendous signs in the heavens. We have the next great American eclipse is going to happen on, on right. April the 8th, which is another, you know, Jesus said there will be sign and there will be signs in the sun and in the moon and also within the stars. And we know that it's seven years. It begins another seven year cycle because the last great American eclipse happened seven years ago in August of 2017. And so it's speaking of seven year cycles now, and that is a really big deal. That's such a big deal. I would say this, if, if, if you're not sure that that's a sign from heaven, uh, know that it happens on April the 8th and look up and look up Exodus 4.8. Look up Exodus April 8th and, and, and it's God Almighty telling Moses, if they will not believe you for the first sign, they will believe you for the second sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty daggum significant. And wow. um, there's huge, there's tremendous signs in the heavens. Uh, the threat of global war is bigger this year than it's ever been within our life. Uh, the threat of nuclear things, like these, these things are too scary. They are scary things. These are the end times. These are the last mm-hmm. days. And we're not a cruise ship anymore. We now have to be a battleship. We have to know where to find hope, how to find hope, and how to tap into the power of God. God Almighty does not want anybody to live a powerless life this year, no matter what the future holds. Amen. Amen. You mentioned eclipses, and I know um, it was historically, I think God speaks to his the Jewish people through the moon and you know, mm, through, the, through right. the signs in the moon and the Gentiles through the sun. And so when you have an eclipse coming, it's literally the the moon coming in front of the sun. And so it's the, kind of the the um, the culmination of these things. And so um, we've got blood moons, we've got eclipses. And I remember several years ago, uh, there was a whole thing about the, the blood moons. And uh, it was, I talked to somebody who was really studying that at that point and had written a couple of books. And I asked him, you know, what is this, what does this mean? And it's, he said, basically, God really wants our attention. We need to look up, we need to, you know, pay attention to the Lord. Um, and so, and what he's saying. And so you, you mentioned about this eclipse, and I know you've done uh, a good bit of research, and you're, you're looking at where the eclipse is going to be, and it's crossing at a unique point. Um, actually, those things, could you just talk about that for, for a little bit? Oh, you're quite the troublemaker, John, you're trying to get me in trouble. <laughs> Everybody already thinks I'm crazy. And now, no, I'm so happy to because because this is the word of the Lord. You know, Jesus Christ made all of these things. And God Almighty rules from his throne over the heavens and over the earth. And Jesus himself actually said there will be signs in the sun and in the moon and within the stars. And so, no, it is a tremendous sign. And you and brother, you hit the nail on the head whenever you said it, that when God when God prophetically speaks to the sun, he's speaking to the Gentile nations, but he's actually just speaking to the nations, right? The Gentiles, mm-hmm. that's why our Gregorian calendar is based off of the prophetic marker of the sun. 
when God's speaking through the moon, he is speaking to his covenant people, He's which means it's either going to be Israel or it's strictly going to be the church. And then when God speaks through the stars, he's speaking to his children of inheritance. So he told Abraham, come here, I want to show you the plan. This is what your seed looks like. And he shows him the stars. So when we see this eclipse take place, we need to, we, in order for us to understand the eclipse and what God is speaking through, the eclipse has taken place this year, we need to go back seven years and know that that, that when, whenever seven years ago in, uh, let's see, August of uh, 2017, when that eclipse happened, it, you're like, well, those eclipses happen all the time. It was the first great American eclipse that had happened since 1776. Yeah. So there had never since since the founding birth of our nation, right at the time of our of the birth of our nation, God declared a word through the sun about our nation being among the nations now. That happened in 1776. Mm-hmm. We've had many uh eclipses, but not one that only touched the United States. And it entered in at Salem, Oregon, and it went across seven cities named Salem. And it exited out of Fort Sumter where the Civil War actually began. And, and actually, and at the time that on the day that it went across, there was actually a race riot that was taking place in Charlotte. It was actually taking place there. Now, this next, wow. this next great eclipse that is going to take place is going to happen um, on, let's see, April the 8th, which is at Passover time, which is mm-hmm. amazing to me. This is going to happen at Passover. It's going to happen on April the 8th. And it is going to enter in through Eagles Pass, Texas. And it's going to come across right across, going to, uh, it's going to come right across my ranch. And it's going to enter out through the Northeast. And where it crosses the first line, and so it literally creates an X across the United States. And you're like, well, that means we're being X'd out. Well, in Hebrew, the X means a prophetic sign. It means the signature of God. That's what wow. it actually means. And so where it actually crosses over at is a place called Little Egypt. And so we know Memphis is there. That is an Egyptian name. All those cities that are there in that one area is called Little Egypt. And that's where those two, that's where the two lines actually intercept. We have actually taken a NASA photo and shown down to the square foot of where they intersect Mm -hmm. at. And they intercept on a street that is called Salem. Now, remember the first one across <laughs> the first one came across seven different cities called Salem and the and the the dark of it is only 70 miles across and it literally came over the top of seven different cities in seven different states named Salem the next one crosses over and where they intersect is literally on a street called Salem so like well what is that wow. well it's it is literally Jesus it's the prince of peace so we know like Jerusalem, right? The city mm-hmm. of peace, right? Absalom, you know, son of peace. We know that, Je- we know that Jesus is the prince of peace. And it's, it's, it's screaming to us, look unto Jesus. Look unto Jesus. Our nation was founded upon principles of looking unto Jesus, and we cannot let that go. We have to hold on to that. There's a peace that is found on the other side of war. There is a peace that a shalom of the Lord that is only found from his presence. And God Almighty is definitely calling his people back into his mighty presence. Wow. He really is. And um, 
isn't there a place like a, a garden, uh, like with a with some sculptures and like a an empty cross that's going to be like right at that at that place? I, I talked to somebody that uh, is an artist that has put that together. Uh, are you are you familiar with yeah. that? Are you talking about the Coming King Sculpture Garden in uh, in the South Texas? I believe so. Yeah, I believe yeah, so. Man. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Yeah. That brother's name is Max. And yeah, by, we go to that garden all the time. We go there, we pray there, we cry out to God all the time. It's such a prophetic place. He's got a, he has a giant open cross there that is 77 feet and mm. seven inches high. And he's got all these prophetic symbols all over the place. And uh, it's, yeah, the shadow is going to come directly over the top of that. Sure is. Kerrville, Texas. Wow. So there's, there's a lot of things that, even the names of the locations where these, where this eclipse is going to affect uh, or, or cross over those things yep. that you were just talking about are, are very significant. So what do we do about this? You know, we're heading into 2024. We're recording this. It's uh, December 18th as we're actually doing this right now. Um, you know, on the Hebrew calendar, it's 5784. We're going into uh, 2024 there's a lot of things to go that are going to happen in this coming year. Brother, what do we do? And also, would you just pray for those that are, that are listening and watching? I will. And here's what I would say. I would say the Lord is calling his people to be stable in the midst of great instability because Jesus is our rock. We do. And we are living in a time of an altered state where things are changing dramatically even faster than we can keep up with it. Um, do not, do not lose heart. Your help comes from the Lord. If you're like, well, I can't, I can't, I just can't imagine everything changing dramatic, any more dramatic than it, than it did in 2020. Let me ask you this. Did you prosper in 2020? Did the Lord protect you in 2020? Did was God almighty with you? Yes. The world was different. It was completely different but you found the Lord and you found his stability in a new way, like what you haven't before. Um, I know that a lot of people have great hope in whatever their choices um, concerning our elections and hope for our America and and hope for our borders and hope for our economy and all this. And here's what I would say about that. I would say this. um, I don't trust the world systems as far as I can trust any of them anymore. And I don't mean to lose heart or any of those things. No, my help comes from the Lord. Because every system that can be shaken is, in fact, being shaken. And I would also see this, too. Whoever the president is this next time, you know, I was actually in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost whenever President Trump actually moved the embassy from uh, Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. I was there during that time. And a lot of people missed that it happened on Pentecost. Well, I didn't. I was like, oh, no, this is a big deal. I would say this. It is, it is so important that the leaders of the body of Jesus who has counsel with whoever our next president is, that, they, that the Oval Office looks more like heaven than it looks like hell, and that the, and that the church doesn't come back looking like Washington, D.C., but that Washington, D.C. begins to look like the church. And I'm not sure that we have passed that test in years past. I think that it is very important in this year to come, that we understand that our political aspiration, again, I'm a very political guy. I, if you cut me, I will bleed red, white, and blue. I'm a Texan, which makes me an American on steroids. I do a work on the border, <laughs> I promise you. I, I can put a flag in the ground. But I can also mm-hmm. tell you this. I'm not just a resident of the United States. I'm a resident of heaven that is passing through the United States. And we need to be more determined this year 
to live as if Jesus is coming back at any given moment than ever, ever, ever before. I'm determined to have peace. I'm determined to prosper. I'm determined to have simple solutions to complicated issues, uh, the wisdom of the Lord. And I am determined to bring heaven everywhere I go this year. So you want me to pray for everybody? Yes, please. All right. Well, Father God, sir, I want to lift up all my friends, God, that are watching all over the planet. And I declare, God, that this is a year, sir, that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Father, we pray, God, for global revival, 24,000 miles around the globe. We pray, God, for your kingdom to come and your will to be done. 24 elders around the throne. We declare, God, that our daytime and our nighttime belongs to you, 24 hours in a day. Father, I declare and decree in the name of King Jesus that our prayer is more effective and that, God, that we truly work, God, that we truly walk in the priesthood of the Most High God like never, ever, ever before. Father God, I lift up our children. I thank you, God, for a revival in the children realm this year. God, we come against nuclear threat. And Father, you've shown me both New York City and also San Antonio, Texas. God, you told me, God, pray for New York City, pray for San Antonio, Texas. And God, that's what we do right here, right now. God, we just pray a Psalms 91 hedge of protection around those places. And God, that you would thwart the plans of our enemies, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord God, sir, that in the midst of the economy, Lord, that you would show us how to walk in the power to gain wealth. And Lord God, I love you, sir. And I praise you. And I declare, God, that we are loyal to you. You are our God. We are your people. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Pastor Troy Brewer, thank you so much for sharing what God has been speaking to you through numbers and through signs in the skies about what we can be looking forward to in this next year, in this next season. Thank you, brother, for joining us here. Thank you, my friend. God bless you, sir. We're going to get some wins in 2024. Tony Suarez, it's great to have you here on Charisma News, and we are gathering prophetic words that God is speaking about the year 2024. And so today we ask you, what is God saying about 2024 and what do we need to do about it as the body of Christ? So welcome to Charisma News, Tony. Well, John, thank you for having me. I, you know, I'm thankful for you, thankful for Steve and Charisma and the opportunity to share what the Spirit is saying to me. And it was interesting when you texted me, I had just, I had just heard from the Lord, not maybe 48 hours before uh, you got in touch with me. And I, it was, it was interesting because I wasn't seeking a word for 2024 just yet. I, that wasn't, uh, we're, we, this has been our busiest year ever been traveling. God's blessed. I mean, we're, we're in the middle of a blessing as mm. we speak right now. And so I was focused on the right now. And uh, what happened was I woke up that morning and decided I was going to go live, but I didn't know what to share. I just felt like I needed to go live, but I didn't know what I was going to share. And then in the car from my house to the office, this is what I heard the Lord say. He said, from revival to revolution. That's all Mm -hmm. he said. And that just got in me. And then it just kind of got like a hook in my heart, my spirit, my mind. It it wouldn't let go. And I started, as I started, um, as I would say, getting into the word and just exploring that word uh, for what that would mean. And I mean, this is all within 20 minutes. I mean, it's not that far from my house to the office. 
I just really started understanding that this is the purpose of the Lord for the body of Christ in this season, mm -hmm. uh, going into 2024 and 2024. So this is how I contextualize it. Our ministry has been declaring, prophesying, and decreeing since 2020 that revival is not coming. Revival is here. Uh, all our, so the, again, the context for that context is that all our lives we've heard revival is coming. There would be a great move of God, and someone would say, "You haven't seen anything yet," or someone else would get up and say, "One day, oh, just wait for that one day," and we've been waiting for that one day since the day of Pentecost, or at least in mm -hmm. modern terms, since uh, since Topeka and Azusa, we've been hearing about this one day. Well, I don't believe one day is coming. I believe that today is that one day that we were longing for. Revival is here. We have to step into the current move of God. I'm no longer longing, seeking, expecting another move. This is that move. This is the day that was spoken of by the prophet Joel. It's backed up in the revivals that we're seeing um, all over the nation and the world. The mass baptisms in California, the college campus uh, revivals that have broken out, broken out um, churches or, or moves of God that are sparking throughout the land where um, a year ago there was nothing. And now this year there's thousands or hundreds gathering mm -hmm or supernatural finances that are coming into ministries and they're acquiring land or buildings and real estate. And you just see the hand of the Lord. These are the days that are, that our poor Pentecostal founders were dreaming of when they were called the people of the other side of the tracks. Yes. We're no longer that these are those days, but the Lord impressed on me that we must go from revival to revolution. So the church has been revived. I prophesied in 2020 that the American church was going to see that the fire never died. We just had to fan the flame a little bit. Second mm. Timothy chapter one. So the, the flame was fanned through a pandemic, uh, through whatever you believe about the election, the upheaval in our nation, um, woke agendas. We've seen that flame of, of, of revival fanned and it's it's strong the church is as strong as i've known it to be in many years um the seeker sensitive movement is no longer it's no longer something we're having to look at and say it's taken over the church revival has taken over the seeker sensitive movement mm. a lot of those that had left have now come back to their roots they're coming back to pentecost you're hearing about outpourings of the holy ghost and uh major revivals taking place everywhere so I said, well, Lord, what does that mean? I mean, we're, our ministry is called Revival Makers. We preach revival everywhere we go. We say revival's not coming. Revival is here. And he said, revival has to turn into revolution. And mm -hmm. so he likened it to me, the Declaration of Independence to winning the war. And this is the second word I heard. He said, the church will no longer be known for their fight, but they will be known for their victory. We have declared revival. We have prayed for revival. We have sought revival. And I believe that there are many that have done the right things to have revival. But now revival must bring about a true revolution. That means it must leave the four walls of the church. It can no longer be just Christians having revival. We can't just be rebaptizing people that have already been baptized, praying through those that have already been prayed through preaching to those that have already received the gospel, having another altar call with those that have already had an opportunity to an altar call. 
But it's now time to have a revolution in the world. And that means take the land, take take these strongholds and claim them for the gospel of Jesus Christ. No longer tell the stories of how the revivals of old um, dried up the bars or, or closed this business or that illicit business or how the police used to report from Mar- Mariah Woodworth, Woodworth Edder that mm-hmm. there was no crime. Those can no longer be our stories. Those must be our current realities. Mm-hmm. That is a revolutionizing move of God. So that doesn't mean we're stepping away from revival because you have if if you don't keep fanning the flame, uh, the flame will start to die down. Right, right. You ha- it, it, this is this is a twofold thing. You got to keep fanning the flame, mm-hmm. but now it's time to cook. Uh, how about how about that analogy? Okay, <laughs> uh, that good ch- good cheap preacher analogy right now. We can't just have a flame. Now it's time to cook on it. It's mm-hmm. time to produce something from that fire. And for me. That is saying souls saved, souls filled with the Holy Ghost, souls water baptized, seeing people come into the truth of the word of God. I'm believing, you know, in Hebrews chapter 11, in that great, in that great chapter of faith, it talks about how nations were subdued because mm-hmm. of the heroes of faith. It's time for us to subdue a nation. It's time for us real time. To see God, and I'm not I, right now. I'm not prophesying. I'm just speaking in faith. How about right now? We see a nation known for its Islamic faith, so mm. overtaken by revival that a revolution takes place, and now the the, the national religion is no longer Islam, but it's Christianity. Mm. What about a revolution in the United States? A Jesus revolution. I think there was a movie about that. Yeah. What about a, re- a Jesus revolution so great that it's that it's not just Christians getting a touch, but it is we can see the evidence of California changing, Washington mm-hmm. D.C. changing. What if what if revival broke out on the Capitol? I mean, I saw a picture not too long ago of congressmen and women knelt kneeling down in prayer. But what if the fire of God swept into that room? And what if what if there was a manifestation of the glory of God? Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, what if? But it, it, it happens when we go from revival to revolution. So I'm at this place now where I want to see the change. I don't want to just keep complaining about how bad the schools are. I want a revolution yeah. in the schools. I don't want to just keep complaining about how um, how. Uh, uh, corrupt our government is. I want to see revolution take place. I don't want to keep hearing the polls about how bad it is with Gen Z or Gen Alpha or this. I want a revolution because Mm. if we have fire, if we have the oil, if we have the glory, if we have the manifest presence of God, but the sick aren't being healed and people aren't being saved and we don't see the change in the culture, then what, what did revival produce? It must go be, and, and I say that so cautiously because I love the move of God. I love the move of God. But the move of God has to do more than just make me feel good. It's got to be more than just coming out and saying, whoa, whof, man, I got, uh, what, what are some of the terms they use? I, man, I got, goosebumps. I got, yeah. yeah, I got goosebumps. I got, I got slammed in the glory yeah. or I got, you know, whatever the, man, I got hit so hard. All I love that. I want to mm-hmm. get hit by the glory. I love being, but it's got to do more than just 
I, I got to turn it into a revolution. Amen. Because I believe that we're going to answer for this time in history before the throne. Amen. What did you do with my glory? What did you do with my fire? What did you do with the anointing I gave you? And if we say we kept it, we just kept it. I, there's a there's a parable about that. But yeah. if we say, Father, we spread it. We started preaching and teaching. We didn't use social media to attack one another. We used it as a vehicle to preach the gospel, to prophesy. And because of that, millions came into the, then we will have used it and for his glory and turned the revival into a revolution. Amen. You know, Pastor Tony, as you were talking about this revolution thing, you brought up about the Revolutionary War. And uh, I find it very interesting that the Declaration of Independence was signed on July 4th, 1776. Mm-hmm. And we celebrate the, you know, the founding of our nation as that day of the declaration. Right. But you look at when actually we've earned the deck, we earned that independence. It yeah. wasn't until September 3rd, 1783. Yeah. So more than six years, they had to fight for it. They had to continue to battle for what they had declared. Yeah, And I think so many times, I, I, I didn't know that numbers off the top of my head. I had to look it up as you were talking because I just felt the Lord say, go look that up. Because you sometimes you can declare a thing and yeah. then you need to battle for it until you actually get it. And sometimes I think we get caught up in the, well, we declared it and it's just not happening. Yeah, You, you can't just declare something and you have to battle for it sometimes because there the Bible says that um, the kingdom advances and the violent take it by force. Amen. And so we, if we're going to have this revolution that God's speaking to you about, then we need to do something about it. Pastor Tony, what is something, what are two or three things that we can do to put this in action right now in 2024? Well, yeah. And let, let, if I can add to that. Go for it. They say the, the and, and again, I'm, this is, this is a quick Google search, right? Yeah. Revolutionary war technically began 1775, right. even before the declaration. So we begin fighting, we make a declaration, but we don't ultimately have the victory that you're talking about yep. till 1783. So I would liken that to this time. There was a fight, there was a remnant that was holding on to the spirit of revival through this mm. through the last 30 years of the seeker sensitive movement. I mean, there was somebody holding on and fighting, but then a declaration came out. Phil Muncy told me in 2021, he called me and he said, um, Right now, you are working to you're you're you're, you're working to persuade people. Mm-hmm. He said, and he, he prophesied to me. He said, "Your your your message. You're trying to persuade. God's using you to persuade." He said, "But you're going to live long enough to see the church convinced that revival is here." Wow. Now, when he said, "You're going to live long enough to see it," I, my mind, okay, is it going to take fifty years, sixty years? It took two years, mm-hmm. two years, and now revival is in vogue. Everybody's talk. Everybody wants revival. Everybody's hungering for it. The church is convinced about revival. So now to get that ultimate victory, because remember the Lord said, the second word the Lord gave me this year is that for 2024 is we won't be known by our fight. We'll be known by our victories. Mm-hmm. We, we're known in the world for what we fight against or for. Okay, uh, whether it's marriage or life or this issue or that, we're known for the fight. We're going to be known by our victories. So in 2024, keep an eye open for victories, significant victories that we're going to say these belong to the body of Christ. It's not going to be a fight. It's going to be a win. We're going to get some wins in 2024. We're also going to see restitution 
come our way because of the wind. So we're not just going to restore what was lost. We're going to be given the spoils of war. And for those of you that have stood for revival, stood for the truth, you're going to see the spoils of war given to your into, to your personal uh, life, to your ministry. You're going to see that. So what do we do to turn this into a revolution? You cannot stay silent. We must practice preach holiness, and we have to take it to the world. We need to pray for divine strategies on how to win. All right. Remember the Lord promised to win. How do you win? Mm. How do you win souls? How do you win over your neighborhood? How do we win over elected officials? We can't always fight. There is a season to fight against Jezebel. And then there is a season to show the the, the, the promise and the power of God to Nebuchadnezzar. There's a, there's a time when you need to be a Nehemiah and have enough favor with the king that you can rebuild the wall. And then you got to be Elijah and rebuke the king and the queen when you need to. This is a season I feel, okay, we've stood against tyranny. We've stood against Jezebels. We've stood against these spirits, but we need some favor. We need some favor. And so we need to be praying for those divine strategies on how to expand the kingdom and see revolution lead to this victory that I believe is ours in 2024. Amen. Amen. Brother, that's a powerful word with action to back it up to. So thank you so much for taking the time to share with us at Charisma News what God is speaking to you about 2024 and what we can do about it. Thank, thank you. Thank you, John. The enemy cannot occupy space in the presence of holy fire. Pastor Samuel Rodriguez, it's great to have you here on Charisma News to talk about what God is doing or what God is speaking about is what's going to happen in 2024. It's really uh, something that we always look forward to. What is God saying, and uh, to His people, to His prophets, to His prophetic voices? Because we know that God doesn't do anything without speaking first to His prophets. So, uh, welcome to Charisma News, and I'm looking forward to hearing what God's speaking to you. John, always great to be with you. I've been praying, deliberating on this for a while. Right about the first week of September, I came back from a conference in Colorado. Uh, Pastor Tim Bagwell, great friend confirmed a word already resonating in my spirit on my iPhone. I already wrote some notes, some nuggets, some prophetic threads uh, driven by the impetus of the spirit, all biblically substantiated, of course. But God was talking to me about this rubric. Here it is. Fresh oil, holy fire, new wine. Mm. 2024 will be a year for families and ministries and communities for the church of fresh oil, holy fire, and new wine. That fresh oil is a fresh anointing. First John 2, 27, you have received the anointing of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. So John, I'm not saying God's gonna give you new Holy Spirit. What I am saying is that the Holy Spirit's about to do something new in us, with us, for us, through us, for the glory of Jesus. To fulfill the Great Commission, to advance the kingdom of heaven, to reach many who are lost, and to speak prophetically into dead bones that are around us. So there's a fresh anointing coming. Let's not forget for anyone who's saying, why do we need a, a fresh anointing? David was anointed three times, three mm. different times. So we receive an anointing to serve like David did and bring down the giants. That was his first anointing. The second anointing was when he became king of Judah. Judah means praise. So be the conduit of our praise and worship, mm. not just vociferously through our vocal cords, but through our life, our testimony, a life of integrity. 
We receive that anointing and then to rule, to be the head and not the tail. There's a new oil. There's new anointing coming upon the church. There really is. Upon Christians and believers and families and entrepreneurs and creatives, upon societal architects and cultural reformers. But then not just the oil. There's holy fire. And John, here's what I get in trouble. Here's where I get in trouble with some of our, our, our spirit-empowered, charismatic Pentecostal brothers and sisters. For those that have the limited worldview, the limited theological understanding that fire is only for dancing and screaming and shouting, let mm. me strongly disappoint you right now. <laughs> I don't negate the fact that the fire of God will make you respond, without a doubt. But the fire of God is primarily about sanctification and purification. Mm. To the Christian, the fire of God is not punitive. It doesn't punish us. It preserves us. It prunes us. It prepares us. It's Matthew 3.11. You will be baptized. What did John the Baptist prophesy? I baptize you in water for repentance. He who comes after me, whose sandals I'm not worthy of even tying, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. Acts 2.3. The upper room. Tongues as what? Fire. Like fire. Right. It's fire. My friends, there's fire. The fire of God is real. It is a sanctifying fire. It is a purifying fire. It is a purging fire. And when your house is full of fire, remember Acts 27, 28, when Paul shipwrecked and landed on Malta? Remember that there was a fire pit and he picked up some brushwood. There was a snake hiding in the brushwood. When the snake hit the fire, what did the snake do? It jumped off. It grabbed Paul's mm -hmm. hands. It didn't mm -hmm. want to be in the fire. And Paul right. shook it off back into the fire. When your family is full of holy fire, when your ministry and your church are filled with holy fire, you become a snake-free zone. I'll repeat that. Mm. When you're full of God's fire, your mind, your body, your family, your health, your circumstances become a snake-free zone. The enemy cannot occupy space in the presence of holy fire. So I'm speaking prophetically now. It's fresh oil, holy fire. One more thing about the fire, John. In the book of Daniel, chapter 3, we all know the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego end up in the fiery furnace, right? Faith. They all had faith. They believed. They stated what they believed. We believe our God mm -hmm. is able. They went in with faith. When faith goes through the fire, the outcome is favor. Amen. I'll repeat that. That's good. You have faith. Faith gets tested in the fire. When faith comes out, it's no longer just faith. It is favor. Mm. So I believe in 2024... We're going to have, we're going to experience, receive fresh oil. We're going to experience holy fire. That holy fire will convert your faith into favor. Faith into favor. And then the last element for 2024 is new wine. Fresh oil, holy fire, new wine. I do believe God is sanctifying his church. I'm digressing to fire for you for whatever reason. He's purifying his church. Uh, he's exposing some things that have been hidden. For his namesake and for his glory, uh, there's going to be th this, this great, uh, let's just say, differential. Uh, we're going to differentiate. We're going to distinguish between the holy remnant and the complacent church. Mm. You know how what's happening with, in Israel with Hamas and the war? I'm asked frequently, are we in the last days? Well, of course we are. For two reasons. One, Israel's a nation. The Bible talks about when God's children will come back to the land. It is the beginning right. of the end of days. And then 2 Timothy chapter 3, it's the great falling away, the great apostasy. We're seeing that in the church. We're about to see a holy fire in the church really separate, separate, separate the wheat from the shaft, the real from that which is not real, orthodoxy 
from relativism. And the last thing is new wine. New wine, ready for this, John, is joy. I know it seems simplistic and, you know, naivete, Pollyanna-ish, but no, there is fresh oil, there is holy fire, but there's joy coming in 2024. What are you talking about, Pastor Sam? There's a war in Israel. China is threatening Taiwan, right? (laughs) Russia and Ukraine, our political instability in America, to be honest, are you kidding me? Imagine Trump versus Biden again. Imagine if Trump gets reelected. What would be the outcome socially, protest, whatever it may be? Imagine if Biden gets reelected. What would be all of that put together? There's joy coming. For Christians, mm. there's new wine coming. There is new wine coming. Joy. I love Amos 9:13. I don't know if you've ever read the message version. I'm not necessarily mm. a fan of the message. I use it to help my understanding, but I'm more of a King James, modern English version, the revised version, the one that I helped Steve Strang on and so forth, that 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 I'm a fan of. But I used the message to try to get the paraphrase, the parenthetical sort of macro interpretation in today's yeah, lexicon, yeah. right? There's a great, name is 913, it says this, wherever you look, north, south, east, and west, you will see wine being poured down a mountain. It's, mm. it's blessings coming your way. The sower and the reaper, another version would read, taking over one another. We are about to experience new wine, new joy, new enthusiasm, new excitement, a fresh infusion of the Holy Spirit with joy, the joy that is unspeakable, the joy that is our strength. And with that joy, we're going to occupy God's promises, conquer new territories. We're going to be light in the midst of darkness. We, we are going to bring down walls and giants that our children will walk upon the ruins of what we bring down in our generation with the certainty that our children will not inherit our sins. Our children will inherit our blessings. That's the word for 2024. Fresh oil, holy fire, new wine in Jesus name. Um, as we're looking back at 2023. Do you remember what it was that God was speaking to you about 2023? And as you're looking back at this year, like, oh, yeah, God spoke to me about this and God spoke to me about that. I'm just curious just to see, like, what are some of the things that you have seen come to pass within this last year? No, no, I have seen come to pass certain elements and the chaos and the anarchy, the the angst and the consternation around the world. It This idea of seeing the emergence of Gideons. God spoke to me about the Midianite marauders taking harvest away, taking harvest away, and mm. and what it would require for a clarion call for the Gideons to come out of the threshing floor, the book of Judges chapter six and seven, to come out of the threshing floor. And they were threshing wheat. He was threshing wheat in the wine press. And all of a sudden, you're a mighty warrior. So I am seeing the emergence in 2023 uh, of, of Gideons and I've seen it in the midst of the Midianite marauders, in the midst of, mm. of the Asherah poles constructed, in the midst of all of it. We're, we're, I'm, I'm seeing pastors. And, and John, I'm going to tell you what I'm excited about this year, what I saw. A generation, a generation that we believed was lost. Mm. God spoke to me about a generational shift, an encounter, a generational shift. Let me explain. How did this year begin, John? Damar Hamlin dies, a football player. He comes yep. back to life. People prayed, Right. A young man, watch this, look at the continuum, a young man. Immediately thereafter on ESPN, a young reporter on ESPN who's a host of NFL Today interrupts the program live on television, begins to pray. And in his Mm. prayer, he declares, we serve the God that has the power to heal. Immediately after that, John, 
Asbury, Kentucky. Holy Spirit mm-hmm. invades a university. The same group, the same generation deemed the most non-Christian generation. What is God telling us? God is telling us, listen, I don't drink the Kool-Aid. I didn't even read the memo. I'm not, I'm not writing off an entire generation. What if Generation Z becomes the most prophetic generation in human history thus far? Wow. And God spoke to me about Generation Z. And, and even Alpha, and I've been preaching about it throughout 2023, and I've seen the fulfillment of that. I'm seeing young influencers, 22-year-olds, 24-year-olds, doing away with the relativism, with the decadence, with, with, with the sin, and what the enemy is advancing in, in that agenda, and just speaking truth to power with love. So I'm seeing that in the midst of all that we're going through. Yeah. <laughs> There's some good stuff happening, and uh, it's it's really cool how how we're starting to see some of these things. And I love how, how you said that God doesn't give up on a generation. No. Oh, that's really cool. That's really cool. Well, brother, thank you so much for taking some time to share what God is is speaking to you, what has what he has spoken about 2023 and what he is speaking about 2024. God bless you, brother. Thank you. Hey, thank you for having me. Many blessings. I hear the Lord saying these are things that are necessary and they are normal because the devil is always going to push back against what the kingdom of heaven is doing. Black, it's great to have you here on Charisma News as we are sharing with people what God is saying to the prophetic voices that we know, love, and trust about this next season of 2024. So welcome to Charisma News, and I'm looking forward to having you share what God is speaking. Hey, John, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, man. It's always a pleasure to to talk with you and to be able to connect. And brother, you have so many prophetic words that God is speaking to you that are encouraging and challenging. And it's always something that's really deep. And I, I love how, how when God speaks something to you, like I know when God speaks to me, he normally speaks in layers. And so it might be one simple word, but it has seven layers of meaning. And yeah. I, I appreciate that you always take the time to kind of teach and share like what this, what God said, this is what God said. And this is how Troy is understanding this and sharing that. So I really appreciate how you're helping people grow in their prophetic gift by demonstrating it this way. So I just wanted to say, I appreciate that as you uh, get ready to share what God's speaking about 2024. And I appreciate that, John. Yeah. Yeah. You reminded me of like first Corinthians 14, where it talks about, you know, let one uh, prophet speak and let the others pass judgment. You know, and I believe that applies across the board when it comes to prophecy in the new covenant and, you know, the covenant that we're under, there's this idea uh, of prophecy where it's like, Hey, I'm sharing a word. I'm submitting this as a prophetic word, but it needs to be tested. You know, it needs to be judged because scripture says that's what, that's the way we should be. Uh, receiving a prophetic word. But, and I think part of that is like, you, it's kind of what you said there. It's like, part of that is, well, 90% of this was, was God. 10% of this was your interpretation, you know, or like mm-hmm. your bent, like added to it, you know, and sometimes it's just that, that God speaks to us in ways we understand, you know, that's why right. a word, you know, two people make it the same word and it may have a different like framework to it, you know, or, yeah. or it may come in a different basket, you know, but it's because God speaks to people in ways we can understand. So, um, yeah, I would, I would just want to say up front to everyone listening, um, please take every word that I share to the Lord in prayer. If you need, if you need some sort of confirmation and be willing to test it as necessary, you know, against what the scripture teaches, 
against what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you personally, because as believers, you know, we can all hear the voice of the Lord uh, in our hearts. Like Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And so that's something that I think we should all be willing to do when we listen to prophecy. Amen. So brother, what is God saying to you about this next season of 2024? Yeah. So back on November 4th, um, oftentimes I'll hear from the Lord when I'm in uh, just a worship session, you know, like I'll just be spending time with the Lord, either reading the word, worshiping or praying. And uh, I began to receive this word that is relatively long. Like the Lord just began to, it's like he began to download this and I began to write down as I was listening. Um, <clears throat> part of it is a word of knowledge about a, and a strange event happening in the political arena, actually here in the United States, I believe. Um, and then the other part, half of it is an, what I would call an encouragement for the body of Christ. And in this word, the Lord talks about, he kind of gives us a little bit of a warning about things that are coming. And so I believe the Lord is addressing this ahead of time because, you know, like Jesus said, your father knows what you need before you even ask. Well, it, I, you know, if you look at all of scripture, you can actually take it a, a step further and say, God knows what we need before it even becomes a need. You know, before we even know it's a need, like, and, and especially before we ask, like God knows what's coming ahead of time. And we see that time and time again with the Israelites in, in the Old Testament, that God knew what was coming and he already, he, he had already like set up a plan of events. And so I believe that's what God is doing with this word is he's saying, hey, this is something that my people need to hear ahead of time because of what's coming. Um, so what I heard uh, specifically was I heard the Lord say, you're entering a season of renewal. And then I heard this phrase, renewal of the saints. So I believe God is speaking to believers, those who have put their trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And he's saying there's a season of renewal coming. And this is the next thing I heard. And at first I did not understand it until I Googled the definition of this word. Uh, but I heard the phrase, a precious element, a precious structure, the, the church body. And then I heard the Lord say, she is precious to me. She's my bride, a structure I oversee and watch over in every way. I oversee the changes happening within my church. I oversee and protect what's mine. So I believe God is fighting against the this idea. And this is something I was praying earlier today. And I just got this sense from the Lord that this, this is something that many believers are potentially struggling with right now and are going to be struggling with in 2024 is this question uh, of and this kind of fear of like what is happening to the church what's happening to the body of christ are and you know it's like this fear of the church running haywire or just things being out of control and i believe god is addressing this and he's saying hey take a step back and look at it from the big picture perspective Th this is a vessel that i have my hands on and i'm not going to let things run out of control i'm not going to you know like things are not just running the course like i am making i'm protecting my body is what the lord is saying here but he uses this phrase, a precious element, and he's talking about the church. So I looked up that term element and the definition, one definition is a group of people of a particular kind within a larger group or organization. So I believe God is talking about what I would you know, call, quote unquote, the remnant from scripture. But the remnant, in, in, as far as I can see in scripture, is basically just those inside of the church organization who actually know the Lord. You know, because the church itself, like if, if you looked at historically speaking, it's like there's an organization there, yet not everyone that steps inside of a church is an actual believer, you know? And so it's like there is, God knows who's, who's are his, you know? And not every Christian worship artist that puts the, the, you know, the word Christian in front of their 
album is a you know is, is technically a christian it's like it, it really comes down to do they know the lord or not and and here's the other definition the other thing i found was uh this word element here uh, was in it said in church use the bread and wine of the eucharist so you know what we would call communion it's like the what what does the pastor usually say like okay take the elements in your hand right you've got the juice and you've got the wafer like you're taking the element Jesus. So this is what Jesus said. Okay. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to read this and I'm going to move on to the next part of this word that I heard Luke 22, 19 through 20. He says, it says, and when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is being given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten saying this cup, which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So there's two things here. Number one is if a renewal of the saints is going to happen in, in, in 2024, we need to, number one, do things in remembrance of Christ. You know, obviously taking communion is amazing, but that's not all that God is talking about here. But he says, do this in remembrance of me. So we need to look back and remember what Jesus has done for us. But then also he says, this, uh, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. So we need to make sure that we're operating under the new covenant. See, the devil is coming against the body of Christ right now. And the, the devil doesn't have to get true believers to go outside of the covenant to, you know, to technically go outside of the covenant. He just has to get us to go back to an old covenant mm. to throw us off track. You know, but when we look in the scripture, we see that what Jesus did for us was the ushering in of a new covenant. And I believe that the Holy spirit is issuing this warning to the body because he's reminding us, Hey, the new covenant is better. You know, it, it's, it says that God, is, this is a better covenant built on better promises. So I'm going to go through this word. I'm going to keep reading this prophetic word. And I believe that we're going to see, we're going to see some of this language here. Um, but I heard the Lord say, I'm, I'm coming to get her. And then he's, and he's talking about the bride here. But until that day, I'm changing her to look more like me. So I don't believe this is a rapture date, you know, like for 2024 or something like that. But the Lord is saying, there's something that's supposed to be happening, you know, until the Lord come, returns. And then he says, my motives, my heart, my victories, my servant-minded attitude. I want what's actually right for her, not what she thinks is right. So, so we're in this process of sanctification through the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's it's a transformation, you know, where when Jesus looks at his bride, he looks at the finished work, right? He he looks at uh, the this this perfect representation of who he designed us and created us to be. And what's amazing, John, is when G when Jesus looks at us, that's what he sees. Those who believe in him, I mean, he sees us as righteous, and he sees us exactly the way he designed us to be you know and he doesn't even look at all the 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 flaws and the things that are you know like still hanging on where like the things we're working through because he sees where we're going and some some days we need to you know there there are times where we need to sit down and we need to be honest with god about what we're struggling with we need to focus on that and we need to say lord help me with this and there are other times where we need to quit paying so much attention to the struggle and we need to stop looking at that we need to start believing no this is who jesus has made me this is who he's called me to be this is where i'm headed and i'm not going to let this weigh me down but i'm going to focus on who he has made me to be in in him in christ and a lot of times when we get our, our eyes off of the old and and onto the new then god is actually able to do something new in our lives so so i believe that this is a it's a sanctification process that we're in but here's the other thing. This this is interesting to me. This is something that the Lord began to show me earlier today. Uh, this idea of like 
the church running haywire. We see we're seeing a, a movement in the church. There's different things that are happening, like you know, rise of the deliverance ministries. You know, like in ways that we've never seen before. Different things that are happening, like online ministry. You know, all this all this different stuff. And 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 we're seeing um, you know weird things too that aren't aren't from the Lord. You know, like we're seeing a mix of a mix of stuff here. But it's easy to start thinking like the the different or the new is messing up the church or is is, is destroying the church. And a lot of times, you know. Uh, I believe the the older generations can look at the younger generations and they can begin to say, um, this is the way we've always done things. So what you're doing is not right. And then the younger generation can look at the older generation and say, yeah, but we know better because we've seen the way you've done things and we've seen where you made mistakes, you know, and both of those are strategies of the enemy that are actually meant to rip the church apart. Yeah. But and, if, and, if they're committed to work with each other, they would actually strengthen each other. Yeah. And and this this uh, I'm going to keep reading this this prophetic word that the Lord spoke because I feel like this is 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 it's God is bringing it down to one simple message. So this is the next thing I heard. I want her to acknowledge me in all things. He's talking about the the church. He says not just in some, not just when it's convenient, not only when it's popular. She's talking about us acknowledging Him and essentially not looking to ourselves for the answer. And then, and then uh, I heard there needs to be a movement toward acknowledgement and away from self-centeredness if she's going to thrive this next year and a half. And he said, because things are coming to challenge her and she will be ready if and only if she can manage her own issues by taking them to the foot of the cross daily. So the Lord's talking about the cross and he's talking, to, talking about us coming back to the cross, right? As, as, as a body of believers and as individuals and realizing, hey, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, so if that was true, then it's still true now, you know, like, and I need, I, it's like, there, I'm just going to speak for myself. You know, when I see God do th things through me, I start thinking, I'll, I'll add that to my, uh, you know, checklist of like achievements, or I'll add that to my trophy wall or, you know, or whatever, you know, it's like, yeah. wait a minute. I wasn't the one that did that. <laughs> you know, like I should be giving Jesus the trophy in this, in the form of praise to him because He's the one that did it. Like, you know, and, and the problem is we start to let this this wall of pride build up, you know, based on these things sometimes, or we go the opposite direction. We go, well, look at all their trophies and look, I haven't done anything, right? Like I'm 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 messing this up, you know, and we start and then we start beating ourselves up. And it's like no matter which side of that fence we're on, you know, when we start to acknowledge God, you know, like Proverbs says, uh, uh, to trust in the Lord with all your heart, do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight you know it's like when we start to do that and we're like hey i'm gonna acknowledge what jesus did i'm gonna i'm gonna believe what the scripture says about me because of what he did and i'm gonna acknowledge what god is doing on the earth today through his body not not what i have to do but what god is doing and i'm just gonna take part in that you know i'm gonna jump it's like we jump onto the bandwagon you know like it's already moving god's already working we just get we just get on board you know and then i believe god is able to do so much more uh when we're when we're starting from that place but this this is a you know i think one of the things the lord is addressing is the division that's caused by selfishness you know in the body and by the the me centered you know and he, and the lord is is appealing to the church and saying hey don't don't just look at yourself now do we need to take care of ourselves and our families absolutely right but but the word also talks about like you know us not merely looking out for our own personal interests so there's this idea of when the love of christ comes in, you know, and starts to take over and take root, 
It's like we look out. Yes, we look out for our own personal interests, but we are also looking out for the interests of others. We're also taking the consideration in mind of the full body, the full picture. Uh, you know, the, the, what, what the, this is what um, Ephesians 2 calls the body. It says, it says, uh, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. So, so Ephesians, Paul is writing and saying, hey, the whole church is being built into a dwelling of God in the spirit. And you're part of that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a building process. And I've, I've seen buildings go up, you know, from start to finish from scratch. It's like there's so many different people involved in that process from the planners to the, the architect, the, you know, the, the draw, the people that are drawing the blueprints to, to the people laying the foundation and, and constructing it. It's, it's all these different professionals you know, that are involved. And that's what the ch- church being built up is like, is like, Hey, you, you can't, you can't hire a, a um, plumber to go out there and do the full job. They only, they only do their one part, you know, <laughs> like, but God is the master builder and he's designing it and he's got the blueprint in mind. And he's the one that's saying, Hey, now, yeah, you know, I'm putting you here. I'm putting you here. I'm putting you here, but we all need each other. And we, we need to recognize that we are part of a dwelling of God in the spirit. And when we come at it from that perspective, it's like we get humbled and, and we start going, man, I just I want to I want to help you if I can, you know, like because I know you're you're doing the same thing that I'm doing. So we're serving the Lord together and we want to see the light of Jesus Christ, uh, you know, shine in the world. And, and I want to I want to be here any way I can to help you. Now, that doesn't mean we don't put up boundaries and all that kind of stuff. You know, like we need to have a healthy relationship with others. But at the same time we don't just consider our own needs. You know, like Paul says in Philippians, we, we're not looking out merely for our own personal interests. And that only happens through the, the, the help of the Holy Spirit. Well, and I'm, I'm just grateful that, that he's willing to help us because <laughs> none of us are good at this, you know, like, right, our, right. like there's none of we us. We all that fall short of the glory of God. Right. Like none of us get this, you know, um, without his help. But uh, I'm just so grateful that he's willing to help us. But this is amazing, this verse. And then I want to read the next, this next, uh, part of this word that God gave me, but this is James four, six. It says, but he gives a greater grace. Therefore it says God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So we all need grace to be able to do this. Right. And to be able to not judge too quickly and to not, you know, criticize a movement just because we don't understand it, but to whether to rather wait upon the Lord and say, Lord, is that from you or not? You know, and make sure that we're actually coming at it from the right perspective. Like we all need that grace, but in order to do that, we simply need to say, God, I, I need that. <laughs> you know, like I need help and God is willing to help us. This is the next thing I heard. I heard the Lord say, break down the walls of self-accomplishment that have held you captive and open up to me in every way. So the Lord is saying this, the, these, this self-accomplishment mindset is actually holding us captive. It's keeping us from, from being able to move forward in what he has for us as the church. And then he said, be willing to acknowledge your need for my mercy and grace in every situation acknowledge me and see my victory take you higher. So I'm out his victory at the cross. And then, and then I heard the Lord say, begin to walk in the new life I have for you through my sacrifice, becoming your all. So I'm going to stop there for a minute. The Lord's telling me to stop because what he's saying here, begin to walk in the new life I have for you through my sacrifice, becoming your all. I think as Christians, a lot of times we want to add to what Jesus has done because we feel that it's necessary. And the only reason we feel that it's necessary is because we haven't, we haven't stopped to, to sit 
in the truth and the reality of what Jesus has done long enough. We haven't meditated on what he's done. And, and here's the most amazing way to do it, John, is, and you know this too, but I, I'm just sharing it for those listening, you know, and, and we all, as Christians, we know this, you know, it's just that we need to be reminded of it. I need to be reminded of it. The most amazing way to do that, I believe, is to get into the New Testament and read about what he's done, get into the gospels, get into the the, the letters of Paul, you know, and, and John and Peter. And all, it's like, read a, what God has written to us about what Christ has done. It's all through there, you know, but sometimes we read and we go, oh, well, yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah. And we just kind of gloss over it. But it's like, it's it, if you read it, stop and you read it, it's like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. You know, like what it means, you know, like what Jesus' sacrifice means for me now. It's like the most amazing thing, but I, I just haven't stopped to think about it, you know, lately. And it's like, we need that. We, we need to be in that place of meditating on what he's done. But then I heard this from the, and it was as if from the father's perspective, I heard the Lord say, quit trying to bring your all to the table separate from what I have done and begin to instead find your all in me. And then I, and then I heard in identifying with my son's victory that day, when he poured everything out for you. So I love this. Do we, you know, the word talks about how uh, we've died with Christ, right? Like we, and, and, but it all starts about how we are raised to life with him too. You know, we get to identify in his death and our flesh, like we crucify the flesh, but at the same time, it's like we get to identify in his victory, you know? And I believe that that is a word. And I just sense the Holy Spirit saying that that's the word for somebody for 2024. Like you need to start identifying in the victory that I won for you. I hear the Lord saying, man, this is, this is good news because when we start identifying in the victory of Jesus Christ, our feelings become a, a lie. <laughs> they don't become the tr our source of truth. Now they are uh, there. You know, our feelings are valid and it's something we should be willing to talk with. We, we should, you know, talk about, we should be willing to deal with, you know, but sometimes they're just a lie. You know, even when we feel like, well, I don't feel victorious today, we can look at what Jesus has done. And we say, no, but his victory is my victory. I don't have to feel it to know that it's true. And I'm, and the more I step into that, the more I get to walk it out. And uh, this is uh, this is the next thing I heard. I heard the Lord say, this is enough. Why are you trying to look other places for, for fulfillment? And then I heard him say, and this is, again, from the father's perspective, but he said, what my son did is enough to fill every space to mend every issue, to fix every problem, to open every wound in every single heart and bring healing. And then I heard supernatural, unequivocal healing. And I did not know what that word unequivocal meant. And that's what I heard. I wrote it down. I, I Googled it. And it means leaving no doubt, leaving no doubt. So this is saying this is supernatural. It's like, this is a miracle. This is a healing. I believe this could be representing, God could be talking about physical healing. Absolutely. But I believe he's also talking about uh, the healing of people's hearts. So about the healing of wounds. It could be church hurt. It could be disappointment from something we thought God was going to do a certain way. And it doesn't seem like he did it. And it, we, and we feel like God has let us down. Listen, God never let someone needs to hear this. God never lets you down, but that does not mean you're not going to feel like he has. I mean, think about Job, you know, yeah, like Job, Felt like God let him down the whole time. And, you know, I, I believe that that uh, one, one of Job's temptations was to start thinking that he was better than God in this situation. Because 
Job's like, well, I'm still, I'm not going to curse God. I'm not going to do what they're telling me to do. I'm, I'm going to keep believing that God is good. I'm going to keep believing that I'm, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. You know, I'm still doing the right thing. I'm still doing it. It's like God, you know, and the, the temptation is, well, God's not doing the right thing, but I am, <laughs> you know, right. But at the end, we see that God explains himself to Job in, in some senses and other senses, he doesn't, he doesn't give him the full picture. But, you know, what I love about the book of Job is I, like, I, I, I want to talk to Job in heaven. Like, I, I just want to talk to him and be like, how do you feel now? <laughs> you know, like you've got to look back. You've got to see everything that God did through this amazing story over, you know, centuries of people reading the book of Job and, and being encouraged by it and, and finding like comfort in the middle of their struggles, in the middle of, you know, some terrible things that people have walked through. And it's like, it's like looking back, oftentimes we get to see a greater perspective. We don't always get to see that perspective looking forward or when we're in the middle of something. But God is seeing that perspective the whole time. Right. And that's where trust comes in. You know, but here's here's what's so amazing. It's like sometimes God doesn't explain what's happening in the moment, but he asks us to trust him. And, and the big question is, well, how? How do you trust him without the information? Right. And the answer is you come into his presence. Wow. You come into his presence. And and it's like Jesus' heart and his love are translated there we, we start to feel we start, start to experience we start to believe wow like god is amazing everything he says about his character is true everything he says about his power is true everything he says about his love is true and it's like we understand in that moment and that reality of experiencing his presence i don't need to understand to trust him i just need to be near him and then i'm going to trust him because he that's how good he is i just have to be near him so the Lord said this, he said, this is enough. Why are you trying to look other places for fulfillment? And, and then this, this is the thing though, John, he, he said, uh, what my son did is enough to fill every space to mend every issue, to fix every problem, to open every wound in every single heart and bring healing. So in order to open the wounds, some, uh, in order to bring healing, sometimes the wounds have to be reopened. Right. I believe that's what the Lord is saying here. It's like, there may be some pain coming, but listen, God is leading us into that if that's what he's leading us into it's for our good and it's for our healing and that's you know what does the word say about jesus it says he endured the cross because of the joy set before him there is an endurance that comes and a, per a perseverance that comes when the joy of the lord is set into our hearts is set in stone in our hearts and that's what I believe God is wanting to do in this season, a renewal of the saints. Re what does the word say? Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Right. And God wants to give us joy this year. And I, I, I sense this from the Holy Spirit right now, that God wants to pour out his joy this year upon his people. And even when everything else seems to be going wrong, I hear the Lord saying, my people are going to say, I have joy in my heart because of what Jesus did for me. And it's enough. That's enough. And I even sense the Lord saying, and my blessing is going to come out of that, that trust, that place of rest in what Jesus has done. And it, it's like the, the, you know, we try to build on so many different things. The, the, the word says there's only one foundation you can build on, you know, that's going to that's going to bring actual fruit. That's going to bring, you know, the, the, the building's going to stand. And that foundation is Jesus Christ. And we need to come back to that foundation. And some of us need to go back to the foundation. And instead of trying to build we need to lay down and we need to rest <laughs> wow. because for some people that is the season that God has us in.
just rest on what I've done. I hear the Lord saying, just rest, trust, learn to trust me all over again to a greater degree. And I, I just sense the Lord saying, you're going to see blessing come out of that and freedom come out of that. Um, so this is, uh, this is amazing. I want to read this verse and then I want to, and I want to share this political word of knowledge that God gave me. This is Colossians three, one through three. It says, therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, which we have, those who believe in him, it says, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Man, so it's like we are just completely engulfed in him. <laughs> like we're held in his hands, you know, but the, the Lord is, is appealing to us through this verse and saying, hey, Keep looking at what I've given you. Keep looking at what I've done for you. And at the right time, things are going to change. But even if they haven't changed yet, you're going to have freedom. And you're going to have victory in me. So this is this is uh, um, what I uh, this is what I heard about uh, this. This it's, it's a word of knowledge. I believe this is something that's going to be happening this year um, in the political arena. I believe this applies to the United States. Um, I saw a vision of and this was the same day. And so a lot of times God will give me a vision about something happening in the culture you know, at the same time, he gives me a prophetic word of encouragement and he puts them together for a reason. But I saw this vision of these Christmas cookie molds um, and I and I saw a Christmas horse that pulls a sleigh, a candy cane, some holly. So there's all these different like, you know, these cutouts that, that, that you make different shapes of Christmas cookies um, with. And I heard the Lord say, I'm molding something new this year. He said, starting early in the year and stretching to about midway. And then he, and then I and, and I believe the Lord's talking about the pro, the political arena here. And he said, an unnerving chapter of events beginning with a bridge being built between parties. And then I heard functioning as a tool, a community vision from one side meant to disrupt progress they've made toward leaving a good impact. And so, and, and so you know, I've, I've prayed about this. This is what I believe the Lord is saying here. Now, obviously, y'all take this in consideration. This is my interpretation of what I heard. Um, but I believe the Lord is talking about Democratic and Republican parties, and that it is someone's going to be attempting to build this bridge in order to do something it could be compromised, something like that. But uh, that there's also going to be a essentially a pushback from one side that's going to try to disrupt that progress. Um, uh, and this mold, the, the Christmas cookie molds I saw actually has to do with the Lord showed me there's going to be a sign that's going to be taking place um, around the Christmas season, and I'm not going to share all of that, John, um, here. Um, but, but I'll, I'll say that much. Um, but then this is what I heard next. I heard, uh, this phrase, she's taking over a vengeance, a part played out uncontrollable rage meant to take apart a community. This is a pushing back against the recent events. And then I, I heard this phrase in, in parliament. Now I believe in the impression, impression I got, I'm not sure why God used that phrasing, uh, you know, cause that's more of a, a United Kingdom thing, but you know, Congress essentially is our version of that. And so I believe that could be what God is talking about. And then I heard it's too much for them to handle. And, and so this is the impression I got that this has to do with uh, this. I'm not sure who she is. I don't know if that represents a person or maybe pot potentially it re represents a party or a political movement. Um, it could represent a candidate. I don't know. Um, or, you know, or, or someone in power already. But uh, this idea of take this uncontrolled, uncontrollable rage meant to take apart a community as soon as I heard the word community, the impression I got from the Lord was the believers involved in politics, believers involved in politics. So there's this pushing back. And, and then I heard this is a pushing back against the recent events. So there's this pushing back against some of the strides that the kingdom of heaven has made in the political arena 
recently. And one of the impressions I got, or one of the things I was reminded of was, uh, you know, like the Speaker of the House praying, you know, and things like that, where it's like, we've seen these stances taken recently. And what happens when the kingdom of light starts to take, you know, steps forward is you, that, you know, the kingdom of darkness gets mad, gets, gets mm-hmm. irate, you know, gets frustrated and the devil begins to push back. So these, these are things that are, man, I just, I just, if this is okay, John, I just sense the Holy Spirit sharing right now. I, I hear the Lord saying, these are things that are necessary and they are normal because the devil is always going to push back against what the kingdom of heaven is doing. And man, wow. I just sense the Holy Spirit saying, um, don't worry about it, my bride. When you see these things happening in the political arena, you know, and I believe that this could also apply to people, you know, outside of the United States as well, because mm-hmm. we all potentially have things in government, you know, in politics that we could be worrying about. But I just, I, I sense the Holy Spirit saying, don't worry about this. This is not something you need to get hung up over. And I just, I just hear the Lord saying, I know what I'm doing. I've already seen things ahead of time and I'm not mm-hmm. worried about it. So you don't need to, you don't need to be worried about it. You don't need to, you don't need to, to strive to try to fit the pieces together in your mind. I just, wow. I hear the Lord saying, just lay them down at my feet and it's going to be okay. Wow. This is the next thing I heard. Um, and it, again, I don't know who she represents, but I heard she's attempting to disrupt the original mode I outlined for this nation. The original structure, freedom of religion is included in this one. So I believe this is also attack, you know, again, back to like the Speaker of the House praying. It's like uh, it's, it's an attack against freedom of religion. It's, it's, mm. it's, a, it's an attack against that. Um, uh, and and then I heard cookies are sweet, uh, you know, back to that cookie mold imagery. They will. And I heard they will pass this off as something delicious and tempting, but it will be a perversion of the original mode I created for humankind. So I believe this is part of that pushback, you know, that's going to be happening. Um, and, and this is this is what the Lord uh, began to connect. He began to connect the dots for me uh, right before we started this this uh, interview. Mm. Um, it's this idea of, you know, you, you, you've got this political structure and you've got, you know, um, the, the Republican Party is not um, the, the Christian representation in, in politics. <laughs> right. Very it's, true. It's not. You know, it's like now I believe that there are, you know, there are. Some some of the parties are better at representing some of the uh, you know stances from God's word that Christians should be holding to than right. others you know but it's like just because you have a, a certain political affiliation does not mean you're a Christian and it doesn't mean you're doing everything right mm-hmm. you know but either way the devil is still trying to disrupt what God is doing in politics. And he's still trying to bring it down and he's still trying to attack the kingdom of light in every arena of life. Politics is just the way that we see it presented in the media most often, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's one of the big things on the screen, but the same way that the devil is attempting, like I heard this word, attempting to disrupt the original mode I outlined in, in politics and in, in, in our country and in our nation, you know, in, in what God's design for it was the same things happening in the church. Mm. He's trying to disrupt the original mode. He's trying to disrupt the outline. He's trying to disrupt God's design. And this is the amazing thing is we are a dwelling place of God in the spirit. The church is. And the devil can't dwell where God is. Mm. <laughs> the devil, he doesn't get invited into the presence yeah. of God. He does. It's like, you know, what happens when the, you know, when the glory begins to come in a service 
is a lot of times the devil has to flee, you know, like you, oh, yeah. you, you start seeing where the devil was and he has to get out, you know, it's like, um, you probably know what I'm talking about, but it, it's like this idea of where do we go to find shelter? Where do we go to find safety in 2024? We go into the presence of the Lord. Hmm. Amen. We go into the presence of the Lord and we're going to find a renewal and a restoration and we're going to find a peace. Whew. And that's all, that's always where we find that. And the Lord is just inviting us. I believe the Lord is inviting us in and saying, come back in. Don't get hung up on what you have done or what you haven't done this last year. Just mm-hmm. come in and find rest, find peace in my presence. I hear the Lord saying, man, and, the, and freedom is going to come out of that. So, Don, I hope I hope that's all right. Um, <laughs> that, that's more than all right, brother. That's uh, really encouraging. And we've got some things that we can we some markers that we can look out for as God has shown you or spoken to you and we can be looking for some of those things and know that God's already spoken this, we can trust in him. And brother, the, the word that you have for the, for the culture, for the political arena, that's actually encouraging as, but the stuff that you were speaking about God bringing us and, and the whole thing with the elements of the, of communion and just what we need to, what we need to do under the blood that really is powerful. And we need to, I want to encourage everybody to watch this again, take notes about what Troy was revealing from God, because there's things in there that have blessed me more than I, more than I can express right now. Uh, But I know it's going to bless you and, and put these things into practice as well, because you are going to be blessed as you uh, receive this and put it into action. So Troy, Thank you so much for sharing what God has been sharing with you. And uh, yeah, God bless you, brother. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me again. Appreciate it. The Lord showed me the enemy is no longer interested in merely coming through the gates. He wants to burn them down completely. I love that how the Lord can speak through many people the same thing and then speak different things through each of us. I want to highlight one thing quickly. Now, some years ago, uh, Chuck Pierce uh, began to prophesy about the new Watchmen movement rising. And, um, you know, I jumped in on that. That's been one of the calls on my life is the Watchmen anointing and uh, began to write and teach on that. I was in prayer a few weeks ago and I was reading the book of Nehemiah. I always ask the Lord, what do you want me to read? He said, read the book of Nehemiah. And in one chapter, three times, it says the enemy burned down the gates. And I said, oh Lord, he said, the enemy is trying to burn down the gates. Now in ancient times, this was literal, but now the Lord is speaking symbolically, figuratively. The enemy is targeting gates at all levels of society. It's not just borders. It's the seven mountains. And this is not a new strategy, clearly, but it is escalated because the Lord showed me the enemy is no longer interested in merely coming through the gates. He wants to burn them down completely. So there's no resistance to his plans. If he can burn down the gates, he can come in like a flood. Now we know the Lord will raise up a standard as the intercessors pray, but we need to understand not just what the Lord wants to do, but how the enemy is moving against God's will uh, so that we're positioned rightly for this era of war. You know, the enemy wants to dominate. He wants to change the times and the laws. Uh, He wants to see idolatry and immorality prevail in cities and nations. God wants to bring revival. So the kingdom of God suffer violence 
the violent take it by force. But, you know, the answer here is twofold. The, the, the church in general must remember, we must remember that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. We must not allow the spiritual pressure that we're feeling. I know many leaders, many believers are feeling great pressure, and the enemy wants to take that pressure and turn it into oppression so that we won't release our voice in prayer, so that we won't speak to that mountain, so that we won't stand in the gap, so we won't you know, make up the, make up the hedge. He wants us to lay down our weapons especially with regard to the gates. It's a critical time at the gates because the gates are what? The point of enemy attack because that's the seat of authority. The gates are where judges and officers administrate justice. We're looking at the Bible here. The gates are where conspiracies are plotted. The gates are where councils are held. The gates are where prophets proclaimed the messages of God. Catch that. The gates are where the prophets proclaimed the messages of God. So the enemy wants to burn down the gates. Now here's the strategy. Watchmen must partner with gatekeepers at a higher level. We've seen for many years the watchmen on the wall, the gatekeepers guarding access. We need a new level of cooperation, sharing of prophetic intelligence, praying together between the watchmen intercessors, the watchmen prophets, and the gatekeeper intercessors. The gatekeeper intercessors must be alerted. See, the watchmen, you know this, the watchmen see from far off. The gatekeeper has a different perspective because the gatekeeper's job is to guard the gate. So we need the watchmen and the gatekeepers to really connect with one another. We don't need to be in silos. We don't need to be you know, in our little camps, our little flows, our little streams. We must, as we're doing here today, come together with different perspectives, different understandings of different cultures, different nations, different types of warfare, different streams of prayer. And we must begin to release the gatekeepers over these closed gates to quench the fiery darts of the enemy and it's the combination of the watchkeeper and the the watchman and the gatekeepers through the avenue of worship and prayer that's going to prevent the enemy from burning down these gates he's not going to prevail i decree it in the name of jesus i declare that the watchman and the gatekeepers are going to rise up they're going to share intelligence they're going to pray without ceasing we're going to walk in humility and i say in the name of jesus the mountains will move the gates will be secured and we shall prevail because we are a victorious church in Jesus' name.